three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 102 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am the host with the maple dong wind, the golden helmet, the ill-mented, greasy host from Canada, Moods. Yeah. On my left, we have the man who, if given the chance, would probably make out with Stephen King after drinking four tall cans of monsters. Double Shot J. A.K.A. J.P. And last, and I do mean last, the man who has a $100,000 film education and pronounces most famous industry names like a seven-year-old kid with ADHD, the spinning dreidel, NES Ruler 22, yeah. Jeremy. What's oh. going on? Guys? It was 50000 not a hundred. Half. Half. You get up into that dollar amount, it doesn't really matter, man. Dude, I noticed matter. something. I bet it sucks to say 102. Like, it used to be like 89, 66. You know, now it's like 102. It's so many syllables. I actually noticed that on episode 101. I I wasn't sure if I was going to say 101 or 101. It is. It's a lot of extra syllables and mouth movements. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. Fascinating is the fact that JP knows what syllables are. Wow. Uh-oh. Congratulations, JP. And it starts 14 seconds into the show. There we go. Surprised you know that. It's a big <laughs> word for you. Oh, yeah, oh, huge. There we go. Here we go. All right. So what's going I on, guys? I a lot, so don't worry. What's, what's everyone uh, been doing since episode 101, which was what? Three days ago? <laughs> so, yeah, man. We're pumping these things out, man. It's like, yeah. we're do- well, it's like we're doing pornos, man. They're coming out every five minutes. Since you did mention that. Little bump in the schedule, and we decided to switch some things around. Just keep everybody updated so they can watch along with us. So next week we're actually going to be off because Moods is where you get you going somewhere. Yeah, I'm heading out of town. Okay, so Moods is going out of town, and me and Jeremy would just do the show, but it would probably end up in one of us dead. Um, <laughs> literally, <laughs> most likely him because he's oh, weak. We, no, but we. We never done we, a show just me and you, so <laughs> we don't know how it would go. I mean, we did do we do do mini shots with Anks that one time, and it went pretty well. It's one of my, it's one of my better reviews, so that should say something. Yeah, it actually is. That's uh, because it was actually a good movie, though. That's yeah, why. Right. <laughs> Not like fucking Dream Cruise. I don't think any of us gave our hundred percent in Dream Cruise. We're just like, let's get the <laughs> out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but so moods is go, going away for a couple days so we're not going to record and have an episode next week uh which kind of shifted the schedule a little bit so we decided since that gives us an extra week of preparation anyway we'll go ahead and do the alien show when we come back so now 
instead of Urban Legends being episode 103, it's now the Alien franchise, and then we'll we'll get back on schedule with Urban Legends on episode 104 and laid to rest on 105. Kind of funny. It's fucking episode 100, episode 101, Master of Horrors, which is a big show. Now this show, which is smaller, and then another fucking ginormous show. Hey, we said Lots of big shows. we said we're gonna come out swinging when we were, when we get back and and we're not messing around. Oh, yeah, and then who knows after that, man? Well, I know after that. I mean, cause the, the, that's episode one hundred six, which is the <laughs> exploding heads top ten show. That we're oh, I meant I meant after the uh, the nineteen eighty six show. Uh, I mean. I mean, if all these films actually come out this year, all these franchise films that are supposedly coming out, well, this could be like is the year of the franchise the show. News. So, and I mean, potentially we got some really big hitters coming. And, yeah, so that's exciting, too. I know. Yeah. There's, like, a, so many fucking franchise movies getting made right now. It's kind of, you know, kind of crazy to think all these different fucking movies are coming out, including, you know, which I know yeah. is going to be in JP's news. So Plus the... But Child's Play probably out this year. I'm no, assuming it's definitely out this year. Well, I mean, so that, well, definitely in quotations. Like it's slated for this year and it's yeah. filmed. So usually that is good signs. But um, that I happened think, last the, year with Chainsaw. So, but I think the point is we're going to be we're going to be knocking off some of the big heavy hitter franchises <laughs> later on in the year. Also, potentially Saw and Hellraiser are supposed to come out this year. So, um, paranormal anything, for sure. Paranormal's going down. Well, Paranormal is interesting because we actually – there's not a new one coming out. So if we do that, we're just doing it because we said we would eventually. Uh, but I will say Yeah, but one the thing. second that we plan to do that, though, they're going to announce another one because yeah. they seem to come out quite frequently too. So, well, I think they're uh, done. Actually, you know what's Maybe. interesting about that, Moods, is if you look at all the franchises we've covered, there are only two that made a new film that's out. Yeah, Phantasm and um, what else? What was the other one? Leprechaun. That's right. That's yeah. Right, Leprechaun. So, um, only two of our franchises are outdated. And if the new Children of the Corn comes out, I suggested we do a show called the Franchise Roundup Show, where we <laughs> where we review the the, the loose ends, kind of like this, that's actually a, a good podcast? idea. You're not. You mean you're not going to make a new podcast called the Loose Ends Podcast? It's <laughs> yeah. actually pretty. We'll good. Talk about all the loose ends. But could, but it would be Children of the Corn. Runaway, Leprechaun Origins, and uh, Phantasm Ravager on the same show. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange one. That's yeah, a strange but one. I think that I think that it's only fair because I hate loose ends. I hate leaving like these incomplete, uncompleted franchise shows out there. You know, so I figure Did I figure we do you? need to get back to them. Did you not talk about Ravager on this show though? Yeah, but time? that's different. That's different. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if Hellraiser does come out this year, that's going to be a big big show yeah. because that's 10 that's 10 films that we got to watch for that one uh, i mean child's play there'll be eight like i mean there's some big ones saw is eight. saw eight like these are massive franchises so seven, damn seven with child's play is that the seventh film is it really right yeah because you got one through child's three play. four and then you have seed and curse Oh, yeah, it is the seventh one. Shit. Well, it is what it is. But anyways, the point is franchise, man. Could be the year of the franchise. Yeah. I didn't even know they were making a new the corn. Yeah, Dave actually said that. He's like, this is the, the back when we were planning shit, like early in the year. He's like, this is going to be the year of the franchise for 22 shots. <laughs> it's like, yep. But, I mean, um, well, shoot. I, I mean, <sighs> Alien, 
is going to be our first big one. Um, witchcraft, come on. <laughs> I think we'll end up doing paranormal. Be witchcraft. I think is just uh, is just going to be an ongoing joke because I don't even think we can acquire these they, films. No, man. we did. Me and Jeremy are taking it a little bit more serious than you. Yes, it is an ongoing joke now. No, Will no, no. I'm really, really trying to defer this I, to the I garbage. Understand. I understand. But it's not going to work. <laughs> it's going to happen eventually. As, much, as not... much as I like shitty bad films, these are so bad that it's actually – it's hard for me to even watch, man. It will be an awesome show because who has ever reviewed the entire nobody. franchise? Nobody. Well, nobody. But, I mean, that's not one show. That can't be. That's like 15 episodes or something. <laughs> Or 15 movies. <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. Witchcraft month, man. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy December. shit. And then, up the year with witch. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you think about it, how many shows have we put out in this year, right? Just just the one, right? Mm-hmm. Before the us coming back, we put out the end of the year Hatchet. show. Was Hatchet this yeah, year Hatchet. or was it last year? Yeah. It was, it this, was year. this year. Oh, so we kicked off the year with Hatchet then. It was in February, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hatchet was the last show before the the monstrosity break that we took. And I want to know how the fuck did I lose in that poll that ten out of ten, Derek? How the fuck do more people agree with ten out of tens than my reviews? Fuck everybody. <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on. I, I don't, I don't mean to der- derail your statement, Jeremy, because I think that's important too. But uh, <laughs> w- no, we put out the end of the year show, then Hatchet. Then episode one hundred, correct? Yeah. All right, good. All right, but yeah. So, so somebody created a poll and it poll, and it was like, uh, you know, who who do you agree with most uh, when they're talking about movies? And nobody apparently nobody agrees with Jeremy ever. I fucking lost the sack, and sack isn't even on the fucking show. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Uh, How the shit. fuck well, do he... I lose to 10 out of 10 Derek? He gives everything a fucking 10 out of well, 10. At one point, I think we all lost, though, because Zach made a comment saying they all have shitty taste and fuck them or whatever. And there was a bunch of people who voted for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> huh. so that was pretty comical. I don't that was know. Pretty comical. I, that, you know, honestly, it surprised me to see that um, I do th- like, OK, I expected to have a majority of the votes because I feel like my um style is most like reached to like the mainstream and like the average horror fan so like i somebody left a comment and said that and i was like yeah i agree like like i'm a pretty average you know watcher like when it comes to the type of Mm -hmm. stuff that i like it seems like the rest of the world likes that stuff too um but i was actually surprised to see jeremy get no votes really because i thought more people would agree with jeremy considering he's he usually doesn't go easy on movies Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's what it is. But I figure, maybe. I figure that there's so. I feel like it's changing. I feel like the landscape is changing of the horror world because instead of everybody being angry and complaining and bitching like Jeremy, it seems like people are like loving the genre again. So, yeah, people are just becoming less forgiving, I guess. You know, accepting know, these bad movies for what If more people saw Bye Bye Man, I think they would change their opinion. So. <laughs> I like Bye Bye Man. Fuck you. Yeah, I know, I but you're retarded. So why don't we review that on the show? <laughs> so when I do my when I do my new segment, because Moods knows what it is, that would be a great great thing. So review it on the show. <clears throat> There's actually a couple people <clears throat> that voted for Derek that I thought would have voted for me. That's interesting. Um, I voted for JP. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, but the the end votes here fourteen eleven. 
or for I guess that'd be eighteen fifteen or something. I don't know. And I got two. Yeah, dude. How did you don't, get two? That's you so got bad. Three. You got three, man. Oh, I got three. Yeah, I got a new one. Derek has six. What? How the fuck does that happen? Dude, Derek out like eight shows. He's ten. 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 Like He's 60. done ten. He did ten shows. Sixty. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Jeremy's legitimately butthurt right yeah, now. Yeah, fuck everybody. Well, I think what they're saying is, is Derek is, uh, has better taste in movies than you. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You know, I'm going to fucking give 10 out of 10s to everything. They're voting it's for like, those oh, favorite reviews. 10 I'm out of 10, Beneath the Mississippi, 10 out of 10. Fucking give everything a 10 out of 10, man. <laughs> Hence the name, 10 out of 10, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> It's the funniest thing. I'm watching Jeremy right now. He literally can't sit still because his ass hurts so bad. Got it, got it, <laughs> he's bouncing around on his seat, man. Like he's riding a Sibian. It's nothing to take serious. Man, nobody takes this shit serious. I mean, shit, man. Somebody wrote in the sinister one. <laughs> yeah, I know. What the hell? Did I lose on that one too? Because that would be some bullshit. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 funny to to see that play out and see see what people think. It didn't have as many votes as I thought to see like a clear cut, like except for the Jeremy sucks. To be apparently. honest, I think most people are scared to vote on those things because they don't want to be like picking favorites and shit like yeah. that. They don't well, want everybody yeah. already knows that you're that. everybody's favorite because every time you post something, it gets fucking fifty likes, and every time anybody else posts anything, it's true. It you have stuff. actual fanboys mood, so. Yeah, man. Well, maybe, but you know, it's funny because it's funny because you guys are probably the only people that never like anything I post. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of fun, man. <laughs> because I will mention something after and be like, "No, I post this," and you're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, because you didn't like it, man. <laughs> you know, you weren't getting updates on it. You didn't read the fucking post, or you did, and you just don't want to give in to my, you know, you want to become fandom boys, whatever." Yeah. I see. It's all good in the, it's all good in the hood, man. It's it's all good, man. I love all my shit gets likes, man. Some of my shit gets mad fucking hate. People are like, "Fuck you, moods." So how much him. money did you use yesterday, JP? Uh, I actually lost all all the money yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how much? When did um, you have money from? I had about. Previously? See, I had about thirty dollars, but it was from my original twenty that I put in. You know what I mean? Which was like months ago. So I kept going up and down with that same twenty, but I finally I got like a dollar twenty five left. So I got, I got a chance to turn it around. <laughs> I thought Were you they the shit UFC last night, aren't, man. What'd you say, Moods? Were they? Sh- Go ahead, Moods. Were they shit fights? No, the fights were good. I just was wrong the whole time. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> usually, like, you know, if they're good, you'd be picking. I don't know. I, I just I'm usually pretty good at it, good but fights. I've had yeah. two bad. I have had two bad bad uh cards this year alone like two that i just fucking totally dropped the ball on but like last the last card i went four four and or five and oh and the card before that i went four and oh so i mean i don't know i'm just slacking i guess but nobody wants to hear about that i did want to do uh, a few little shout outs here i want to hear about that because you fucking failed so that's what i want to hear about (laughs) oh there no he reveals the true nature behind the question you loser loser (laughs) it actually was painful last night too oh my god he's actually rubbing himself right he's loving this so much right now what a loser look at him man he's glowing he's like jp failed this is amazing (laughs) <laughs> He's never gonna let it die. So, oh, um, one of the shout outs that I wanted to give to was, um, one of our listeners actually created a podcast. I don't know if you guys seen this. Um, Andrew, right? yeah, Andrew Scheuer, Shower. 
Oh, with his brother, yeah. Yeah, the Woodsboro Burrows. Have you guys heard it? No. Me neither. I don't got time for that. No, I'm just kidding. I just it's in the it's in the deck. I've just not got to it yet. But I thought that was cool. Apparently they they might have mentioned us on the show or whatever, so I thought that that was cool. And anybody who listens to this show, maybe check it out. Um because I think that's cool if like I don't know if we inspired them or anything, but they listened to us, so that's cool enough that they decided to make a podcast. And um the other shout I want to give to was uh, to Mr. Watson again, man. Did you guys listen to his top 10 of 2016 show that was just posted? No. Yeah. A little late. A little late. <laughs> I didn't even know it was posted. <laughs> yeah, he just posted it last, like, early this week. Um, oh, but shit. Totally missed it. It was, it was a fantastic show. He actually broke it up into tiers, right? Like, he did his top 16 of 2016 tier 2 films and then he did his top 16 of 2016 tier one films so like so he technically did a top 32 yes yes yeah and (laughs) and that's how it breaks down too um it is a top 32 but some definite surprises on there um some some love for some films that you liked moods um yeah a a little bit of love for the some films that i liked um but uh, i was actually quite surprised with with what his list turned out to be Um, but yeah, check that show out because he does a great job of talking about the renaissance that is happening in horror right now and how he says that this is the best time in horror in a very, very long time. And I am agreeing 100%, uh, with that statement. Um, I think it's, this is the best time to be a horror fan, maybe other than the eighties. Um, but even me looking back on the 80s like with this 1986 show my my opinions are slightly changed slightly you know it's interesting you know as as much fun as the 80s was with reagan being president and stuff um nothing can compare to having trump as a president right now so now <laughs> you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of uh parodies and i th- i think i honestly i think it could be good and bad i'm a little bit indifferent on this i've been thinking about this and I do think I do agree it's a good time for horror because people are it's I think legitimately indies, frightened. It's yeah, I think of the a, exactly. I think a lot of people are legitimately um, a little bit frightened in the world right now, just with things that are happening. And I think it's going to showcase in the horror to a certain degree. But I think the fact that people are a little bit frightened it might also bring out the comedy again too to enlighten the situation that's you know that this world is going through right now. So who knows? Who know, who really knows? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on it? I think I just you can go think either that way right, right now. now um, just just judging by the last three years alone, right? Since we've been doing this pod, let's just say well, like, from 2013, it... right? 2013 yeah. um, till 2017, we've been doing this show. We've done top ten lists for all of those years. Uh, granted, 2013 and 14, we might not have been as into it, not watching as many stuff, but definitely 15, 16. Uh, we have watched tons of movies for the show and the amount of like eights and hires is pretty good. Like it's, and it's because there's so many movies that come out every year now that it's Mm -hmm. almost impossible to keep up and to see all these films, these different films that are coming out of nowhere with virtually no push, no uh, publicity like the, the like no press for them like they just come out like did you hear of trash fire before people started watching it like did you know 
Trash Fire was coming out? Did you know no. Pet was coming no. out? Did you know no. uh, I, like Train to Busan barely had any push, right? Yeah, just one Th- person this seen is- it, and then it, the word of mouth. This is le- like legitimately the reason why I don't get annoyed when people post and ask questions. Hey guys, like what's what's good out there? What's going on? And so I like those posts. Because it helps people be informed because there is so much shit that's dropping all the time. Like literally. No press. Like like mic drops, man. It's just like, bam, it's there. It's Mm -hmm. there. And exactly. No press, no promotion whatsoever. And also these films are coming out of the woodworks and people are watching different things. So the networking and and communicating with with each other is really the best thing for us now. Just considering there's five, six thousand. Five, six thousand films a year that are coming out. And let's face it, everybody and their fucking goddamn dead grandmas are making movies now. And and I don't want to miss the good ones. So yeah, exactly. Getting the word out on the podcast and communicating and asking questions and stuff is a good thing. I, I feel like some people get annoyed because like a post will come up like, oh, someone asked what's good. What what are the good movies out this year? It's like, fuck, don't get annoyed. Be informed. Get Absolutely. involved. Absolutely. Right. So and and I think it's good, man. And how, um, how I know what's good out there is podcasts. I literally listen. I've been really slow lately because I. I finished the It audiobook, which somebody did ask me to talk about, so maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later uh, during the What We Watch segment or something like that. What We Read, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, or listen to. Uh, but, yeah, the, I mean, uh, besides that, the 44-hour audiobook that I just listened to, I listen to so many podcasts, and I love podcasts that cover new films. Um Oh, I mm-hmm. like it better in the what we watched format where it's not the featured review because I don't want to know a whole lot about them. But if yeah, I hear another yeah. podcast that does similar things like what we watched um, and they just they go round table and they talk about like Exploding Heads does it now, too, which I think is cool. And uh, they always watch a lot of newer films. So that helps me avoid the, the crappy ones and watch the good ones first. But then you also have the fact that, that sometimes they think they're crappy, but they're actually not, which has happened last year where, um, you know, Dave hated on something that I ended up liking or vice versa. So you can't mm-hmm. always take every opinion 100% true. But at least you have them discuss what it is, and then if it sounds intriguing, you can check it out on your own. And that's what we've been doing here for a long time, too. Maybe not so mm-hmm. much on the the newest films, but we've definitely had some new films that we've talked about that have made lists, um, yep. which is really cool. So uh, I'm having I couldn't be more excited about this genre going forward. I think I think we're. I think we're not even peaked yet. I think it's going to get better and better. Like these last three years have been like, if not a steady up, then a up flat, up flat type thing where it's going up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last couple of years have been interesting because what 2015 was kind of dubbed the year of, um, you know, the, the horror comedy more or less, right? But, there, was, yeah, there was a shit that was of horror comedy that saying. came up. I didn't feel it as much as some people did, but that's what everybody said. I think it depends on how many films you watch. I mean, you know, with 150 films watched and, you know, half of them were basically horror comedy. It's like, wow, it's a lot of horror comedies. Yeah. But but that was kind of the label that 2015 was given, considering the amount of films that were in people's top tens. I think that's what it comes down to that were legitimately horror comedies like Deathgasm and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then 2016 comes along and it almost seemed like the horror comedy fell off the cliff and it got a little more serious. And there was the, the horror comedies were very far in between. And I didn't really watch a lot last year, and I thought that was quite there, interesting. There was definitely a lack of last year con- compared to 15. Yeah, I thought there was a more of a, ri- a variety of type of films last year. 
And I, I think that had a lot to do with the state of what was going on. And this year is interesting because, you know, just with the political things that are going on and, and you know, a certain president's first year in office. Well, I, I'm really curious to see how the rest of the year plays out with films mm-hmm. and into next year and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that we get some – I'm hoping that yeah I know but you know usually we get the best stuff in the in the last quarter of the year yeah dude right? for sure that's where the best so, stuff that's where the top tens are made is exactly that and and I'm hoping that the content is really kind of dark and gloomy and shit and just just kind of blows my socks off blows my shitter out Jeremy. you know because so far in my opinion this year has been pretty pretty average I've watched some good ones don't get me wrong I've watched a lot more films that I wasn't too crazy about so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it always starts out slow every year, but average. at this point last year, I had some. To- I had a couple films that made my top ten at this point already. So, you who knows? Who knows? We'll it, see. it started off hot for me, but it has cooled down since. Jeremy, uh, do you have anything to say on this? You're being kind of quiet. Uh, because as always, you guys are fucking talking too much. Well, just don't let interrupt. me talk. <laughs> I was gonna say like, when oh, you think anyways, about it, like, so um. Hey, I tried to do that to you. I was listening to an old show. I tried to do that to you one time, Moods, and you got really mad. So you shouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, shut the fuck up. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Jeremy does it every two fucking minutes to you. Anyways. Can I talk now? Yeah. So I think that this year, while media, maybe not as good as the indie scene, I think the mainstream scene, that this is one of the better years in a while. Because mm-hmm. they're pumping out fucking mainstream horror films like it's going out of style and... Get Out is actually like one of the highest grossing horror films of the past 17 years. You know, it fucking has made bank. I think that movie has overachieved so fucking much that even I'm surprised how much money so what that the, movie Well, especially you because a lot of the listeners don't know. But when you went and seen another movie, you looked at the trailer and you thought it looked awful. Yeah, I thought it looked like crap. Like, oh, they're just trying to make a fucking statement about all the racial shit that's going on in America right now. I'm just trying to cash it in. And I really thought that's what it was going to be. And I guess other people were fucking interested in that shit. And I guess that the just positive word of mouth really helped that movie because it fucking has made $174 million in the U.S. and domestically made another $40 million. So it's made $215 million on, so a four, on a $4.5 million budget for an R-rated low-budget horror film. That is fucking nuts, and I think relevant content you. will always do that, though. Yeah, relevant content. And what what are the other big heavy hitters in the mainstream this year? Uh, oh, split, Alien. <laughs> well, Split is another yeah. huge fucking hit, especially for freaking uh, for Blumhouse. They did Split and Get Out. They both cost mm-hmm. four and a half million dollars to make. Well, Split cost five million to make. Get Out made cost four and a half million to make. So that's nine million dollars total to make. And Get Out made 175 million, and Split made 140 million. So for nine million dollars, they pretty much made 400 million dollars on two movies. So Split is another fucking home run hitter, and that one made 139 million. Let's just say it's pretty fucking gnarly. Okay, so and what then, are what are the other besides Alien Covenant that's coming out, which is I, I'm expecting is going to do really well. It's an Alien film; they always yeah. do. Well, we um, have that. Uh, that A24 movie, I fucking can't remember the name of it right now. But I think that's going to be a big hitter when it comes It looks it comes like it's already got hype. Uh, it is coming out this year. Um, you have... Uh, I have to say, man, I am really, really excited to see it. Yeah, I think... You know, before I was, I was kind of like... I was on the fence about it, but after seeing what, you know, 
Pennywise looks, I was like, damn. It comes in that. I, th- That's the I, I just have a feeling, I'm really hoping it's going to be as dark as it looks. Mm-hmm. And j- and just delivers on the, the yeah, real so, fucking nasty horror. Well, so I it mean, comes at night, comes out on June 9th from A24, and I think that's going to be a, a big hit. I think it's going to be attract people who like The Witch and mm-hmm. Green Room and all those other A24 films. I think that movie's going to actually do really well. It looks fucking awesome. I think it looks <clears throat> the really, witch. really... What a shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, witch, the Witch really, really by cool. far made more top tens than any other film that I've heard last year. You know what's interesting? The the Witch was one of those films that seemed to be, you know, a top fiver, or it was completely off people's lists. Yeah, like it, I'd never seen the lit, or I'd never seen the Witch on anyone's top twenty or top thirty list, like below top ten. Mm-hmm. You know, if it wasn't in the top ten, it was off your list. So people were loving it or hating it. It's definitely one of those films. I think it was misunderstood, and I think the big problem was that uh, I know you had an issue with it too, JP, at first when you watched it without yep. subtitles. Mm-hmm. I mentioned to a couple people, I said, uh, even on my channel, they're like, oh, I watched The Witch, and it was hard to understand. I said, hey, man, watch it with the subtitles on. It might change your view of the film completely if you actually understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you might respect it a <laughs> that, little bit that more. That film gets better with each watch. It really does. Um, I've watched it three times and I, I love it. It's great. Film. I, I think that this year, I think that this year is like Jeremy was saying is going to be huge for mainstream film, which is great for us because that just means that more money will be put into horror film it, for films and it, it trickles down, right? Like it'll, and then I was going to say, and then two weeks later after it comes at night on June 9th, on June 16th, we have 47 meters down, which was that movie that came out on DVD that got recalled. Uh, I forgot. I think that's made, what it was called. Uh, Dave's list last year. Yeah, yeah. Is that the I shark know. film? Yeah. So that's getting a wide release on June sixteenth. So that's interesting. That. And then you know, got aliens next week, and then just a whole bunch of other. Yeah, weird there, stuff. there's a lot. There's a lot that's coming, and and we'll be yeah. sure to talk about them all when they as they're coming out. And and I'm I'm really bummed that we missed the first quarter of the year. You know what I mean? The first two quarters, pretty much. Um, you know, and we didn't get to discuss these films that we were going to see. Like, I know Jeremy went and seen a bunch of stuff. A lot of shit. Um, pretty much all the horror that came out. All the stuff. You know? I saw so, everything. Yeah, and and I'm going to continue starting now to check out everything else that comes out. I missed a little bit there because we weren't doing the show, and I don't feel as motivated. But I yeah, am not looking forward to Wish Upon. I think that movie looks like <laughs> turd nuggets. I, I'm doing not bad. I slowed down recently. I've watched about 40 2017 films, so it, it's not it's not too, too bad. <laughs> but I actually slowed down purposely because I went on a string of shit ones, and I was like, God oh, damn Oh, fucking Annabelle comes out this year, too. Oh, oh man. Okay, okay. Um, it can't be worse than the first one. It just can't be worse than the first one. So, August 11th. Uh, before we get into the news and stuff, there was the one other shout-out that I wanted to do here because we do it when they're done and we actually got three itunes reviews um in one week so um or at least i was notified by them uh in the last week but they are from uh Mm, over the last month and that always helps guys it's it's a huge huge help when we get those itunes reviews because itunes buries podcasts without high high reviews and ratings so we need to keep them coming, and everybody who uh, uh, fills out an iTunes review will be entered in all of our contests. Which, speaking of, I swear to God, we're going to try to do it 
in the next between the next two shows to have the contest results done and out because uh, it's been a while, but I still have all the prizes and we just there's there was so many entries that I have to sort them all out and figure out how we're gonna do it and stuff. So <laughs> that's coming. But uh, for the iTunes reviews, we have Dead Michael from the USA leaving a review. Moods and JP now Jeremy is back. Good podcast, fun to listen to. Uh, thanks, Dead Michael. That's awesome. Um, you, you, you. He actually noticed that Jeremy is back. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking well, th- that's why he had Holy to leave the shit. review. He was like, you know what? This is an incomplete product. He's I probably leaving a review. a review because he's like, yeah, Jeremy's back, and I'm going to tell everybody how awesome he is. Yeah, that's what Not I just like said. That <laughs> Mexican douchebag JP. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> he was waiting to do his review until the show was complete again. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then we have Al Eyes eighty two from the United States. He says one of the best horror podcasts. Looking for a horror podcast with knowledgeable hosts, in depth discussions, and some good laughs? Well, look no further. This is one of the best podcasts around, and I guarantee if you give it a try, you will not regret it. I started listening in November of twenty sixteen, working my way through the back catalog and enjoying every minute. Keep up the great job, guys. You got so, about a, a solid two months before we took a long break. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's, That's funny. a funny timing right there. Thanks, yeah. though, homie. Thanks. Uh, and then the final one is from my co-host, Jerry from Kill the Cast uh, on the Married with Children podcast. And he says, hey, man, nice shot. Shots oh. and moods brings the fun every time This the mics are on. Tons of great info. <laughs> what a fucking pun that just, is. Just listen to JP drop the knowledge on the Hatchet Show or Moods telling you the 411 on Italian flicks. And always well-produced, and, and always well-produced show, you can place your bets on this being a great time. Hey, I just have one thing to say to you. Fuck you! What about me, you fucking dick? <laughs> <laughs> I was here too, you know? Well, technically... Why do you let it hurt my feelings? Technically, Jeremy, just to be fair, this review was published on April 16th. I don't give a shit. What about me? You weren't here. Yeah. But I was you weren't, the, you weren't on the Hatchet Show. I was on 62 episodes. <laughs> well, Jerry is a the li- Hall of Pain. J- Jerry is a newer listener, so. Well, fuck Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to welcome Jerry to um, <laughs> Horophilia and also give a shout out to Kill the Cast. They have now finally joined Horophilia. A long time coming, considering Jerry has been all over the place in all of our groups and uh, becoming a really, really cool mainstay. And he, he's honestly a very genuinely nice guy, and, and he's a good podcaster. He's really great. I would love to have him on this show as a guest sometimes if the... No, uh, yeah. fuck Jerry! <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, we're going to bring on Jerry and kick Jeremy off for at least one episode. Forget about me. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot yeah, of people forget Jeremy. about you. <laughs> I fucking get three votes in the poll, and now fucking Jerry doesn't mention me? Fuck this shit. Nobody loves me anymore. So thanks to everybody who left an iTunes review, including Jerry, even though Jeremy feels bad about it. Um, It helps a lot, guys. I I, I love the iTunes reviews. Um, Thank you so much. So salty. (laughs) Yeah, man. Thanks for all the iTunes reviews. Those really do help. And we like reading those. Those are fun. I I do like reading those. Yes. uh, I enjoy hearing them. Yeah. So. And that's like literally the only way I can even 
even see them or hear about them because being in Canada, like I can't view it. I don't think, I don't think it even pops up. Nope, You can't. So it's like, it's ridiculous. And I don't think too many of us Canadians are um, leaving reviews. So we have, get to see shit. we have a few, but cool. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right. Should we get into some news? Dude, what? it's been so long since we've done some news. It has been way too long. Could you imagine just covering like the last three, four months? Just do a whole show on news. I think that would be a six-hour podcast. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> but, what's, but what's current here? What's uh, what's going on, JP? Okay, so um, the biggest news this week for me, and probably most of the other world or you know horror world, is that we finally have a release date for the new Leatherface film. Correct, Jeremy is correct. <laughs> So the prequel Leatherface is finally coming in October. Um, this is this is this is really really huge news for me. Like I, I'm really happy about this. Uh, so there was a hold up. Let me take you back a little bit. There was a hold up. It was filmed um, in 2016, I believe. It was completed yeah. and sitting on the you know bench, just waiting for its time mm-hmm. to shine. And I believe even the director. Um, came out and said like hey Lionsgate's just sitting on this film guys uh can you guys make some noise to get it released so there was this whole like twitter campaign like we want leatherface type thing which actually got a fairly decent amount of um tweets and and things like that and mentions and stuff hashtags uh so maybe that helped with the the Lionsgate finally figuring out what they was going to do i had a theory that cuz the director and writer came out and said that um, they tied the films really, you know, the best they could together to this one or this one to those. And I, I had a theory that maybe Lionsgate thought that this fan was, this film was too much for the fans and they couldn't really market it to the mainstream audience. So they didn't know what to really do with it. Um, that was my theory. I could be completely wrong. Uh, but now it seems like whatever happened, it's coming out. And, uh, basically uh, the producer, Krista Campbell uh, was on Twitter and she said to all our Leatherface fans out there, the movie will be released in October. Hashtag Texas Chainsaw. Hashtag Leatherface. Okay, so it's coming out. It's coming out how? I mean, it doesn't say, but all of the Chainsaw films have been theatrical thus far. I'm surprised... Yeah, see, that's why I was asking because uh, it's interesting. It doesn't say theatrical release; they're just putting it out. So maybe your theory is is correct. You know, this one was too much for the fans, and so that's what I hate about studios, man. You know, they're trying to figure out a way to market it to the non fans. Is that a fucking problem? I mean, they want to market it to the mainstream, the masses. Well, Aren't the fans money. going to see this shit? Yeah, but the 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 main the no matter how many fans go to see something. It never has the impact of capturing the mainstream audiences. For sure, but I mean, I don't know. The mainstream audiences made Get Out a success, not the fans. I know, but that's also an original, like it's an original film. This is, you know, part of a franchise. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you already have a core audience. That's my problem with it. I mean, a lot of people are going to pass on it because they're like, oh, that Leatherface film, that's a prequel? Oh, well, I haven't even seen the original one. Fucking screw it, man. I mean, it's pretty tough to do, man. Just fucking put it out. Put it out and take your chances. See what happens. I don't get it. I don't get it. Get Out would have a totally different campaign. Right? And it did. So. 
Who gives a shit? Can't we just be happy? <laughs> New Leatherface film. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Like, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. No, but Jeremy, you're, you're missing the point here. I just, it's just like this is why they said we should have already had the film. They've been sitting on this thing for months. That's my point. It's like they made this conscious decision to hold on to it because they couldn't figure out how to market it to fucking uh, to fucking Rianne Corgan, some thirteen year old girl. Well, that, that was my. They had to that make was the money. Theory, it's about though. the money. That, yeah, that I understand that you. That doesn't but mean it's, that it's a fuck, true. It, but it's part of franchise. I mean, that I mean, we're just going off your theory, which is probably correct. It's it's a pretty viable theory. Well, I mean, my I think but selecting an October release franchise. date though is a great idea. Like that was yeah. actually smart. Like I would rather have it then than in July. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. I, I well, we even said that before. It's like why wouldn't you try to push it for this date? You know, kind of thing. But so th- th- this yeah. Halloween is looking fucking up, dude. We have we have Chainsaw slated. We have Call of Chucky, and we have a new Saw film potentially, all in October. No, not potentially. We There's absolutely no way that we can pull off three franchises in fucking one month. With, not you, with that can you many. imagine the whining that Jeremy's going to happen have on that? If we you announced it, he'd be like, "I can't fucking do we, that." We, we would just have I to put Child's work. Play last, so that if he wanted to bring Child's Play, we could fucking talk shit. <laughs> You're Maybe. a fucking. Dick. I watch <laughs> fucking everything. No, but I'm saying three franchises that have left like seven, eight films in one month. Do you be on overload? Oh, but JP you, would be you, bitching you would, too. You would implode. You would. <laughs> something would go wrong, man. Because he's going to be doing his 31 days of horror that will last until the next October because he never finished hey, them. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. In, in JP's defense, he finished it like six months later, but the point is he finished it. Yeah, I finished shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, October. That would be crazy if we were doing that shit. Plus not only that, oh my god! Not only that, moods, but uh, one of the biggest problems that we ran into last year with because we had like three really big shows in in October last year too. Yeah, yeah. was right after that we go right into Italian Horror Month. So it's like Which another is... four big shows. You know what I mean? Yep, that's right. So it's like it's like eight weeks of just at least three films a show, at least. <laughs> Busy, busy, man. Busy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We might. Well, just having Jeremy back is going to limit us. It's going to limit us to what we can do. Yeah, that's true. So we'll push for two. We'll push. We'll push for two because you know he's going to complain about all all November with Italian horror. Why the fuck do we got to do fucking Argento again? (laughs) No, actually, JP said that. What? I said, no, what? no, no, no. That was that was you, Moots, who was complaining about doing Argento again. That was me. I was like, fuck, man. Let's just pick four different directors. No, the next- damn Argento's it. Argento is the mainstay. We're going to do it till he doesn't have any more films. All right. Post a comment. Do people want to hear another Argento show uh, or not? Listen, Sim- we're about yes to get to like, no. deep red and stuff, dude. True. True. But, I mean, there's some other good ones out there, too. There's three other does spots. That, does, there's three other that- spots. How can if we're gonna do another Argento film? How could we cut Fulci? He's already done too. He's got fucking tons more good films. Because the Argento films were better than the Fulci films. Mm-mm. The ones no. that are left. You're crazy. No. Really? Don't What's torture left, a duckling. Like zombie three or something. <laughs> no. Don't torture a duckling. Oh fuck, man. There's there's lots of good okay, ones. Okay, then we'll but... do Fulci three too. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh moving on here we have a little 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 tad update about um Tremors. And everybody knows that the sixth Tremors film is coming out, which makes our it, it makes our uh Tremors show a little obsolete. Oh man, is another be one outdated 
Another one outdated. This is ridiculous. Coming soon to the new podcast, Horophilia. This, this branch is podcast. Just... <laughs> JP reviews all the loose end films that he hasn't reviewed on the 22 shots coming soon. That, that I, I like the loose end franchise show. The show, though. For this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, gonna become the size of a franchise show at this rate. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you could do loose ends too. I, th- I say we limit it to three. <laughs> you know what I mean? Loose three, like three for loose ends. <laughs> uh, it does. It does sound like a porno. Shit. Uh, so, uh, Tremors Six is coming out uh, on VOD January thirtieth, twenty eighteen. So it'll be one of the first films we get to see for twenty eighteen. And uh, Kevin Bacon was doing an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, and a fan asked uh, if he would like to see and or star in a Tremors remake, which he replied, we are working on that. Because a while ago, there was news that Kevin Bacon was working on a Tremors TV show. So uh, Mm -hmm. I guess that's still in the horizon, maybe? So his idea of the remake is the TV show then? Um, Not necessarily, but I think the the point of the... uh, question is just like hey are you gonna do another tremors and i guess it, i guess a tv show is technically like a a remake sometimes like look at bates motel because mm-hmm. he kind of yeah because I, I totally thought they were doing like a either a tv show or they're working on like another actual sequel to the franchise throwing the word remake just like mm. it's killing the franchise well, well i mean what i'm saying is the last thing that was talked about with kevin bacon was that tv show mm-hmm so, Which is uh, kind of like a remake of the TV show, and, and I believe that the thing did say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, technically, huh?" <laughs> there's yeah. a Tremor, there's already a Tremors TV show. That's crazy. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Who would have thought that franchise would be as juggernaut as it is? It's like the Fast and the Furious transfer or uh, franchise. Man, I can't talk today. I'm sorry, guys. Um, like that are thing. That thing me? was dead in are the water really at one point. Are you really comparing Fast and the Furious to fucking Tremors? No, I'm just saying like um, how franchises Fast and the like Furious is like one of the fucking biggest franchises. I know, but if you remember, that thing was dead in the water at part three. Like it was. That's just... the best one. I'll get it. Right, Tokyo Drift is the best fucking Fast and the You're Furious. Hands so, down, it's the Halloween three of the franchise. It's, it's awesome. No, are you it saying is. Halloween three is the best one? No, but it's the oddball of the franchise. So how's it? Th- it's awesome. It's different. It's about. I don't the know. I can't car. comment. I only seen the first one. Not a fan. I love the first one. Anyway, the first one didn't have enough horror in it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <clears throat> Tokyo Drift is dope. So Fuck anyway, you. what we have here is uh, Danny McBride uh, was interviewed, and he said that he's going to make Michael Myers scary again. He said, "Look at where the Halloween franchise has gone." There's a lot of room for improvement, McBride joked. David and I are coming from it as we are horror fans and we are humongous fans of John Carpenter and what he did in the original Halloween. So I think watching this and oh my being disappointed God. by other versions of the of this series, I think we're just trying to strip it down and just take it back to what it was what was so good about the original. It was very so simple and just achieved that level of horror that wasn't corny and it wasn't turning Michael Myers into a supernatural being that couldn't be killed. That so stuff to me basically... isn't scary. It, I, can I just finish? Oh, no, <laughs> I want to be scared by shit. something that I really think could happen. Okay, what moods? Wait, wait. So, so in, hold on. You're a really big Danny McBride hater in the fact that he's going to do Halloween. You don't like that. No, no, no. no. He managed, In that statement, 
he managed to disrob zombie to shit and suck John Carpenter's cock for about twenty straight lines. Yeah, how is Michael Meyer not scary and fucking Rob? Like he literally just dissed the was, shit out of him. I don't he think he was where he went with the franchise. talking about. Yes, um, he is. He, I think what the is, fuck well, else is he talking about? Mike Myers, like, Myers, Myers like four, five, six, seven, eight, like those ones. No, no, no. He's talking about the Rob Zombie film. The first chuckle is directed at Rob Zombie and the supernatural element. I'm surprised he didn't actually say white fucking horse. You know, just get it out there, McBride. Like, fuck. Like, he's dissing the shit out of Rob Zombie, laughing about it, and then he sucks John Carpenter's cock. I don't, this I don't better take be it fucking that good, way, Dan. 100%. This shit better be, this shit better be good. I, I honestly don't Unlike take your it films. like that. Unlike 100%. your films. I really don't. Because um, he's saying stuff was like ch- ch- like corny by turning Michael Myers into this supernatural thing that couldn't be killed. I think he's more talking about the later sequels. Because I think he's talking. Yeah, I think he's talking about zombies. Film the part two. Hmm. Um, I think that's what he's referring to. I mean, he just didn't go as far to say white horse. You know, so <laughs> I don't know. I I mean. I, I, from what I, from other things that I've heard, I think that they're more. I mean, they they're probably probably lumping that in with the sequels, mm-hmm. um, but I think they're a hundred percent talking about how ridiculous it got over time. Um, but what? I personally, I think this is going to be one of the best Halloween films since the well, obviously since Rob Zombie ones, but but because I like those, but um, you don't like the White Horse one. Like you guys oh, bashed no. that I, when we I were fucking hate Halloween too. That movie <laughs> sucks. No, but we've talked about this many times. I mean, I've seen Halloween two so many fucking times now that I think it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I, I actually understand the movie completely. It's 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 so beyond me, and it's like ingrained in my DNA now. It's mm. ridiculous. But no, I've I've come to appreciate it, and, and I understand where Zombie what he was doing with. It. I think if you watch him even once or twice, you're probably going to hate the shit out of it, like Jeremy, because Jeremy only watches films once, and and that's his judgment mm-hmm. forever. I've only watched you know, it twice, so. but uh, I have seen that one twice. I mean, either or. I mean, even if he is talking about the original franchise in parts, uh, you know, five, six, seven, like, you know, that kind of trilogy bullshit or whatever the fuck you're going on, five, six. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really the biggest fan of those films either. I agree so, with, but the thing is, I don't disagree with anything he said. He said, "Look at the Halloween franchise is gone. There's a lot of room for improvement." I agree. There's tons sure. of room for improvement. Yeah, if you want to paraphrase and make him sound better, that's cool too. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Just joking, man. All I'm saying is suck that, his cock, suck his cock. Suck all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that Danny McBride. I mean, if he's gonna make statements and sound like he's sucking Carpenter's cock, and and the way he says it, they're like, we're big fans of John, we respect him, blah blah blah. I mean, that's. But do you kind not though? Inter- I I would no, say no, the same no, shit no. if I was making no. a Halloween. Hundred percent. But after you jokingly make a comment about Rob Zombie and then say that, it's it's a direct rip on Rob Zombie. That's all I'm saying because of their beef that they had before. Remember John and Rob? They had this little thing going on and shit. And I think this is deriving from that. I think it's just kind of a poke. I don't think it's a punch. I think it's just a little poke, just a little, a little stinky in the. I want to poke JP in the face. A little pinky in the stinky there. That's all they're doing, right? So if you say all I'm saying is. All I'm saying, and you have to agree, Danny McBride is not really, you know, a horror filmmaker. I would totally choose everything that I've heard Danny McBride say. I'm 100% down with this, and I've said it since day one. 
I believe in this project. I think this is going to be one of the best Halloweens we've ever got. I really, truly okay. believe that. From Blumhouse, the from the way that people are talking, from I think it's so smart to take somebody who is clearly a big horror fan. Clearly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do big horror fans know? The franchise. They know about the films. Of they know of course. What, what, what works. Right? Just because he is a comedic filmmaker and he's made no, no, no. comedic stuff doesn't mean that he can't do anything else. And I think he's going to fight really hard to prove the fact that he can do I think shit. that Danny McBride, you know, most comedians are really smart people and I bet he's going to write a fantastic script. But let's face it, there's a lot of movies that work really well on paper, but when you put them on the big screen, they don't exactly turn out how they are. I know. Written on paper. And let, I mean, it's happened many, many times. I'm just waiting for the final product. I, I truly believe that he's going to write a good script. I feel like he's the a whole fan. film's going to be good. I'm, I have faith in this one. I I'm just hoping Blumhouse. that the direction... And they don't fuck up on the mask. <laughs> the, well, I can't talk shit with the mask because the mask has been fucked up the entire franchise. I like two out of the like million, like what, eight, nine masks that they've done. That's exactly what I'm referring to <laughs> because everyone fucks up the mask. <laughs> yeah, everybody fucks up the mask. It always that's what I'm shit. saying. So, I mean, I mean, that might be a good thing if they reveal the mask and it's like, oh, damn, that's a great mask. You know, that movie's going to kick fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I believe in this. Uh, what are you about you, Jeremy? You haven't really had a chance to say anything about it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, he's in Alien. He's in the new Alien movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's see how he does in that. What does that have to do with him writing a good script? Yeah, Fuck what you! Do you! What do you think, though? Do you think that he has <laughs> chops? Do you think he has potential to, to do well at this? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Being in an Alien film makes you a great writer. Fuck, what, what the fuck was I thinking? Like That's my ridiculous. asshole, okay? <laughs> I'm so happy to have you back, Jeremy. This is awesome. I, I don't know. I really don't have anything to say about it. I don't. It is what it is. I mean, you don't. You don't have no opinions. You don't think that it's. Good. You don't have any thoughts towards it. You, you think it's going to suck. You're pretty good at judging things before they come out. So um, I figured you could at least do that. Well, I'm surprised that this. Do you think it's a bad as... choice to pick Dan? I, like I'm asking you. But who else? Like, who else would you pick? Well, who would you him? pick? Would you would you pick somebody different, or would you you think that? Oh, well, he isn't like the first name that pops into my mind when fuck I think no, right? Like, <laughs> no, and when I I'm mine surprised. was Seth Rogen. Fuck, well, that could be interesting. <laughs> He's, that's clearly a joke, dude. <laughs> yeah, let's make Michael Myers. Let's make a fucking stoner Michael Myers film. Oh my god! I mean, a lot of people would think somebody like Ty West or Adam Green or somebody who's like in the horror genre, mm-hmm. like. But I think well, that would be a, a pretty bad that, move. Yeah, but I think so. It doesn't have to be bad. It could be good. I think Adam Green would be a terrible choice, personally. Why? Mm-hmm. I think he's... Mm. He's too comedic. And Danny McBride isn't comedic. He has a fucking comedic background. See, the yeah, difference Adam is Green makes horror films Adam dance. Green has actually done horror. Yeah, Adam Green makes horror comedies. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I just want to, I just want JP to answer to this. No, well, that. he also directed Spiral. That's not a comedy. Yeah, you're correct. JP literally just said he doesn't think Adam Green should be a good writer because he's too comedic. But Danny McBride is a fucking comedian. Actually, yeah, but actually, Danny Jeff McBride works. hasn't made a serious horror film either for me to judge from. Adam Green, his he's made a lot of horror. His slasher, what, what what you're looking at with Adam Green is his body of work. Okay, he did he did uh, Hatchet, which is his slasher. Um, he and his last his last listen, his last all of his last what? films have been comedic, all of them, 
Spiral and Frozen, his two earliest films, have not been comedic. All of his other ones, from Holliston to everything he's done, has been comedic. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that he would bring a lot of comedy into Halloween. I really do. And how do you know Danny McBride isn't going to bring comedy? Because he's, he's saying that he's not. I don't know if he. I'm just. I'm. I don't know that he's not. I just have faith that he isn't. Because mm. I know that I think that he thinks that's what everybody thinks he's going to do. And I yeah, think but I that think he the moment that, that you read that gonna he's going to write the script, I bet you're a little pissed off. Well, the moment I read. I read that he was writing the script. I was like, who the fuck is Danny McBride? And then I was like, oh, that guy. I know him. And I was like, why is he doing it? And then I, and then instead of like an idiot and like just judged immediately, I went and listened to the things that he had to say. And I was like, all right, I'm down with this. I like where his head's at. I think that he thinks, everybody thinks I'm going to make a fucking comedy here and I'm going to do everything I can to prove everybody fucking wrong so they can shut the fuck up because I want to make a horror film because I'm a horror fan. Like, I'm not saying that he can't do something serious. It's just a, it's for the average fan and people that know who Danny McBride is. Mm-hmm. The guy's never been serious a moment in his entire life. So now all of a sudden he's trying to be serious. It's just hard for us to take him serious. That's all we're saying and where we're coming from. Well, I'm not saying he can't the write a great not script. The actor in it, you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. I mean, bet even you, I bet in, you he's fucking in it. How much you want to bet? Well, I mean, he probably has a cameo. I, I, I would hope he has a cameo. And he it was going to be fucking comedic. It might be. It might be. We'll see. We'll see, man. This is just speculation on my part. I could be 100% wrong. In which case I am, you can all say, you could play this clip where I say that it's going to be you one know, of the best you know Halloween. You know what the Danny McBride cameo is going to be like? Huh. The gingerbread man <laughs> part in Krampus. Oh, God. Okay, it's going to be that moment for us. It's like, oh, the whole fucking movie's ruined. Let's move Damn. on from that. This is some news that Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, should be happy about. Apparently, uh, the new director of the, the the film that we just mentioned, the new film Forty Seven Meters Down, uh, the director is uh, directing the script for the Tra- Strangers Two. Yeah, and apparently, Emmy nominated Christina Hendricks has joined the cast. Now, this should tell you why. It should have been in the top 100 greatest horror films of all oh, time. Oh, now he pipes up. Now he pipes up. No, Stranger no, no, no. Stranger I said talk. this in the top 100. Stranger danger. I said this. Nine <laughs> years later, and people are still fucking hyped up about this movie. I wouldn't say people are hyped. I've seen a lot Jeremy, of nobody is jumping up and down right now. <laughs> you know what? People are scared. People are scared. It's going to be like, I don't, are you really, really that excited for a sequel? I was never excited for a sequel, but people are fucking talking about it, so that means somebody's talking about, talking about it because it's news. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... I mean, know, you want to know how much people are talking about it? This much. So the next piece of news here Fuck is... You. <laughs> Fuck you! You no-good fucking Mexican asshole cocksucker fucker. Fuck you, okay? Are people still talking about Jeepers Creepers 3? It's the same kind of shit. Yeah, but Jeepers Creepers 3 is hype. I'm pretty hyped. And that's also, and that's a little bit more interesting too, though. That has has story behind it. It has a lot of story. Go on. All right, so um, <laughs> the documentary to Helen back the Kane Hodder story. All you're gonna fucking say? What the hell kind of news is this person was casted in it? I guess I guess it's happening. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> What, do you have any thoughts on the fact that this woman is casted in it? Well, that means that it's going to have some kind of budget and not 
$8. Okay. That's good. So, to Helen back, the Kane Hodder story, originally teased last year after a successful Indiegogo campaign, <laughs> has been completed. To Helen back is a harrowing story of stuntmen overcoming dehumanizing childhood filled with torment and bullying uh, in Sparks, Nevada. After surviving a near-death burn accident, he woke he worked his way up through Hollywood, leading to the ultimate rise as Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th series and making countless moviegoers forever terrified of hockey masks in summer camp. After decades of watching Kane Hodder on screen, get ready to meet the man behind the mask to Helen back a uniquely human story about the, about one of cinema's most vicious monsters. Guys, I got to say, first of all, I love docs. So, um, you guys should know that by the horror one one segment which will be returning this week. And also, I love Kane Hodder. That's my dude. And thirdly, his book is one of the best books that I've ever read, uh, Unmasked. It is amazing. And if they make a movie version of that or a dark version of that, this is going to be fantastic because that was one of the best things I've ever read. The audiobook version where Kane Hodder reads it and you could hear the pain in his voice over some things and stuff – and man, oh my god, it is so good. If you've never heard it, please fucking buy it, dude. Just buy it. Don't even think about it. Buy That's it. My wiggly dick. What the hell is that? I don't know. Jeremy's ass was hurting again or something. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> my wiener and dick. Why? <laughs> Jesus. What's wrong? You don't like Kane Hodder? Are you still on are you still on the Strangers 2 bit? Yeah, fuck him. Oh my lord, man. You ain't even interested in A Strangers 2. I don't know why what it matters. You, what would you rather see an adaptation of the Kane Hodder story? In a movie format or in a documentary? Considering you've already mm. uh, listened to the audiobook. Because that's kind of... Uh, I don't know. I think that a movie would be really cool, but that would... I don't think there's an audience to make like a biopic, like like a Tupac biopic in the in the way of Kane Hodder. But he actually has an extremely interesting life because he moved around a bit and he lived like on this like this base thing and like mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. and he like like I don't know he just had he had a really cool life and that burn is what the the time he spent in the hospital is one of the most grisly things I've ever heard described. It is just hell. It sounds like hell on earth. And, I think um, if you marketed this properly, like if you made a biopic on on Kane Hodder, I think you could. I think it would sell pretty well. I think it would sell well. I'm just saying, in terms of getting a studio to put up the money that you would need to tell it properly, I feel like they would assume that there's not a big enough audience for it. I just can't see it coming together. Never will happen. Yeah. No way. I don't think. Who the it fuck would. knows Kane Hodder besides us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just the same thing back to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre argument I mean it, that you were saying it, a little while ago. How the hell are you going to market Kane Hodder's biopic to the fucking mainstream audience? Well, it definitely well, wouldn't be. It's easy, happen. Jeremy. It's easy, Jeremy. You you put a fucking Jason mask on there and you start lying. <laughs> you people, know, like, people aren't going to give two shits. I'm you sorry. Don't think so? You don't think I don't so? Think I mean, Friday. I mean, people usually jump at the the idea of checking out something new related to Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. and Jason. But it's not a Friday the Thirteenth movie. That's the fucking guy who played. That's why you got to come up with this this campaign. I mean, he. I mean, a big story of his life is doing those films. Yeah, but right. He, so I don't. I don't think that it's. I don't think it's that what would he's be most famous for. I would say. I think that, that would be hard to pull off to do that. Honestly, but it is, most, it is what he is famous for, though theoretically yeah yeah of course 
Um, I don't think anybody would. He doesn't actually talk a whole lot about the Jason films in the book, though. I will say that he talk he like he talks a good bit about them, but not not anything. Well, maybe, like I think Ian Hodder started to realize that he did the shitty ones. <laughs> no, I think he just I think he just was really <laughs> bummed out that he wasn't chosen to be Jason anymore when he clearly was Jason. Like I I, I still think that's the dumbest one of the dumbest mistakes about Freddy versus Jason is hiring that Kersinger dude or whatever from Canada. Yeah, I really never understood that. Why they decided not to go with Kane Hodder? I like to know the exact reasons behind that. He talks about it in the book. Does he? Well, like that's cool. That, that that's really interesting. Anyway, dude, I mean, I, I'm really excited for this. I hope that it. I hope that it it gets released and I can check it out. And I didn't know even. Know, I don't remember hearing about this Indiegogo campaign, or else I would have donated because I care. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, the legendary Michael Parks has died. I just thought we'd let the listeners know that, that yeah rest in peace week. to michael parks man that's sad that's tusk sad. <laughs> his role in tusk is so yeah. Fun, funny yeah quentin tarantino man one of his favorites Mm-hmm. going back to tarantino Mm-hmm. absolutely uh so yeah wow that uh, got more discussion than fucking strangers too <laughs> again oh what my god shit that is <laughs> 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 all right here just just a few more things um don mancini says cult of chucky will be chucky on drugs uh he told um the website cbc uh i wrote it with snow in mind we shot all night outside for one sequence and we got snowed out with a blizzard we had to shut down for safety reasons our zoom lens froze but the snow was great that really paid off it gave the film a Shining-like feel. In Cult of Chucky, we're doing a mental institution movie. Man, this sounds awesome. There will be a dream sequences and lots of surrealism. This will be Chucky on drugs. To me, I don't know why people would take the approach of doing the same things with the sequel. I agree, buddy. Sequels offer the opportunity to subvert expectations. All good storyline storytelling is about good surprises. Sequels... Sequels, by their very nature, bring baggage. How can I subvert them far for, in a fun way? Confined in an asylum for... Uh, oh, this is the synopsis. Uh, confined in an asylum for the criminally insane for the past four years, Nika Pierce, played by Fiona Durf, is erroneously convicted that she, not Chucky, murdered her... Uh, convinced that she... That she today that she not chucky murdered her entire family but when her psychiatrist introduces a new therapeutic tool to facilitate his patients group sessions and all too familiar good guy doll with an innocently smiling face a string of grisly deaths begin to plague the asylum nika uh, and nika starts to wonder if maybe she isn't crazy after all andy barkley Chucky's now grown-up nemesis from the original Child's Play races to Nika's aid, but to save her, he'll have to get past Tiffany, Chucky's long-ago bride, who will be doing anything, no matter how deadly or depraved, to help her beloved devil doll. I feel like they give away too too much in that synopsis there. So, what's the point of watching the movie now? I know, right? I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like Dream Warriors with Chucky. So. Sounds cool, you, you lost me at uh, dream sequences, anyways. <laughs> ah, shit, man! I can handle fucking movies that are completely about dreams. 
but dream sequences oh god come on uh i don't know man i don't uh, dream sequences oh. could definitely be used well sometimes they're used really poorly though that's the problem yeah that's but, for sure, that's no, I, for sure. I, i'm excited i'm excited for this film though i really am i think it sounds cool shit yeah yeah i'm excited i'm really excited so to to wrap up uh the news we just have a few announcements um obscure slasher the slayer coming to blu-ray courtesy of uh arrow video so that's the happening. Slayer. I gotta say, I absolutely love that cover. I have no idea what the movie is. I've actually heard mainly bad things. It seems like a lot of people are saying, eh, it's not really that good, but it's cool it's getting released. Well, if you're doing a 24-hour marathon, don't watch it at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning. It might put you to sleep a little bit. That's what happened to me and Dylan on our first so one. So is the cover way better than the movie? The movie's actually not that bad. It's more of a slow burn, though. I'm just saying, that time in the morning, you know working off and no sleep and shit it's little it it might be a little complicated to watch but um i don't think i think it's going to be a little bit hit and miss with people huh okay the cover might be better than the movie is what i'm getting at (laughs) it's like like raw raw head rex it's too overhyped for the movie oh my god i could the day that got announced i was like thank the lord now we don't have to hear people i want raw and rex to come out on blu-ray it's really (laughs) interesting that the the list the the master list is what i call it of films that have never been released on dvd or Mm blu-ray or or severely out of print like they only had like the thing about rawhead rex that cracks me up though is the amount of people that have been waiting for it to get a release because they haven't seen it before yeah when they ultimately buy it and watch it they're gonna be like oh okay yeah, that, that was that was cool. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a lot of the movies, though. Like a lot of the legendary movies yeah. that don't have releases are like that. I'd say the lone exception is Tales from the Hood. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that it, I think. Oh that, man, Evil Ed's fucking awesome. Evil Ed is fun, man. It is a good movie. I agree. Uh, so, I mean, the list is getting smaller, guys. Like it a lot in the past four years, so many have been done. So many. You know what I mean? Like, like what is what is it? That, what is the Holy Grail pick be, besides Clown House right now? Is it, is it still Fright Night Two? I have that shit. So, is Fright yeah, Night Two I mean, still still next in line besides Clown House? Yeah, I think those are probably yeah. two of the big heavy hitters. But, but besides um, those two, what's next? What's the other one? Like, it's it's seriously getting to the point. It's like I think Blood Beach moves up now. <laughs> you Blood know what Beach. I mean? I think I, think I don't even that, know what else to look for, you know. Yeah, it's it's becoming it's becoming to the point where it's like okay, like like the the heavy hitters are are all kind of released now, so like these new ones come up and they become the heavy hitters. Fucking, it's interesting. Live on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after that, we have a Serbian film getting a Blu-ray release, courtesy of Unearthed Films. This is supposed That's to be pretty cool. The uh, complete, like uncut director's cut version. The triple disc yeah. edition of Ultimate a Serbian film. cut of a Serbian film. This is happening. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the features on this thing, man. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, okay, and I love I've, that movie, man. It's fucking awesome. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll probably see it eventually. Oh, uh, for rated, still a good movie. Uh, the Stendhal Syndrome. Uh, Blue Underground continues their three disc limited series that they're doing. With the Stendhal Syndrome, uh, Dario Argento, 1996 film. I believe it was like my number seven of 1996. I'm a huge fan of this movie. And the longer I've went since I've seen it that first time, the more I remember liking it. So um, 
it's one of my favorite Argentas for real, for sure, for for sure. I I really like it. I think that it's, I think <clears throat> that it's just really fun and like interesting. It just has like a cool story going on in it. Um, but that's that's coming from Blue Underground three disc. Yeah. I, I think they kind of cheat with their three disc a little bit. Because they, they say three discs, but it's really two discs and then a DVD of the same disc. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. better than Charlie yeah. Band and that Empire box that you shouldn't have gotten, but similar thing. <laughs> well, there's definitely some people that, aren't, that don't get excited about shit like that. Because someone made a post a little while ago about DVD Blu-ray combos and they yeah, said something on the lines. Was, was it? Yeah. Someone posted up and they said... Oh, when they uh, when I get those, I just throw the DVD out. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Why? And and, and and I literally thought to myself and burst out laughing. I was like, okay, this makes no sense. Why would you, if you're gonna buy the Blu-ray and it comes with a DVD, why would you throw it out? It's not taking up any extra room inside your case. Yeah, yeah. Shelf. And then you have like an empty spot in your case. That's yeah. what I said. I was like, this makes no but, sense. Yeah, to I, me. I hope he's joking because that doesn't make. Any <laughs> I sense. hope so too because that's just ridiculous. And then it says like DVD and Blu-ray combo on the top, and then you open it up and it doesn't have the DVD inside of it. It's like it's <laughs> fucking dumb. Yeah, I know. I at least have one or two releases in my on in my collection that are missing the DVD, and it annoys yeah. me every time that yeah. I remember which one it is. But I will say that I personally, since I've been doing, um the uh Vestron podcast i personally like when there's a dvd included because if there's any audio that i want to rip from the film to play a clip from mm-hmm. i don't have uh i can't rip the blu-rays and plus it's easier to do with the dvds because they're smaller yeah. uh in size yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um yeah i like dvds and plus sometimes sometimes i want to play an audio commentary from the dvd and play uh games on the tv or something you know what i mean so there you go i don't i I don't have multiple blu-ray players in the same room so anyway uh that's coming out and finally for this news segment guys which um we did a pretty good job with time looks like uh a little bit because you skip strangers too (laughs) a insider information anthony hickox who directed uh hellraiser 3 and Waxwork 1 and 2 uh, recently tweeted out, Another one bites the dust. Hashtag Warlock. Hashtag Armageddon. Hashtag Blu-ray. Hashtag Lionsgate. I posted this. He was, was doing an audio commentary for me. Warlock 2. So what does that tell you? Warlock trilogy on DVD maybe? You know Blu-ray? what? You know what? Fuck you. Thanks for giving me credit that I was the one who posted this in the Facebook page. Oh, I, uh, they, I follow they better be careful. on Twitter, so... I, I see. Oh, they yeah. gotta be. Sweet. They gotta be careful. Investoron gotta be careful here, man. Fucking releasing these films. I mean, do you think there's a huge, massive wanting for the Warlock trilogy? Nope. I want it though. I love Warlock one and two. Is yeah, there, like, I, we're a little bit different on that all one. All the other Festron films. I think. I'm, I, I think I'm that it's. Off. I think what they're doing, and um, I could be wrong. But I actually think what they're doing is they're releasing films that already have HD masters. Where's the HD masters? Uh, sometimes they make them for TV. And That's I've definitely therapy. seen uh, really? Warlock on TV in HD. I'm, I'm almost certain that I've seen it on TV in HD. So they're saving money that way instead of doing themselves and shit. Yeah, um, I think they are. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Wow. 
So no Rumpelstiltskin? skin. Probably so you mean yet. to tell me someone had remastered the Wishmaster films before for like TV or some well, shit? Well, maybe not. All, maybe they're not doing all of them, right? But also, it could. From I did read an interview, and they said that um, one of the things that's tricky about doing these is is sort of when they choose what they release. Sometimes it's just dependent on oh, like who all like it, or like look, all these people are available for the special features right now. Let's do this one next. Like, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's like they're waiting on people, so. Um, I feel like, I feel like right now, I think they're mainly going for their catalog of films that, that they have, like, that they've done stuff with recently. Like, I don't feel like they're digging into their vaults yet. You know what I mean? Like, most of yeah, the films that they've announced were f- from that eight pack. You know what I mean? Well, that, th- that's exactly what I, what I was going to say. It seems like they're just kind of dropping all those ones. With the Unholy coming out here too and stuff. And which, which oh, fuck Festron! Where's Vampircon? Which I, I'm, I'm, I'm also starting to think that, um, you know, it's... They better start digging into the vaults pretty quick because, I mean, the amount of people that seem to be losing interest in Vestron right, right now, you know, it's like, well, do I really need to upgrade this, you know, for these prices and shit like that? I mean... They got to start getting a little bit more obscure, in my opinion. They are getting a little bit cheaper, though, man. Look, Jeremy posted that that Wishmaster set sold for what twenty two the other day. They ought to be lowering their prices, man, because that's cheap. I'm sure they're not selling a whole lot. I paid fucking thirty five for mine. That's some bullshit. You paid thirty five. Yeah. Damn. Damn. I I had mine pre ordered for twenty seven. That's how much the unholy is right now. It's like twenty five something. Yeah. But I got them all for like dirt cheap through Drew Trickery mm-hmm. bargains, and I got Parents and Waxwork and Return of Living Dead for fifteen, and then I got those are good prices. Yeah, I got those three for fifteen, and then I got Chopping Mall was expensive because I was stupid and I didn't buy it back in the day. Yeah. What else? And then back in the day, Chud, Chud, Chud Two was cheap. I got that for like twelve fifty because I drew trickery on Amazon. So and they, I got them all for like fifteen bucks, pretty much. So um, yeah, I I agree with you though, moods. Like, I think the unholy is is a nice um, release because I do think people generally like that film. So mm-hmm. um, it's still six weeks out. Yeah, but I mean, so I don't long. I don't mind them spacing them out. Honestly, I don't mind it at all. Uh, and the if the if warlock is next i think that i think that you are correct that they do they do need to um start start diving into their vault and pulling stuff that's a little bit more obscure um even though i, I mean warlock like warlock is a movie that's like i don't think that but it's super popular like in terms of like like it's it is not a little popular more obscure it, it's it's not like you know it, it's a little bit popular but um, it's also still available. That's the other thing. I think you can get those DVDs still. I don't think they're out of print and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that's for sure that it is available. Everything that they've released mm-hmm. has been available so far. So yeah, yeah. I think that uh, except for, like blood, like I even the the blood diner was available like in that shitty. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the best or... releases so far from Vestron have got to be you know releasing Return of the Living Dead three uncut. You know, getting that's a region definitely one the uncut. Best release they've done so far. A region one uncut release of wax work which is kind of cool um yeah. i uk already had an uncut version which i had on dvd but this is a way better version of it anyways yeah and um 
Of course, I, I mean, I think those, and of course, the gate. The gate is good because it was actually out of print, but everything else has been pretty readily available, mm-hmm. you know. And it doesn't. I, I really like to know how the Wishmaster set sold because it seems like not a lot of people picked it up. I think more people than I ever expected picked it up. Picked it up. I really do. I, I've seen it a lot, considering I expected it to be like me and like one other guy. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think that like Chud sold well. Or, no. Um, well, I, th- I think w- Wishmaster did all right. I wouldn't be surprised if it did all right. But um, I can't see Warlock doing great, even though I personally no. like those first two films. Like, obviously, we know how the third one is. Um, I- I'll, be happy, to I'll be happy to have them on Blu-ray, honestly. Like, it created a whole portion on our website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it created such a fun joke that, that goes on forever. I mean, we just had an inductee last, last show. So that's really cool yeah. to me. Um, I'm not super, super, super you know um looking forward to the release but uh it's it's i don't hate the release i just know that they have a lot more types of films that they can release so i'm more interested in those right now but i do think that they should release everything that they have like why why not release the warlock films on blu-ray but they they can be later they don't have to be right now you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's my yeah I, I just think you know digging digging down and releasing some of that little more obscure stuff i think might kind of raise the prospects of Estron right now do you think it's that whoever's there just has no idea like they just don't know they have no they're not in tune with the the fans like they're just like a studio guy like they're not even a horror fan they're just like i think we have these <laughs> like like I, I feel like they don't know like i feel like they don't have somebody there to tell them it, it could be very well that i mean who really knows but i mean if that is the case they probably should get somebody in there to follow social it. media a little bit more and just kind of take requests a little more not lighthearted you know, I mean, even Screen Factory at times is, you know, taking requests and stuff and tried to do things with, you know, with films that have been requested over and tried over again to. and stuff. So they've done so they've done all they've released every fucking thing they've been asked for that they could get. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, you know, if there's a Vestron message board and people are genuinely asking for things that they own, then maybe try to push those forward. Well, the you know, problem is a lot of people don't know this. That Facebook page is not official. That is not an official yeah. Facebook page. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So I don't know who's doing their social media. Like, and even the press releases that I get from them, they're not from, they're from a third party. Huh. Maybe it's Jerry. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that, that's really strange. That's strange. Fuck Jerry. That, that wraps up the news. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. All right. So getting into mood swings and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for, you know what? Maybe I'll just do like the 16th here and the 23rd. Or what should we just do this 23rd? We probably shouldn't do any since we're not weekly. Uh, well, we'll do the 23rd because whatever. What do you mean we're not what, weekly? What we, what, what, which ones are we doing? Ta 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 ta. Oh, no, I, I think this episode is going to be posted after the day. Probably. Jeremy the day never after. thinks that there's people with headphones in, and he screams in the mic like loud as hell, annoyingly. Like people were throwing their headphones out right then, and they're like, "This fucking guy ruining the podcast." Always. <laughs> well, I'll just name off a couple that are coming on the 16th because I think this podcast is probably going to drop maybe the day after. But this is close enough. Got to mention Ben and Willard coming out from Scream Factory on Blu-ray. I mean, those are two of the most requested titles that I can remember Scream Factory, you know, putting out anyway. So. 
Uh, be on the lookout for those ones that are coming out. Uh, we'll jump into the releases here from May 23rd. Uh, again, from Screen Factory. This is, seems to be a common thing. Uh, the Vagrant, the one-time film where they said they weren't going to release this on Blu-ray, is making its way to Blu-ray. Uh, that rest was in peace also to... like four years ago. Yeah, true. But they did say that. It's a fact. Um, rest in peace to Bill Paxton. Uh, the Vagrant coming to Blu-ray. And I, man, I've been hearing lots of uh, people very, very excited for The Vagrant. That's awesome. Yeah, it's um, a fun movie. It is, man. It's cool. It's cool to get you know the proper treatment anyways. Um, next up here, this is getting a re-release. And this is kind of cool because, I don't know, I didn't even know this was out of I don't know if it was out of print or what's going on, but it's the uh, WNUF Halloween special, uh, the infamous broadcast. Have you guys ever heard of this or seen it before? Yeah, I've seen it at half price books. I haven't picked yeah. it up, but I've seen it. it has a cover of that girl screaming. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really, really cool film. The premise behind it is just awesome. It's executed really, really well. And if you like Halloween films and stuff, you gotta check this out, man. It's really, really cool. So um it seems like it's kind of dropped in price. Uh 13 bucks. This one used to go for really uh it was always twenty, twenty-five dollars and stuff on uh I think it was like Camp Camp Motion releases before yep. it was really expensive. So um yeah, and this is like baby different companies releasing it, but check it out. It's awesome. The premise is really, really cool. It it kind of plays out like it's real. It's it's really cool, man. Um next up here we got an anthology film called Double X. Or 20? I, I hear I don't know. people call it XX. Yeah, XX. XX or 20. Um, 20? I've never heard of being called yeah, 20 before. it's not supposed no, to be I, 20. 20. That, was actually, that was actually a joke to myself because I was I watched oh. this, and I think I the like, film I... was about 80 minutes long. There was four shorts. I was like, well, they're about 20 minutes apiece. So <laughs> I don't know, man. It just kind of fit. Yeah, that was the uh, first. But this is a anthology film made up of like four shorts, uh, all done by female directors. Um Check it out if you want to be bored to death and want to kill yourself. So that one's coming out from Magnet. Uh, I'm really surprised it's coming out on Blu-ray already, but Get Out is dropping May 23rd on Blu-ray. It's been a while, we... hasn't it? Hasn't it? What, when, would it? When did it come out? Well, I guess a couple months ago, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, shit, man. And, I mean, yeah, I guess that seems pretty standard now for today, but might as well put it out, man. It did so well in the theaters. Might as well get the the money from the physical releases, but yeah, get out coming out. Everyone knows about that one. I can't uh, from mass out already though. Like I thought that it was just announced. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It says May 23rd coming out. I don't know. Yeah. We know it comes out cause JP got it in the mail. Ooh, <sighs> did he did actually, yeah. uh, from massacre video, a very highly requested title. I know this one has been on the list to come out for years and years. I think, uh, the fine lads over at Masker Video have had this one for a while. It took them a while to put it out, but it's Hackle Lantern uh, Halloween Night. Um, 30th anniversary Blu-ray edition from Massacre Video. I know this one's going to sell like shit, so hurry up and get your copy. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. It's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, from The Film Detective, I actually just did a review for these guys the other day. Voodoo Black Exorcist. How <laughs> Maybe I should request this one. <laughs> Voodoo Black Exorcist is the greatest title ever. I love it. Never seen that one. Uh, if you don't know anything about the film detective, they are a company that basically specializes in restoring um, old, old films, more golden age stuff, uh, public domain type films, just giving these films the proper releases that they actually need. And they do pretty good uh, restoration. So be on the lookout for Black or Voodoo Black Exorcist. That's <laughs> the best title. And uh, from. Arrow, we've got a film called Wolf Guy. 
this is one I actually don't know shit about. When they, when Arrow announced this one, I was like, Wolf Guy? What? This is a Japanese film, so. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. With Sonny Chiba. It's awesome. I've, I actually didn't know about this film, so that's kind of an interesting one. But uh, that is the short list of films that are coming out on May 23rd. Not a whole lot, man. Not a whole lot. So... Uh, release of the week? Hack-a-Lantern. What? Masker video. What? How is, how is Ben and fucking Willard not released? That, the that's week? last week. Oh, okay. That's last week. So. How the yeah, hell just, just, is Get Out and The Vagrant? Because you Hackalander is going to be a little bit limited, man. You got to get on that shit, man. It's a good release. Get out. It's going to be readily available for years. It's never going to go out of print, man. Yeah, the movie's obviously better, but this is the release. We're talking about the release here. Okay, that's fair enough. It's it's standard. It's standard. But Hackalander, man, is I would. It, I've probably, never seen Hackalander. Is it any good? It's pretty bad. <laughs> Everybody buy this bad movie that you're going to wish you didn't. <laughs> It's for honestly thirty four ninety five. It's one of those fun films. It's one of those fun films. That price will definitely drop. But um, yeah, man, Hack a Lantern. Got to go with that one or so. Yeah, least of the week. So we do have some questions this week. Are we going to start with a voicemail, or do you want to get into the questions first? Um, I was thinking that we could save the voicemail for actually when we're doing the reviews, since it is related to that. If you're okay Sounds with that. Good. Yep, sounds good to me. We do have a few questions here. Uh, I did post a made a post on the Facebook group page and just asking people if they want to ask some questions, and some people did. Uh, Jason Price, um, he asked a couple questions. First one, uh, he wouldn't mind hearing our thoughts on child deaths in movies. So this is obviously pertaining to Pet Cemetery. Um, personally, I love when kids die in films. I'm not going to lie. I think it's amazing. Uh, and I have mad respect for filmmakers that are willing to actually do that because a lot of people pull some punches and they don't kill kids in films when they probably should kill 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 kids in films. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It's true. We've seen multiple opportunities where kids survive in films when they probably would have died if they were a teenager or somebody having sex. They get passes. When they die, it's shocking and it's good for cinema. Um I just, I love it, man. I, I think, you know, it doesn't have to be full-blown mean-spirited and shit like that. But, you know, shit like Clown. You know, just the idea of, you know, killing kids. You know stuff. what, dog? I, you mentioned Clown. That was yeah. the one film that I forgot to mention when we were arguing about We Scream for Ice Cream last week. And I remembered <laughs> it afterwards. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> no, the shit. one that fucking did it serious. Yeah, and he did, man. And they, they played off, like, I thought it was pretty hard, man. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, like, taking out kids and shit. I was like, this is amazing. The, like, the director was not fucking around with this film. And that's what I like. You know, I mean, it, it fit the film. It's not like you're just going to go out of your way to kill a kid. Like, you know, in Italian films, sometimes they just throw in this these animal killings. You're like, why is that there? You know, you don't need to do that with kids. Just have but, a kid uh, killing. You just have like a random kid got killed. Yeah. But I, I think it's effective in films if it's done properly. Um, I always thought that the first time I watched like Season of the Witch back in the day, I was like, oh, that's gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> just taking out kids. Like the whole premise is like taking out kids and shit. Pretty awesome stuff, man. But what are your guys' thoughts? Jeremy? Yeah, I think as Mood says that if it's like used in a good way, it could be a effective in a sense that I think everybody thinks kids as innocent and and can't defend themselves most of the time so when they actually do get killed I think it actually stays in 
the viewer's mind for a longer period of time because of that kind of thing. So even like when Moots is talking about season of the witch, he still remembers that all the all the way you know today. I think yeah, it's man. because of that. But yeah, I think if it's done well, it's okay. I don't really have anything against it. The most but, modern one has got to be Clown for me though. Yeah. I remember right after I watched it, I was like, oh god, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a long history with with this particularly like way yeah, back I know on you episode like two uh, i was talking about battle royale and i was like episode two yeah i had to look it up it's so I was like, far i was like what i was like when did i talk about battle royale i could have sworn i talked about battle royale 2 as well but apparently unless the ratings page is lying to me uh i only talked about the first one and uh basically like i've always had a complete beef with with movies that i know are not going to kill the kids um, it's very frustrating for me because if there's not the threat there, then why do you care? And I, I think I, I've heard Dave say this with like, um, I think f- some certain Friday films that that you know that they're, they're not going to kill the kids or whatever. Friday Six, I think maybe. Um, and I agree, like, but that doesn't bother me in that type of movie because that's that's not the type that's not a, a movie where I really need to care about whether what about Jaws two die. They should all fucking died. Jaws two, kill them all. I can't really remember Jaws two. But <laughs> they're all on the fucking in the middle of the ocean on that boat. That's because Jaws three is the memorable one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that one either. Really, I don't remember what? any of them but part one. Honestly, uh, underwater park, man. Yeah, Jaws three is fucking awesome. Oh, no, it's so on. much fun. It's so bad. It's so much fun. It's, it's awesome. So it's the best so, one. So bad. Um, You're so bad. <laughs> okay, let's get it straight. It's not the fucking best one, like, dude. Okay. Sequel. Best it's sequel. Best he forgot sequel. the word sequel. It's the you best can't sequel. use best with Jaws 3 in the same sentence. Yes, you can. It's the best sequel. Like, I could understand maybe it's like, like, it's an like oxymoron most tolerable. Like, like, uh, no, it's like, the best. If I had to pick one to watch, I, instead of dying, I would pick this one, I guess. But maybe I would choose dying instead. Like, I could understand it's, those. It's an you would rather die adjective. than watch Jaws 3? That's pretty That's pretty. It's bad. an acceptable adjective for sure bad come on it works uh so i i i I hate 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 when a movie is centered around kids and i know they're not gonna die it bugs the hell out of me that's why Eden lake is awesome yeah yeah they're pretty brutal in that movie uh so yeah i've had a long history with kids and, and death i think it's totally appropriate uh i'm okay with dogs kids anything um Kill them all. I, I get upset when I see Kill Jerry killed, at the but... same time, because fuck Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jesus. Next question. Uh, next question here. I think we'll probably answer when we get to the actual review, but I'll just say right now, we'll just kind of move on to the review after. But uh, the question is, um, is Pet Cemetery a zombie movie? And then he's like, you know, and then he says, right, with a question mark. Um, I don't know, do you guys just want to answer that when we get to the review? Um. It's or do you want to, or do you want to touch on that right now? I, um, said, I can answer it for you right now. It's not. Oh. No, it's not. It's definitely not a zombie oh, movie. Oh, what? Do you agree with that? What the hell? They're not eating people. What? So I didn't know that zombies had to eat people. Yeah. Huh. I said it's not a zombie film. Yeah, I'm so surprised you agree with that. Because your number <laughs> one rule for them to be zombies is they have to be dead and come back to life. But this is, it's different though. 
Exactly. This is specifically this is specifically more or less like almost like a possession type thing. Right? It's like it's more like a voodoo type thing. I mean, technically if you boil down the definition, yes, they're technically zombies, but it is not a zombie film. No. Just like 28 days later is a zombie film, even though they're no, it's technically an, it's not zombies. But there's different ty- that's an infection film. They're uh, they are alive and well-being. But what is they it? get infected but a zombie with some film disease. is not defined <laughs> by the fact that it's a zombie, right? Because that would make Pet Cemetery no. a zombie film. That would make Jason Lives a zombie film. My no, argument has been since are- day 1 is they don't have to be 100% zombies if it's the style what's happening in the film, the narrative it's is how not they're of resurrected. a zombie film. I think in this in this particular case, it's how they're resurrected. In most zombie films, you know, <clears throat> they're either either lo- using the logic of you know uh, hell is full and now they're walking the earth, or some crazy fucking acid rain, you know, resurrected the dead, and or you know some toxic spill was next to a cemetery and it resurrected the dead. There's always some type of reason or some for like the monkey dead. Monkey with AIDS that infects everybody. Huh? Yeah. But oh, in the in the going to the whole twenty days later, everyone has they are it. actually they are actually living people that are infected with a virus which happens to be a rage virus. They are still living. They were never dead at one Don't time. Care. That's called that an infection film. In this film, it's more of like a almost like a possession voodoo type style I resurrection. I, I don't think they're really possessed either. Like I think they're still them. They're just yeah, they're, they're possessed by evil spirits. That's that's kind of the definition of a possession film is when somebody's body is invaded with an evil spirit and makes them do crazy ass shit and act like a fucking sociopath. In this case, Gage is a goddamn fucking sociopath. He don't give a fuck who that is, that's his dad. He's going to kill that motherfucker. To me, the you know, the reason the main reason this is not a zombie film for me personally is because it has none of the set pieces that zombie films have there's no there's no uh you know hordes of the dead there's no uh siege narrative there's no survival aspect to me that's what a zombie film is like dead girl to me is not a zombie film right might have a zombie in it or might be like technically a zombie but that's not a zombie film to me and that's That's why that's a corpse fucking movie (laughs) and that's why i lump (laughs) infected films in with zombie films because they're fucking the same movie except for one minor detail one minor detail just one little detail i get where you're coming from but i don't understand why i don't understand why they have to be one why can't they be separated? Uh, I mean, why can't there be different levels, like different, almost like subgenres of zombie? Like, they they remember, remember I made film. that uh, I made that Fuck argument before. Fuck like, you if you were categorizing your collection by category by subgenres, it would be voodoo zombies, then zombies, then rage infected films. That's how it would go along your shelf, because there it's just like different different shades of the rainbow, homie. It's all the still Fair the enough. same fucking thing. Just Fair enough. Shades. It's 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 a legitimate argument, and yeah, we'll move on here. Uh, Tony, <laughs> I got dicks. <clears throat> what do you got to say, Jeremy? Nothing. No, I you like to usual. Say. I had something to say. What do you have say? to say it's then, homie? Is Contagion a zombie film? I don't know. It's, it's been an a while. infection film. It's, it's an, an infection. A... Yeah, it's not like they're fuck. But in that movie, they're not going fucking nuts like they are in Twenty Eight Days Later. So well, that's because the virus in Twenty Eight Days Later is legitimately a rage, rage virus. virus. <laughs> that's why they rage. It's specifically making them go nuts. The better question is: Contagion, a horror film, <laughs> right? 
I love contagion. I well, but then we could go back to the old age. What is what is your definition of horror? Yeah. <laughs> then we're going to be here all fucking day. So, what's the next question? Uh, next question is here from Tony Hartman. Um, <laughs> he writes: Whenever you guys write the word cemetery, does your brain instinctively tell you to spell it like the movie? No, this might be hard yeah, for Jake to, to actually. Oh, you actually know how to spell cemetery properly? No, but yeah, I, you know, spell everything I know else that it starts around. with an S. I don't know the what words after that, the letters after that, but I know that it <laughs> cemetery starts, with, starts with a C. You cemetery, <laughs> the actual cemetery word starts with a C. But I get where he's coming from here on this. Actually, yeah. no, no, because every time I write the word pet cemetery, I write with a C. Hmm. So I'm instinctively spelling it correctly, which in this case is actually wrong. Yeah. So that's confusing, but. <laughs> What about you, Jeremy? Do you associate the word cemetery with spelling with an S because of the film? No. Yeah, because... I don't either. Well, we'll get into it in my review, but no. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Corey Waller, he asks, um, you can only have one Ed Furlong title in your collection. Do you pick Pet Cemetery 2 or Terminator 2? I pick Terminator 2. Jeremy? Oh, this is hard. Yeah, I'll pick Terminator 2. Even though Pet Cemetery 2 is pretty cool. Oh my god, uh, did you just pause on Pet Cemetery 2 versus Terminator 2? <laughs> oh my god, this is going to be exciting. <laughs> um, Terminator 2 is like in my top five films of all time, so. I love Terminator. I said Terminator 2! But you hesitated. Like, you liked Pet Cemetery 2 just as much as Terminator oh, 2. No that, was, that was legitimately fucking it was, awkward it was a, it was a conundrum <laughs> um can i pick neither and go with american history x can i can <laughs> i cheat on that's this a good choice too but terminator is yeah if i had to pick awesome. obviously terminator 2 um richard molander uh what country in the world do you believe is the most underrated one when it comes to movies jeremy what's the most underrated country when it comes to movies scandinavia that's even it's multiple that's a, countries. That's a whole region. He said country. <laughs> Pick one of the three Scandinavian countries. <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. Oh, Belgium. Belgium? Yeah. What has Belgium done? Is part of Scandinavia? No. No. <laughs> this motherfucker doesn't know what he's talking about, yo. Dude. He calls sweet. me dumb. Sweden, Norway, or Finland? I would probably go with if you're going to go with you know that region, probably Sweden. I would. Yeah, too. Sweden did Phantom's Carriage and Haxan and let the right one in. Let the right one in. They've done a lot of good films over the years, man. Mm-hmm. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's legitimately legit- 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 a good answer. What about you, Moods? Uh, Canada. Oh, fuck I don't think you. I- I don't think Canadian – well, I'm not picking it just because – I legitimately think that Canada doesn't get enough credit for the films that come out of here. Yeah, they're just I mean, lumped the, in as American films. That's exactly my point. And half the time when you mention a film as being Canadian, people go, that's Canadian? Mm-hmm. Because Canada is mostly associated with – especially if you live in a, a European country, it just seems to be one whole thing. Yeah. And our films are generally lumped in. So I think Canada gets overlooked and it's a little bit underrated. So. Um. Yeah, I would go Canada too. Oh, you fucking poser! 
I don't. I don't really think any of the countries are underrated. Like I think they're per- appropriately rated. I think America is often hated unjustly, considering we have the best uh, history of films, and we never get the credit that we get that we have the best history of films. Um. So yeah, America. America is the most underrated there. All right. Fair enough. Um, his next question was, give some examples of real-life changing movies that must be watched in one's lifetime. The most important ones that make difference a difference and stays in your mind and life and, cha- and changes things. JP knows How do you look I'm on these see. things and think about things and so on? So basically movies that were very important to you and kind of made you view Pretty things wild. differently in your JP, everyday life. you know what I'm going to say? What? Uh, I would probably say... Child's Play, Pink Flamingos, something that you watched with your grandma. No. No? (laughs) Paradise Lost. Ah, okay. Hmm. That movie changed my life. It's just, oh, man. Like, I still think about that movie all the fucking time, even though I watched it, like, a year and a half ago. It's this, it just shows you how much a documentary could affect you in a sense that, Mm -hmm. you know, you're this is actually real and these aren't characters they aren't you know they it isn't something that somebody wrote on a piece of paper this is real people dealing with real issues and the way that these two guys were able to structure a story that is extremely depressing and extremely meaningful in the sense that the american justice system is bullshit it's this it is stuck into my mind it's just it's an amazing 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 film and it's pieced together in such a fantastic way that it really has just been etched in my mind probably for the rest of my life that movie is fucking awesome so yeah paradise right lost paradise lost was that it paradise lost fandom's carriage it's another one that i recently just watched that i will talk about probably forever now uh mm, yeah, those are the two that – and Child's Play, of course. That movie will always have a special place in my heart. But those are really the three that entered into my mind when I first saw the question. But Paradise Lost for sure. Mm-hmm. JP? I mean I don't really have like these life-changing movies in terms of like like an epiphany or something. It doesn't have to be generally you know, changing your whole life and stuff. Just – it could be movies that also stayed in your mind for a long time. Things that – you know – you know when you you see something in your everyday life and it reminds you of that film or vice versa or something like that yeah i mean there there's a lot that do that you know um i would say that in terms of like ones that like changed who i am kind of or, or created me uh would be like chainsaw and um phantasm like those two i rented them the same night uh as a little kid and that night was partially why I became such a huge horror fan. Friday the 13th part seven also was the, probably the first horror film I ever seen at like two or three. And, um, full metal jacket was a big one for me, honestly. Like it kind of showed me like the rawness of, of people and how, um, different people deal with different situations like war and how there's different mindsets going in and coming out of it. And, uh, yeah, it made me realize that the world is like the world thinks differently. Like each person has their has their own individual thoughts. Like as a kid, you might not realize that like every person has different ways of feeling. Um, and I think that's one of the first times 
that I noticed that was in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That's a good, that's a good pick. Um, yeah, real life changing movie. The I'll answer this one with one, and the one movie that kind of just generally made me hate people even more and the world that we live in and it still sticks with me to this day is the girl next door that was the other one i had in my head that movie man i swear to god i think about that movie i haven't seen it in a few years now and i still think about it to this day it's fucked how much it stuck with me it just it that story annoys the shit out of me it's just so it's like devastating to watch that this i don't even i've only watched it once and i don't know if i could watch it again i've actually read the book like a couple months ago yeah, yeah. I heard it's quite uh, a little bit more nasty, isn't it? Mm, a little bit more, but they both do quite a good job of making you hate people. But uh, I would say that in the book, it makes the kid even more of an asshole for not helping. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. That movie's so uh, fucking brutal, dude. A few more films that kind of stuck in my mind over time. It didn't really change my life, but you know, kind of stuck in my mind, and I do... I think about all the time is uh, since Jeremy introduced me to the Phantom Carriage, that movie has stuck with me. I just, I, st- I still can't believe how well that film is done. It's it yeah. just crazy, man. Uh, Hour of the Wolf is another one. There's something about that film I constantly think about. Cannibal Bergman. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hour of the Wolf was awesome. Like, Bergman. I wish Jeremy would have been on that 68 show since he was the one hyping that. Uh-huh. Yeah, Hour of the Wolf is just – I don't know what it is. It's something about the cinematography or the way the story is told, but it always like replays in my mind constantly. Um, okay. I, I, you know what? So, sorry to cut you off and, and, and your yeah. list like this, but I just thought of this. Is there a film – what's the most important film that you've seen for this show that we've talked about in our entire 101 run episodes? Is like we're talking fi- main reviews? Um, it could be a main review. Or it could be just something that we talked about on the show, um, but Thanks. is there is there a film that, yeah, is there is there a film that sticks out as like, is is you know powerful like that? Angst. Ang- Angst is Jeremy's film pick. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Um, I wasn't on that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Wolf, Hour of the Wolf is something that we did talk about. Um, uh huh briefly but yeah it's definitely sticks in my mind that's the first thing that comes to my mind anyways is hour of the wolf um what about you Mm. i mean the battery was like a really big one for me because it was so much better than we ever expected it to be like it you know what that's holy shit like i can't believe that like we randomly picked this yeah main review without really knowing a whole lot about it besides we heard that it was good and then it ended up like just blowing our mind good yeah it's kind of an overwhelming question because we've reviewed literally like probably over a thousand films on this channel or on this uh, uh podcast. jack frost 2 <laughs> it, it's hard to remember all the films but there has been some yeah the battery's a good one actually because i think we were all in the same boat because we all expected mm-hmm. to be it okay to be okay, you know, kind of thing, and then it just kind of blew our shitter out. What about so. fucking sleep tight too, though? Oh, that was another one. Yeah. See, th- this is why we need three one. of us because I couldn't remember that either. Sleep tight yeah. was amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, huge, huge. Uh, um, for me, also another one that I think of. Um, oh, terms... big shout outs to Brandon for sending us that film too. Yeah, yeah. sleep tight. Back when from he was exploding a listener. <laughs> yeah, when he was a listener. <laughs> um, another <laughs> a frequent voicemailer. Another big one for me was uh wake and fright 
but you'd already oh, seen yeah. that film. But for me, that was yeah. the first time, and that that one definitely stayed with me. I did that film make our Hall of Fame? Yep. Of course, Derek. Ten out of ten. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like thinking back on that one, dude, I would maybe even go a little higher than whatever I came in on it as. Nine um, out of ten, episode eighty-nine. Yeah, because yeah. that one stuck with me a while. Yeah, that's. I actually have that written down for <laughs> a couple films that stuck in my mind. How about Daddy's um, Little Helper? Yeah, Daddy's Little Girl. Daddy's, Daddy's little, little Girl. girl. Oh yeah, yeah, that movie's fucked, man. That, that's. I still yeah. haven't even seen that, dude. That movie's crazy. <laughs> Um, but just a couple other ones, man. Um, actually, you know what? Another what I didn't. I, I'd seen the film multiple times before we did it on the show. But Cemetery Man is another film that. Yep. It's just one of those films that's ingrained into my mind, and it, every time I think about it, it, makes me smile. You know, um, we did Martyrs not on this podcast. We did it on a different one, but that's another film that I find is a little bit changing. It kind of makes you really, really think about things in a different perspective. And mm-hmm. that's what I think that movie is really all about. Um, Battle Royale is another one that always stuck with me. And um, Eraserhead and The Devils. Those are films that, like, for some weird reason, they just kind of rotate in my mind. I can't get them out of my head. So that's Tarantino's favorite film, Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. man, Battle- I still can't believe fucking Demons made the top ten, the the Hall of Fame. That still bucks me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, so out of place amongst these greats. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it happens, right? <laughs> uh, last question here from Richard Molander. Uh, what hopes do you have for the future of movies and for life in general? Well, I think I we kind of answered just... that question at the beginning of the show. Like, I think we all have very high hopes. Like, I'm, I could not be more excited about the genre. Like, I love it. Like, I'm, I think that it's going great. I think that it's on an upswing. I, th- I think that it's very. Uh, bright looking like i'm very passionate about it i've never been more excited to cover the genre like it's just neat to me like i'm just in love with it so that's my there's opinion. not an, there's not another genre like it mm-hmm. maybe sci-fi a little bit but besides fucking sci-fi and horror there's no other genre like the horror genre that you'll have this many pa- passionate people coming together to talk about fucking movies and, you know, like I said in the past, you don't see fucking comedy conventions or drama conventions. It's true. But you see fucking horror conventions and you mm-hmm. see people who are live and breathe and die horror on their skin. Look at Moods, his fucking whole arms horror tattoo. So there's no other genre like it. It's fucking awesome. That's true. That's true. And for life in general, I don't know. I'm doomed. I don't have a future. <laughs> so, no, I just, I just continuously hope that horror films keep up with this pace of being great and uh that's it man i know it sounds a little bit cliched and a little bit cheesy but it's true i mean i just love the genre so much that i I just want you know great films to come out all time so we can talk about them on this great podcast and uh keep people informed Mm -hmm. you know so that's that's generally what um what my drive is you know and i'm getting applause (laughs) (laughs) sorry headphones, headphones Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so that is going to do it for the questions. I got uh, uh, one more here. Oh, you got one more? Yeah. Uh, this is an email that we got from Adam Claver. He says, new fan here. Just wanted to thank you guys for all the content. It's nice to hear from kindred spirits in the horror realm. You guys are smart, funny, and informative. I've slowly listened to your back catalog, and you guys have gotten me through so some long nights at work. I was wondering what your guys opinions are on top five movies that you wish spawned a franchise my personal list is trick-or-treat sleep stalker dr giggles behind the mask and jack brooks 
So, um, do you guys have any that you could think that you wish would have started a franchise? I'd say probably My Blade Valentine. Doll. Uh, That's Jack, my number one. Uh, not Jack Brooks. Behind the Mask. I, I, I really wish that would have continued. Um, oh, Dolls, man. I haven't seen Dolls yet. Dolls is fucking cool. Uh, dolls, dolls is awesome. But then again, it probably would have stitches. turned into the puppet master. <laughs> I say, I say, stitches would be another one that I wish turned into a franchise. I see that all Hallow's Eve solo film. Where I would say that shit. I know again, and I hate to be repetitive, but you know, with cliche to answer. But to be honest, maybe the burning, maybe the franchise would have got pretty good. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Slasher franchises are always really fun, but I've always said My Bloody Valentine is probably the most surprising film never to have a sequel. Mm, yeah, probably. It's probably. just crazy, given how popular, you know, the, the character of Harry Warden is and stuff. It's just in the look of it. it. It just seems like it's it's a recipe for a franchise. It's crazy that no one ever did a sequel. Yeah, it's it is crazy. How about fucking rubber, man. They should have made another rubber. That shit's <laughs> awesome. I fucking make like that. make like a coffee cup or something instead of a tire. <laughs> well, I'll be, t- I'll be talking about a movie later on that's kind of in the realm of rubber too, like just retarded idea for a film. Um, huh? But yeah, you're, you're right though, man. Why didn't Rubber ever have a sequel? That, that would have been amazing. They should have made a sequel to that. I don't know. I guess that the director of that film's too busy making weird music and shit. He's a weirdo. Um. So. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of. I can't think of a whole lot besides the ones that I mentioned. Um, I wouldn't mind Jack Brooks. That was a pretty fun movie. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Yeah, Jack Brooks. Uh, I think Behind the Mask is probably the one I wish the most, though. Because really... mine is definitely My Bloody Valentine. Well, do you wish it would have got in a sequel to the remake too? No, no, original. <laughs> so you wish there was if, another sequel in the eighties? Not now, though. Like, would you, I, I if they were to do just... it now, would you be okay with it, or wouldn't you want to see it now? Like a sequel to the original or to the remake? The original. Or I guess it doesn't. Really... Um, I don't know. I, I just think it would be out of place considering there's a remake and stuff. Yeah. But, I wish you know, they made another sequel to. Um, Cabin I wish in they the made Woods, a. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the one I was thinking of. Cabin in the Woods. That I just, have been a I franchise. just, I just, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I love. That I just movie. given the time that my bloody Valentine came out, and same with the burning and stuff. You know, it was kind of the start of these, you know, these slasher franchises. That, you know, obviously there was these big. Uh, slasher franchise in the 80s it just seemed like the appropriate time and i think that's why it's a little more surprising that they never had sequels or anything after that i wish you know, they get- made another amityville <laughs> <laughs> you're right man they've only made about what i want to see yeah. a new collection movie i love those fucking two movies those are awesome i think that's two films that don't get fucking enough talk i've reviewed one of them on here yeah, I think the second one just did really, really bad, so they never made another one. in the one. collection. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Those movies are cool. But yeah, I, I hope that supposed answered... to be the third one. I hope that answered your question. Oh. Thanks for the email, Adam. All right. Sweet stuff. Um, I don't think we have a knowledge segment because, you know, we're never prepared for the show. <laughs> we really don't know what the fuck we're doing. Um, I still want to know, is Judaism a race or not? That's my knowledge question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, that's a wholly different podcast, man. Come on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just jump into this uh, morbid fact courtesy of Room Morgue. Uh, in the corners port of Weird Stats and Morbid Facts, this is coming from the 
brand new issue 176 uh it's the may june i think these guys have gone bi-monthly now that's fucking lame so don't get these things monthly it's kind of stupid but um this i i only chose this one because i was last minute and it happened to do with cats so i was like that's very appropriate um ancient egyptians shaved off their eyebrows to mourn the death of their cats bam hmm. why why i don't know why why would that ever become a thing? How does that become uh, a thing? If we knew the answer, you wouldn't be asking why. It's a rhetorical question, you yeah. fucking smart. Jeremy's ass. not smart. Jesus, no. $50,000, dude. Nope. It's all I'm saying, man. Where did it go? Uh, up my butt. I know where it went. He spent all that money at fucking family video on his dollar DVDs. Dollar <laughs> fifty, okay. Dollar fifty. <laughs> they used to be dollars when I started collecting, but they dropped the price to a dollar fifty. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. It's, true, it's probably a true story, man. True story. It's a true story. <laughs> all right, so that is going to conclude mood swings and yeah. All righty, so moving into the WWW portion of the show, that oh is what we Jesus. watched. You can't just say what we watched. No, is I that... got to get fancy with it, man. I got to get fancy. People oh, know it is WWW, man. It sounds cool. Triple See, W. I'm, man, I'm, fuck that shit. What are we on? I'm sorry, Jeremy. My education was only 30000 I know has... I'm not as educated as you with your $50,000. No, it's just but... a pet peeve. And you Jeremy know has a, a really big beef with abbreviations. Like, I don't yeah. get it personally. Like, it's just silly to me. With, but he, with he really w- does. W- like, w- he talks it, about it all the time. Jeremy. Like, let me, let if, me ask if you I say like I ate, he's like, you can't just say all right or something. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's different. When you when you fucking abbreviate like children of the corn as C O T C, why can't you just fucking say children of the corn? It what? takes wrong, one extra. What's breath. wrong with C O T C? Can your brain not comprehend it? Are you Jeremy just has a delay where he's like, C O what could that possibly No, because mean? it looks retarded. What what looks retarded about it? It's three four letters together. Jeremy, yeah. some of your favorite things are in abbreviations, man. You're a big wrestling fan. Do you actually call it by its full name? What about WWE? CM Punk? World Wrestling Nobody knows what CM Punk means, though. So it's, that's this retarded question because nobody knows what it means. Yeah, right. But do you say World Wrestling Entertainment? Or do you say WWE? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, fuck you. This is, I'm using a... an example because I knew it would shut you up. Drop the motherfucking mic. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, WWW, <laughs> what we watch portion of the show. If you are tuning in for the first time, this is where we go round tree, review some films, give us some ratings, and then move on. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. JP? Up. All right, first up here, I had a nice little revisit on a film that I had seen years ago i do own it on dvd and i bought it actually when i first started collecting dvds a little bit and i watched it once and i had seen it when it came out but i haven't watched it since so we're talking at least 10 years ago at least probably longer and that little film is from 1999 coming to me courtesy of umbrella entertainment it's called idle hands you guys familiar with Idle Hands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I remember when it first came out. I was just waiting for Jeremy to be like, fuck, man. I can't get Umbrella. <laughs> I have that movie, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> How the fuck would I know that? Oh, I should, probably should because, you know, you're always bragging yeah, about all this shit. Oh, so fuck shit. you, okay? 
It's not a fucking two hundred and fifty dollar box set that I already have twenty three out of the twenty five films. So fuck he is you. still on that box set, oh man. My Holy God. shit. That's so, insane. uh, this film is directed by Rodman Flender. And see, Damn I should have known. I should have known that this was a. Uh, Just like it, Strangers 2 getting fucking dicked. <laughs> so, I should have known that I was going to like this film because this guy's filmography, he directed Leprechaun 2, which I love. So, yeah. Um, he also did a, a lot of other things. Still working today, doing Scream, the TV series. Um, but he did Idle Hands back here all the way back in 1999. So this was like right before the 2000s. And you have this like cool era that I think is started with like Scream, like post Scream, like 1997 and lasted till like 2002, maybe 2001. And it, it just, it, all the films look the same from those years. And I love it. And I think the further we get from it, the more I like it. So, uh, this film follows a teenager who is like a complete slacker, pothead, just not, not really caring about anything. Uh, and it's set on Halloween and basically, um, his parents end up dead and it turns out that he's probably the one who did it or not him at least, but his hand, uh, because his hand is possessed and he must try to figure out how to stop it while wooing his neighbor, Jessica Alba, because she's hot and, uh, <laughs> chilling with his friends who he killed but are like back to life now uh, played by Seth Green um, one of them uh, man I don't know dude I had a blast with it this time I, I had always remembered this film as like one that I didn't want to watch because I thought it would be super cheesy and lame uh, because it had been so long since I seen it like I remember liking it at the time um, but I was like man that thing probably does not hold up but it really does man like it's cool it's a cool movie it captures that era perfectly the soundtrack's great you got everything in there that's awesome you got Rob Zombie fucking Blink-182 The Offspring uh, just just tons of just cool the stuff Offspring really yeah Motley Crue I don't is Rob Zombie in that yeah I think it, I can't remember yeah Rob Zombie's there so so you got all kind of cool shit man I, lo- I love like everybody I just mentioned I love so <clears throat> That's really cool. Great soundtrack. You have you have this cool just era of film where it's like it was cool to be like the slacker kind of for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I think of this. I think of um, the film Faculty with this character Zeke, uh, who's like kind of just the cool like like slacker dude, but he's like he's the, he's not dumb at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. This one this one is definitely a comedy, uh, and it's a little ridiculous. But it's it's really cool. Like I, I, I had a blast with it. Uh and there's 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 boobs. There's even boobs in here. Boobies <laughs> Uh I'm gonna go ahead and give Idle Hands a seven point five uh out of ten. Transfer was good, Umbrella did a great job. Uh there is a region one Blu ray uh as well. If you, <clears throat> but this is region free as well, so um uh, are, this are they one, as nice as those boobies last week? No, hell no. <laughs> um, Man. Uh, I gotta say, man, my shitter is blown right out. I can't believe that you actually like this movie as much as you did. I did like it when I seen it the first time. I just didn't expect to still like it. That well, I mean, a seven and a half is a pretty high rating for you. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the shit out of Idle Hands too, man. I think it's just some sloppy, retarded I, fun. I think that as time goes on, and I seen it with the Skeleton Crew this week too. They posted their uh, show on the faculty and disturbing behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. both from 1998 i think this little era of film 
is going to start being very nostalgic soon. You know, you're looking at 20 years now. Um, I think that people are going to going to really be looking back on it with nostalgic eyes and it's going to be it's going to be a little bit more loved coming up here and and uh i i'm i'm happy because i grew up in the 90s i know me and jeremy personally are getting real nostalgic right now watching rugrats and and keenan and kel we go back and forth in chats and stuff we're 90s kids we we love the you 90s. had to bring up the nick didn't you now <laughs> jeremy's gonna go off on every fucking nick show oh man i've been watching fucking old commercials that shit we had some cool ass shit yeah kids co- these days the, they the got coolest. fucking the coolest dude, that's what I, dude if you compare what? it to the 80s we the 90s marks the 80s i don't give a damn in terms of like cartoons and stuff like that, not even that. Like toys and shit. We toys. had some dope ass shit. Yeah, we did. Shit, shit. You know my last couple updates. You know what? You know what I put in there for commercial breaks? Nineties commercials. Yeah. Because yeah. they are fucking fun. I even had a Nick commercial. There. I thought you'd comment on it, but you never watch videos, so. But, nah. Um, but <laughs> Idle like, Hands. Though, he just says that's, nah. <laughs> that's like when JP's like, "Have you watched that? Have you listened to that podcast? That new." podcast that was like and i already know jeremy's answer is no hell no i don't listen to watch shit i just find it hilarious when he bitches when people don't watch his shit jesus goes around around, motherfucker i watch jeremy's videos sometimes um i do too actually i watch them every once in a while i just don't comment as much because i usually watch them late at night yeah if i'm ever feeling extra happy and i'm like i need to calm down and be a little bit more down to earth and sad I just watched Jeremy's videos. <laughs> you know, actually, speaking of speaking of Umbrella, I believe that they're having a Mother's Day sale. I don't know if it's just going what, what, on. What say what? Umbrellas having um, they're having an umbrella sale. They're having an umbrella sale. They're having a twenty percent off sale. Umbrellas on Mother's Day, which is today, and I'm not sure how long it's going on for this oh, podcast. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers listening. Exactly, but I think it's twenty percent off. So if you want to pick up that Idle Hands and it's still on sale, go for it, man. You know, Umbrella's got some pretty good prices. Uh, I already, I already did my whole Mother's Day thing today. Jesus, shit, he just keeps talking. (laughs) Jeremy, what do you got for us? So first one I am going to talk about is from the year two thousand and seventeen, and it comes from the country of the UK and is a film titled "The Girl with All the Gifts." Now with this movie. This is definitely a bigger budget movie for sure, even though it never got a theatrical release. I'd assume it got a theatrical release over the pond, but this is a this is a pretty big budget movie. There's a lot of really great cinematography and helicopters and effects and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Saban Films did it, who of course does the Power Rangers franchise, so I was very amused to read the back of this cover and see that logo on the bottom. So, like I said, this is definitely a, a bigger budget film and what also made me laugh about this one is on the back and that's the quote on the top it says the best zombie film since 28 days later so (laughs) it's 28 days later a zombie film well we've already (laughs) talked about that shit enough so basically this film takes place in the future quote (laughs) that's not the first time i've seen that quote this week actually um so this film basically takes place in the future um they're is a virus that is a fungal disease that has affected humans on the planet Earth and turns them into zombies. But there is a certain group of children who are immune to these effects. And there is this army base that uh, holds these children pretty much captive. And they're being studied and uh, being experimented on trying to find a cure. And one day... There is a 
of course, a group of zombies that come across his base, break in, all hell breaks loose. And there's this one girl who we follow. She's the main character, and her name is Melanie. And Melanie is the smart child of this group. She's very bright. She's polite and all that kind of stuff. And this is basically her journey uh, in this society. And so the zombies break in. And we follow the characters on the journey as they try to survive. And it's good. There's some good effects. There's a bunch of zombies. The characters are interesting. You care about Melanie. She's a really good down-to-earth character. The doctor that they're with, she's a cunt. And then we get to the (laughs) end. Oh, yeah. And the cunt is played by Glenn Close, who is always a cunt in everything she plays. But then we get to the end of the film. And this is where I think me and Moods are going to have an interesting discussion because the ending of the film is a little iffy and it definitely hurts the overall film because of the fact that the ending does not follow the character arc. Of course, it's going to have to take place with Melanie because she's the main character and the decision that she makes at the end of the film does not match up to her overall character arc throughout the entire film. And it doesn't make any sense because as a character, as we've learned to develop into her mind, we don't see her acting this way at the end of the film uh, because of the way she acts throughout the entire narrative up until this point. And it doesn't make that much sense. And I really, really do think it hurts the movie overall because it's just something that I don't see her doing. And it's it's kind of retarded, <laughs> to say the least. And it, it really hurts the film overall. But up until that point, the movie's really good and really interesting. Like I said, it's well done. It's it's a good zombie movie up until the end. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, actually. I think 100%. I think the ending just does not fit where this movie should have been going. Yeah. And that was my biggest problem with the film. It was a very, very huge letdown for me. I was like, oh, are you serious? I was like, that's just not the way that it should have went at all. I mean, you can't really say too much about yeah. it, right? But but I feel that was a big disaster, you know, for the film. And it just, I 100% agree with the character arc and everything, man. 100%, 100%. And, but, I mean, overall, the film is really impressive, though. I yeah. mean, given that it's more, you know, no theatrical release, I'm not 100% sure if I got one over there or not. But yeah. uh, the production value in the film is really do- really well done. Um you know, everything looked pretty authentic. I like that post-apocalyptic type setting, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was just very, it was dramatic and it was, it was just well done. It was very well acted and stuff, but I just think that the the third act was a little bit of a letdown and I think it's, uh, def- it's going to defer it right out of my top 10. So, mm-hmm. but I still think you should check it out. I think it's, it's worth the watch up until that point. I think if you like zombie films, as I said before, I'm not the biggest zombie genre fan, subgenre fan. It's definitely my least uh, my least favorite subgenre of horror. I don't really care um, about them. I find them kind of uninteresting a lot of the time. But but you do have uh, to admit, though, in this film, though, it, it's not generally about no. the, uh, outside zombies. It's no. more about following this character that potentially mm-hmm. has the cure for yeah. it. I mean, she's you know, she has a hunger, but she's, you know, they're trying to figure the stuff out. And I, I like that focus. I mean, they take the focus out of, you know, the, uh, the disaster zone per se. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, they, they put the focus on, you know, the, kind of the good and stuff. And and that's exactly where the end fails in this film. So yeah, but it's, uh, it's an interesting idea 
nevertheless. So yeah, like I said, I think you should check it out. Be curious to hear what the asshole thinks about this one whenever he watches it. But um, I give this one a seven out of ten. The girl with all the gifts from the year two thousand and seventeen. Cool, cool stuff. Now, don't let that influence you, JP. Yeah, I'm still going to check it out just because I know it's a film that's currently sitting atop, maybe not atop, but in certain people's top tens so far. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'll probably get phased out a little bit as time goes on, but um, yeah. Bye Bye Man's still in my top ten. So. Oh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here! <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little bit surprised that more people aren't, you know, harping oh, on the ending a little bit more, but that's interesting. It's a donkey shit. their own, I guess. Do you guys have a top ten designed yet? Or do you uh, yeah, I have been ranking all my stuff, and That's I have how a top I do. ten. I just rank them as I see them. Yeah. yeah. So I technically have a top ten, but mm-hmm. it's pretty sad when I have like a seven in there. <laughs> how the fuck? I, I mean, I, I've had six point fives in my top ten, so I'm not. Gonna I actually wait. did the other day. I actually just no, I do have a six point five in my top ten as I look at it right now. Holy fuck, that's bad. Fucking bye bye man is in your top ten. Mm-hmm. How the fuck does that happen? It's a, it's good. I like it. You're stupid. <laughs> That's All right. Bullshit. So getting into my first film of the What We Watch segment here. Um, it's another one here from 2017, and it is called The Evil Within. Now, this is actually kind of a – I think the story behind this film is a little bit more interesting than the overall outcome of this film. Um Essentially, this film started production in 2002, and uh, it was plagued with production problems. And it probably didn't help that the director was a meth addict. (laughs) I'm assuming this was actually partly uh, a problem with the production of this film and stuff. But anyways, they started production in 2002 for this film. It finally got completed in 2008. And um, the director, uh, Getty, which is actually – he's apparently the – uh, the heir to like this huge fortune and stuff like that. I don't really know much about that family and stuff, but anyways, this guy became a filmmaker. And so from 2008, they can, they finished the film and he spent like many years trying to, you know, perfect the editing in this film and shit and became worse and worse with, with his drugs and stuff and ultimately passed away in 2015. And this film just got released this year, so he didn't get to see the release of his film, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate because, yeah, I, I mean, so. apparently he was re- right fucked up, like really, really bad. So this film was done between 2002 and eight, and it actually has a cameo from Michael Berryman, and this is starring Sean Patrick Flannery, um, who plays a brother in this film. Uh, basically, this one is about a uh, kind of a mentally challenged uh, boy uh, who's being looked after by his older brother played by Sean Patrick Flannery. And uh, basically what the the backstory with them is that um, when this child was younger, this mentally challenged kid, he was actually a prodigy. Like he was a, uh, he was like a super, super smart kid. And you know, they, he was like famous for it. Right. Anyways, he had a fight with his brother one day. His brother punched him. He fell down the stairs and became slow. So now they're grown up and his brother's, you know, looking after him and stuff. And he, he kind of feels like he's in debt. He owes his whole life to him and stuff. So he kind of watches over him and things and he gives him things. Ultimately buys this mirror as a piece in this house. What he doesn't know is that this mirror is a little bit possessed with some demonic kind of evil spirits and stuff. So what happens is this mentally handicapped boy he is very, very lonely and he kind of befriends his reflection in this mirror. And what happens is this mirror 
or his reflection starts telling him to do these very odd and murderous things like kill animals and, and kill people and stuff. And in exchange, it'll make him smart again. So there's kind of a, there's kind of a, uh, a trade-off here. So he's, he goes out and he starts to do all these crazy fucking things. And that's basically our film. Um, now my thoughts on this one, uh, I think the, the overall premise to this film is pretty solid. I think where it lacks is oddly enough is a lot of bad choices in the filmmaking department, the subplot or kind of the side story with the brother, you know, of course he's dealing with a lot of anguish from his past and stuff. He's in counseling and shit, but they focus so much on the brother in this film. It kind of takes away from the main story, which is the, the mentally handicapped um, younger sibling who is dealing with all this loneliness and killing and shit like that. So his story kind of, to me, it feels like it's a little bit neglected at times. And it's kind of unfortunate too, because there's a lot of cool scenes in this film. It's very artsy at times. And the Michael Berryman cameos and shit uh, are pretty cool. And you don't get to see a whole lot of Berryman in this, which is kind of unfortunate and a little bit misleading as you see him on the cover. Um, but ultimately it's, it's, it plays out like a, like kind of like a nightmare and things like that. And there's some pretty cool scenes, but it's, it feels like a mess. It feels like it was plagued with problems and you can tell because they kind of finish um, filming later on and they look a little bit older and, you know, things like that. The biggest selling point to this film is actually the kid that, uh, that plays or Dennis, his character played by Frederick Kohler or some, his performance is excellent because he plays dual roles. He plays the mentally handicapped. Uh, boy and he plays the evil demonic reflection and it's fucking cool there's a lot of really cool cinematography in these scenes where he's switching it up and there's no edits and it's fucking cool how they did it man like he'd be talking in the mirror and he'd be changing his you know the characters and it's really done well selling biggest selling point he should obviously he should have won awards for this performance it's really good uh but what it comes down to it's a little bit of a mess i think that the ending was a little bit underwhelming too i was kind of disappointed with it but not a bad watch. Pretty atmospheric. Got some pretty decent kills. There's one of the funniest fucking lines in this film ever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it, but it has to do with uh, basically some dead animals in a cooler. <laughs> it cracked me up. I was pissed at myself. I was watching this like two in the morning. I, just, I burst out laughing. And uh, but yeah, not a bad watch. I'm going to give it about a six out of 10. It's, it's not too bad. I think there's just too many problems with it. And I think the subplot really hurts the film. So the evil within maybe give it a watch. You might like it more than I did. All right. Awesome to see some 2017 films from you too. Uh, but I'm going way back. I am going to 1959. Uh, so Zach, you can shut the hell up about us reviewing older films sometimes. Yeah, fuck uh, Zach. It's like, <laughs> fuck Jerry. Fuck Zach too. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to have any listeners eventually. Yeah, well, fuck Jerry. <laughs> like, Jeremy just created this beef with Jerry out of nowhere. I, I have no idea where it's coming from. Because he doesn't like me. He didn't give me a fucking shout out in the reviews. And neither so fuck did the Jerry. other guy. He probably doesn't even know you, dude. Well, now he does. So fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> well, now he does. You're, you're making your voice loud and clear. <laughs> I think Jerry and Jeremy are kind of similar, actually, now that I think about it. They both, re- like, Jerry... There, uh, huh. This is interesting. <laughs> Maybe you should make a Jerry and Jeremy podcast. Oh God, nobody listens to that garbage. <laughs> All right, so I'm going 1959 with this one, uh, courtesy of Arrow Video. This is Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster. 
And this film was directed by Ricardo Freda, Freda, uh, as Robert Hampton in the film, but it was also directed partially by Mario Bava, who has an uncredited directing spot in this film. But uh, if you listen to the commentaries, both commentaries state that Bava actually had um, a lot of directing responsibilities in this film uh, and definitely directed scenes. So, uh, uncredited, but technically probably, um, had a lot to, to do with, um, him. So one thing that I'll say right away is that, uh, before we get into the plot, I want to say that if Bava did direct this film, uh, and, and a, a strong part of it, I'm kind of coming around cause like my, my knowledge of Mario Bava films is very small. I know Moods is a huge fan. It's his favorite director or second favorite or something. And um, I just haven't seen much. But to see this movie and then to see something uh, that he did way later in his career like uh, A Bay of Blood and to see the range of differences. Like this is like two different completely different eras of film. Like this Kaltiki movie fits right alongside with films of the 1950s like The Blob and um, different monster movies that came out that, at that time. Like, it, it almost fits in right during that, like, um, science age boom of the 50s and 60s uh, that, like, from Universal and stuff. Like, it is exactly that. It's so crazy. It, it feels like it could have just been made along with those movies, but this is actually an Italian production, which is interesting. It's subtitled. Uh, but it feels the same. Like it, it feels like you're watching like a creature from the Black Lagoon type movie. You know what I mean? Uh, wow. Very, very surprising with that. And uh, <clears throat> basically, this film follows a bunch of archaeologists who are at uh, an ancient Mayan ruin camp when uh, they hear some of their coworkers or co-scientists like screaming or something. And then they go to this area and they dive down behind this giant Kaltiki statue. And there's water under there. They dive down. They find treasure and stuff. But there's also this blob-like monster down there. And it attaches itself to one of them after engulfing another. And uh, it gets caught on his arm. They do pull him free. They take it back. They find this blob-like substance on this guy's arm. And they begin to, you know, do science shit on it. Like, hey, what the hell is this blob thing? And, uh, you know, it turns out that it's like... Uh, I think they said it's like a bacteria, microscopic bacteria, but radiation has caused it to become full, like, you know, not microscopic, <laughs> but like actually uh, into like a monster and it's growing and, and things like that. And, and, and that's kind of your film, you know, it, it kind of plays out very similar to anything else, like military and jeeps and flamethrowers come in at the end, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I gotta say, dude, like, this is a movie that has, for being these, this old, like, uh, blob-like, you know how the 1950s and 60s were with these scientific, um, type films. Like, everything from, like, them to, like, the, there's good ones, but the, the knockoff ones are usually pretty bad, right? Um, this one here, the pacing of this shit is so good. Like, it's, it's only an hour and 16 minutes, but there's, like, no downtime. Like, it's interesting the whole way through. Uh, even though it's very predictable and of the time in terms of, like, what happens. Like, there's nothing really different. It's it's a blob ripoff, kind of. Uh, it's 
it's really fun and the effects are good there's like some actual gore going on in here which i thought was pretty cool uh it is black and white the blu-ray looks pretty good not super amazing but certain scenes look way better than other scenes uh it's it's a very solid watch like i highly recommend this movie like i had a lot of fun watching it uh i give it a um solid 7.5 out of 10 nice nice Believe it or not, that's actually one Baba film I haven't seen. Yeah, it's 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 so surprised me because it's it's funny though because the the blob kind of looks like if you took like a like a, a green blanket and put like goo on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, and you know what? That's probably actually what it is too. No one those Italians. <laughs> uh, but I, I gave it props for showing like gore and stuff. Like I can see this actually being scary if you've seen it as a, as like a kid in the fifties or sixties. That is a little bit surprising given the time it came out. What was he? What was it? Fifty nine. Yeah, it feels a little older than fifty nine. If I'm being honest, like it feels like it's early fifties. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, awesome, awesome stuff, Jeremy. What do you got next? Okay, next up we have a film from 2017. Yet again, it's from our friend Midnight Releasing, and it is a movie called Kill Capture Kill Release. Jesus, I know can we talk. At least I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I owed you that from earlier. Yeah, at least I wasn't ta 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 today, Junior, when you're reading. No, anyway. you just pause after every word, sounding like Christopher <laughs> Walken and shit. At least he's cool, unlike you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you trying to say you're cool? Come on, come on now. Come, come on, man. You know, you know, you're not cool. Let's wait till my segment. I'll be the coolest cat in town. Okay. Capture kill. Fuck you, Moods. Capture Kill release. <laughs> Just like fuck Jerry. Capture Kill release from the year 2017. Now, this is a film that JP pulled his wiener down and made it <clears throat> suck it to town because he enjoys this film a lot. It's and like... I know that. <laughs> Go ahead. What, what? Why is that, JP? Uh, just the way you said that was funny. Oh, that's good. So anyway, this is a super low-budget film, and it's their... <laughs> I'm out this bitch. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Jeremy, I can't hear you over JP fapping in the background there. <laughs> it's yeah. a little loud. Is he, just, is he just taking his wiener and just, just All right, You, you guys are exaggerating on how much I like this film. Okay? And believe me, I've seen JP jerk off on Friday night, and it's not that pleasant. So uh, I don't know why we would want to see jerking off anyway. <laughs> Fucking bean dip. Come on. <laughs> so capture, kill, release. The film basically follows a couple. We have very simple plot. Jennifer and Farhang. What kind of fucking name is Farhang? Anyway. Oh, there you go, insulting our uh, he's foreign middle, viewers. He's Middle Eastern. <laughs> he's Middle Eastern, <laughs> man. I offend everybody. <laughs> just like how I offend you for being a fucking Mexican asshole. Anyway. What I kind was, of name was, is Hernandez? Jesus, this is America. I was really, <laughs> I was really racist today on the Facebook page where you said that. When I made my Pittsburgh Penguins post, and you're like, "What about the Blackhawks?" And then I said, "What? Aren't I thought you? I thought Mexicans don't watch hockey. I thought they only watch soccer." I was really racist. Anyway, <laughs> we follow Jennifer and Farhang. What kind of name is Farhang? Anyway, they are a couple that, and the and the, that's the real names too. And and they are a couple. <laughs> so you who, insult the guy, the actual actor. <laughs> That's all right. I watched. Let them let them listen to the review. Oh man, that was stupid of me. Anyway, 
because Mr. Steve, I'm sorry, please don't kill me. <laughs> Nowhere. Jennifer and Farhang. They are a couple who decide to plan out a murder in the sense that they have a fantasy of killing somebody and making it like an art form documentary type of a thing. Now, the thing with this one is that people think it's dark and twisted. And while I can see it's dark and twisted, I have one problem in this film, and that is the main character of Jennifer. Jennifer is an annoying bitch. She doesn't shut up the entire fucking movie, and it really, really bothers me because she really takes this character to an over-the-top level that I think that it hurts the film overall because you don't have time to stop and think about what she's doing because the film moves like this and she's always talking and doing something and it it got on my nerves after a while because even when Farhang is trying to say something, she automatically interrupts him and keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking, talking, kind of like JP. And it's really, really annoying. And that's like really the main problem that I have with this film is her character. Now, Farhang, on the other hand, (laughs) I... (laughs) Okay, go. (laughs) It's funny, dude. Farhang, on the other hand, like, you keep saying Farhang. (laughs) What's his name? His name is Farhang. I know, but it's funny. It's not my fault they named the character that. It's his real fucking name, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. <laughs> Farhang, on the other hand. Farhang, on the other hand, is a character that I don't think would be with a character like Jennifer. Now, I know JP says it's supposed to be that way, but I don't see that somebody who has his personality would end up with a psychopathic bitch who never shuts her mouth and wants to commit this horrible crime. See, I so- never feel that way because like why what evil sense does he have body do we see him do we ever see him have any mean mean aurora to him ever throughout the entire film do we ever hear him say oh yeah i want to kill that person he's always saying no i don't want to kill this person or what are you doing to that cat or why are you going to kill this guy that's because i think if he has this fantasy Throughout the I don't think he film. has the fantasy. I then think they explain that through dialogue. Then why does he go along to it? Because he, he loves her. And he's like, That's okay. a bunch of shit. He does not love her. Listen, no okay, let me, let me just explain something to you, homie. All right, um, I have a family member who was in state penitentiary, all right? Uh-huh. And they told me so many stories of these these women that they were with in uh-huh. on death row who, like chopped up their babies and made spaghetti out of them and fed them to their husband who would like, dude, this is like legit stuff. It happens. You get with a psychopath sometimes and you don't realize it. Uh And I think that this character is somebody who thought that it might've been like fantasy. And I can explain that away too, because Oh bullshit fantasy. They're going to the fucking hardware store and buying shit. Fantasy. That's a bunch of shit. They wouldn't spend money on something. That's a fantasy. That's, See, that, th- that's actually what I was going to get that that's where I was going to go with my point too because there's a certain point in this film where uh Farhang is filming her you know picking out the shit and stuff like that and it seems like he's kind of on board with it 
and then his character completely changed, does a 180, and he becomes a pussy whiny bitch through the whole fucking movie. And I do understand this. You know, I'm not saying that these two couldn't be together from the start. Of course, yeah, you could be with somebody, but I don't think that he'd be sticking around. I mean, if you really didn't want to do this shit, man, like, why the fuck would you keep filming? And just because he loves her, I dude, think they, we're talking about killing somebody. Moves, I think at a fr- yeah. certain point, he feels like he's, he knows that he's. Um, you gotta understand something too. The, the way that this is filmed, we don't spend a lot of time with him alone to get his thoughts, right? It's always no, no. with yeah, her. Yeah, because she doesn't the shut the fuck up. Okay, but that's how found footage is done, right? Like, that's, that's how these type of movies are filmed. There can't just be like static shots of nothing with, you know, the, um, but I think that what I took it as is he feels like he's in too deep. Like, he feels like, okay, even if I would not do this, like, I'm probably going to go mm-hmm. down for it because I was involved so much already. And he feels like maybe if we just get this out of our system, like, she'll just, this, this will be it. And then it'll be like over and I'll just have to live with it for the rest of my life. And like, I kind of took it like that a little bit. I do kind of understand where you're coming from though, about like, okay, well, I wouldn't stick around with this crazy bitch. It's like, well, I wouldn't either, but I'm not far hang. You know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. there's different people who do different things. And I've spent so much time listening to these stories of these murderers on death row. And these, these people who, I mean, dude, if I told you some of these stories, they are the most like, and they just talk, they just talk like they're normal. Like, like just, yeah. Like, you know, it's, ah, man, I I, like, you know, the thing is though, it, if they had made the notion, at least for a, a brief second in the film, that Farhang felt like, or given you know a little bit of insight into his mentality, of course, you know once Jennifer decides that she's gonna fucking go full steam with this uh, this heinous axe and stuff, all of a sudden you know Farhang he kind of goes. I don't. I don't really want any part of this. If if they show this he on camera just panics. for a brief second, he straight panics. He the look in his eyes like, oh second. my god, I didn't think this was gonna happen like this. Like yeah, like I thought maybe I could like talk a big game and like like and I understand that too because I remember and this is gonna make me sound like a fucking asshole and a psychopath, right? But I remember in high school t- doing research on the Columbine shooting. And I remember me and my dude were like, dude, like these kids didn't kill barely. We were little assholes and stuff. I agree, but like I was like, these people barely killed anybody. You know what I mean? Like I could kill more people like that. And I was like, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. Like just talking shit. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, and you know, and and then he's like, well, he, how would you do this? And I was like, well, look here. And I started drawing a map and shit of our school. You know what I mean? Like super dumb stuff to do, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. like I understand the the. The idea of fantasy. This is fantasy. Why do we play Grand Theft Auto? Why do we play these games that, like, it's like, oh, I wouldn't actually kill somebody, but it's like, this guy might not have thought it ever would have got that far. Even if they are going to buy shovels. Who fuck? Maybe they also needed a shovel for a fucking garden now back then. She doesn't buy a fucking shovel. She buys an axe. She buys fucking saw. She buys chemicals. She, I think we get the indication. That you don't believe that she's. That he thinks that she's just. Well, not I think that he does think that it's fans. possible, but at the end of the day, it's so much of a far away thing to it's such a jump to plan something and then to actually do it like those are two completely different steps right like the planning and the and the like talking shit that's one thing but to kidnap somebody and tie them up like that's a whole nother ball game bro like that like you can like you can go far without actually being you know maybe you think 
like you could do it or something. You talk yourself up a little bit, but like it's a completely different step. And I feel like you see that in the film. Like you see these, like yeah, yeah, you know, like the, like I would do this, and like he's kind of on board with it in a fantasy way. Once it becomes real, that's when you see that he he is way out of his league, and it shows very well in the film when that scene when when uh, Kyle or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, is at the house like that you see it in his eye watch the Gary. in his eye Gary yeah it rhymes mm. with Jerry but I understand <laughs> where you guys are coming from you feel like it doesn't make sense I can see how it can be perceived as that way I just wish they had a shown just a glimpse of insight into him and why he was staying with her because there is a point where he's kind of on board and watch then you can see that you, you can see the terror the in his in face when film. he realizes in the film that like Jennifer's literally going to fucking do something and it's going to happen it's just a matter of time but i wish they had of just at one point just given a little bit of insight to like you know I, i'm just i'm all alone and she's all I have. It would have just taken one second of dialogue, and it, and it would have, it would have justified everything to me. I've been like, this guy's scared like to be alone. If you say it out loud, though, it comes off cheesy and fake. And I've, I agree that that's the part of the film that I think is the worst part is some of the acting, like because the, like yeah. they have well, to capture this stuff, and it's like you can't really. If you would have just been able to see inside their head what they're thinking, it wouldn't have yeah. come off as yeah. like almost like cheese ball at times because like mm -hmm. in your head you it like comes off perfect but when you verbalize those words especially if you're not a really strong actor your first time actor it could come off weird so i think that a lot of the times this film works great on facial expressions and yeah. like inside head like their thought process so like paying attention to cast them. first time actors well i mean it's a low budget film you said it at the beginning of the show actually the jeremy the i I think with a movie like this, casting uh, not well-developed actors is probably the best thing for it because found footage films are supposed to be – like this is supposed to be documentary reels. This is like me and you just going out and filming yeah. shit. Like we're not acting. You don't, you don't want a face in, in a found See, footage. This is the problem with these type of films is that when they do these movies, these actors are acting. They're not just being natural. Right, this is supposed oh, to come off well, natural. Well, I think that's like, why they keep the names the same too, so well, of it course. does come off more natural. That's what they're that, exactly. That's exactly what they why they did All that. I but I think in the film that they're acting, you can actor. tell that these are not Jennifer and Farhang. <laughs> they are playing Jennifer and Farhang in this movie, uh, and I think that's a little bit of a problem at times because I do agree some of the acting is not coming off natural. And it's a little bit unbelievable and far-fetched. And that's the biggest problem for myself in found footage films sometimes. Mm -hmm. When it's supposed to be bonafide real and you're acting, that's not real right there. And that becomes problematic within these type of genre films. And like I said, man, it, it would have just taken one second. I know it would have came off a little bit cheesy, but just that one little thing. I, I have to be with her kind of thing. And then would have justified it for myself. I would have been like, okay, Farhang is in too deep and he can't escape because if he does, he's either fearing for himself or he's going to be fucking done in his life. He's just going to be alone and shit. So I, I, mean, I got that's that the thing. from the, just his hit the, like the performance and the facial features. I thought there was like a pair, like a um, duality between the whole thing that he was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of read it that way. I, that's just how I read it. Um, so for sure. For I did sure, get that out of yeah. it, but I understand how it, some people might not get that. But yeah. um, I also thought that there was two scenes in this film that were extremely powerful for me. Um, and that's really, really what brought my rating up. 
Uh-huh. But I don't want to spoil one. One of those scenes, I'm not going to spoil it either. But one of those scenes, I'm, I'm I was more just appreciative like, of one than the other. It, it felt like to me, I was like, "Why does that have to be in there?" Yeah. I literally had that moment. I was like, "Really?" Like, I don't know, man. I mean, you I know, as it much makes as sense I, for the story, man, I really do. Well, I mean, it, it does. The character show, says it shows to a themselves, "If you can't do this, you definitely can't do this." Exactly. It is a progression in in the actual ideal of it's what the same we're thing doing. that's going on in in Halloween is. Uh, but after he did after what happened, don't you think Farhang would have said "fuck this bitch" at that point and believed that it was real? I, I see. You have to look at it like this, Jeremy. You, you like, I thought the same. You thing, have actually. to be. Yeah. I don't like. It's the same reason people don't leave the drug addicts, right? Like, like they're stealing, they're fucking committing crimes. They get like it's just if you love someone, you know, you love someone. Like it's the same. Like it's it's the same reason people go along with murders all the time. It's like I I didn't know what I was doing, man. I just thought that I could could balance this. It's I, you, me, and moods. Yeah, probably we're gonna be out, but that's not everybody. Um, mm-hmm. so I agree, I, like, I don't know if I, like, if I love somebody that much, like, I don't, I'm, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so what, like, what are your guys' overall thoughts on the end of the film? <clears throat> did you guys, did you, do you think it was a little bit predictable and yes. exactly what was going to happen and stuff? Cause I found it to be insanely predictable. Yeah. yeah I figured it was I, probably I just going felt- that way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, because I, I read one. I read one person's comment. They're like, "Oh, the ending was so fantastic." I was like, "Really?" I was like, "That's not." I mean, not I enough. like the way that it played out. Like, what were like how it like seeing it? Just because I knew it was going to happen, seeing it play out, I still really enjoyed. Hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Overall, I just think this movie's too fucking hyped up for its own good. It's oh, not a bad on. movie. See, that's no, that's no, a bad no, no. Th- way to review a film, man. It is. Everybody was talking about how fucking gnarly this movie was, including yourself, and you don't really like that many gnarly movies. So if you say a gnarly movie is good, then it must be pretty decent because you don't really like the hardcore. Was it not pretty decent? (laughs) Yeah, it was good, but I didn't love it as much as you and a lot of other people. Like, Moots didn't love it either. I just think it's a good movie that you should watch, and that's it. You'll watch it. I don't know if it'll be on my top ten, but... I still think you should probably check it out, and I give this one seven out of ten. All right, seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, are we all gonna just drop a rating on this one or what? Um, I mean, if you want, we can. What do you got for it? We both kind of yeah, reviewed I, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised Jeremy came in this high on this one. I give it six. I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I I did enjoy it for certain elements, but there was a lot of parts where I was just like, man, I, I just I, I found myself literally shaking my head. Yeah, I um, don't know. This one stuck with me days after I watched it. I kept thinking about two two scenes in particular, and any film that does that, I love it. Like it, it was it was a great experience. I was it was intense. <clears throat> I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, I thought the gore was fantastic um and that brutal arms, that that arm hacking scene is fucking brutal realistic yeah it, it felt yeah, realistic i thought the gore was good too yeah like if that you're gonna take if you're gonna kill somebody like in, in in your house or in a house or something like i feel like that's what it looks like right it's not all smooth and you drag the body away like it's it's this long process this long 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 process and i i think that this voyeuristic that look really liked. at seeing this murder play out in the bleach and the in this like crazy like long period that just looks exhausting like to me that looked 
that was such a cool experience to see this 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 uh bird's eye view of of like a post murder type thing like i don't think i've seen that very many times and there was there was just so much to like about this movie uh i'm hovering i haven't came in on a final rating yet I, i've been thinking about it but i'm hovering between 8 and 8.5 i could say that all right qq all right so <clears throat> moving along here uh Next one up here from 2016. I think this one just got released um, just recently, but it's saying 2016 on the trusty IMDb. And it is called Attack of the Killer Donuts. <laughs> I saw Jason talk about this. Oh, my God. That so, title yeah. made me just want to watch it based on the title. I mean, pretty much, you know what you're getting yourself into. I mean, the first thing I thought. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I mean, this is on the same type of line, and I honestly did enjoy this more than... I, I'm not really a big fan of those movies, to be honest. Um, but this one is uh, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, man. Uh, so what we have here is there's this, uh, this scientist who's working on something. Anyways, his experiment, his sludge or whatever the hell you want to call it, ends up in this deep fryer at this local donut chain. Ultimately, they deep fry some donuts who ultimately turn into this sounds like killer. right out of trauma donuts yep. that's, like a trauma. That's, that's essentially what happens and now it's up to the well now ex-employees of this donut joint to uh to save the town from all these killer donuts there's really not much story here um so that's pretty much what you get man it's it's just a fun comedy horror film Wait, why are they ex-employees well, because they end up, well, I mean, I don't have to give every single detail, but then ultimately get it fired <laughs> from an incident that happens. And they just, just still decide to help? <laughs> well, because, I mean, they're kind of caught up like, in the middle of it. Well, no, they're actually more or less just fighting for their own lives because these oh, donuts dude. are pretty much after them. Uh, that reminds so me of take- a story. Can I say it real quick? Just because it's funny. Yeah. All right. I, I had an interview the other day at work and I interviewed this kid and he worked at Subway and I interviewed him and his girlfriend. And basically the manager came in and fired everybody, uh, fired the whole, the whole staff. And then they asked the dude, Hey, um, do you mind, do you mind, uh, working like an extra week until I could get somebody in here to replace you guys? (laughs) And I was like, what? I was like, did you work? And he's like, yeah, I'm still currently there. I'm like, what the heck? Like some moods. If I was like, all right, moods, you're off the show, but can you just do like the next couple weeks? (laughs) What the fuck? <laughs> Who fires an entire fucking crew <laughs> that doesn't have replacements for them? That's just that's just ludicrous management right and there. Who stays after being fired? Yeah, and who stays? Exactly. That's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, something happens here with these employees, and they end up getting fired, and they just take it upon themselves to to fight off these killer donuts and stuff. Um, you know, it's it, it is what it is, man. It's a it's a comedy horror film. It's got some pretty decent gags, and it's some of the jokes fall flat in this one, but it's just a ridiculous premise. I, I mean, it's it's a, it's a killer pastry film <laughs> i mean they look so ridiculous and actually this, the donuts for the most part are cg and stuff but the cg is like so perfect for the storyline and it's just ridiculous but you know this one actually has a little bit of likable characters in it man like this this one dude who worked at this donut joint he is probably a little bit too old for the character that he's playing because his mom is about like my age <laughs> it's, it's like so bizarre when they introduce these characters you're like what the fuck that doesn't make any sense but yeah so you got these three people and you're following them and they're fighting off these donuts and a whole pile of stupid shit happens it's really ridiculous but the cg like i said actually works for the film because it's pretty 
it's actually not bad CG, but it just, it works. It's kind of comical looking and stuff, but there is moments in this film where they use practical effects. And, and basically this is our idea of using practical donuts is just people off screen throwing donuts at people. <laughs> <laughs> so you get that kind of gags and jokes in this and stuff. But, uh, you know, for a film that is fucking 99 minutes long or 98 minutes long or something, it went by pretty quick, I have to say. Like, there wasn't really a lot of downtime. There's a lot of stupid shit that's happening. But it's not like – I mean, this type of movie definitely would fit in, like, a trauma library. But it actually has a little bit more production value, if, that's, if that says anything wow. about it. But, yeah, it actually does. There's there's some pretty interesting – I mean, it's still super low budget and stuff. Is it but, better than uh, Retarded? Um, I don't that, – that movie's pretty retarded. <laughs> <laughs> or Monster Turd. But I don't know, man. I liked. I mean, some of the some of the characters in this film were pretty funny and stuff. And the the lead chick, Kayla Compton, in this man, she was awesome. She was great, man. She was super hot and stuff. But uh, really, not a lot to report on this film. It is what it is, man. It's killer donuts going around killing people. Some of the effects are pretty cool. They use practical. I think there was like a little bit of CG and stuff, but mostly practical kills and things like that. So, um, I had fun with it. It's it's not great by any means. Uh, but if you're into this type of stupid shit, if you like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Return of whatever, um, you might dig it. You might dig it. It's essentially the same thing. I give it about a five and a half out of ten. It, it's stupid fun. It's stupid fun. I actually like those tomatoes movies a little bit. They're I used to when I was younger, and rewatching the first one again, I was like, Ugh. the first one's not as fun. It's it's more yeah. it's more satire and parody and just like yeah, completely dry. Um, but okay, so. Uh, segments. Segments. Can I go? No, we go in order. <laughs> Come we on, go order, we got to go in order, man. What Come on. So, JP, what segment do you have uh, for us this week? Doing horror one hundred and one. So, uh, yeah, it's mention that actually. Steal my, steal my segment. <laughs> uh, I've been doing horror one hundred and one for a while. I, I got. It's, you know, for a while there, when I first kicked off that segment, I had a stack of, of DVDs in my room that were all horror documentaries. And I was like, I'm going to watch all of these. And that pretty much, I ran out. And that's why it only popped up from time to time. But I actually have quite a few since like two years ago, you know. Um, and I would do one here and there and stuff. But I actually have quite a few now. So I, I should be able to actually do this segment a lot going forward. So I like this segment. So... Um, the, tonight I'm doing uh, Machete Maidens Unleashed from 2010, coming to us courtesy of uh, Umbrella Entertainment. They put out a double feature of this film, Machete Maidens Unleashed, as well as the director's other film, uh, Mark Hartley, that is, who I believe is Australian. Uh, his other film is Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of canon films and of course he did not not quite hollywood as well the wild and untold story of exploitation as well as the 2013 uh patrick sequel patrick evil awakens which i've reviewed on here before um so this guy is man first of all can we just can we just stop for a second and say like this guy should put out a documentary every year yep oh he does the best yeah he's he he does like the best documentaries man he started in 2003 by by doing special features, I believe. Uh, he did one for, like, Turkey Shoot, and uh, he did one for um, Razorback and, and all these, like, Australian horror, like, gems and stuff. So then, mm-hmm. he, then he came out with uh, Not Quite Hollywood, which was awesome. 
Uh, and he's he his last one was Electric Boogaloo, which we all liked. Uh, this was his uh, sophomore effort in terms of documentaries. And this one follows the crazy uh, Filipino um, filmmaking era, I guess. Uh, basically, there was a time where uh, in the 1960s and 70s, uh, the F- Philippines was like a just perfect place to make films on the cheap. Cheapest. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was so cheap. And, and we've seen this from time to time throughout uh, history of film. Like like you think back to the 70s with Australia um, and 80s. Uh, you think back to the full moon of the 90s where they were going to Romania to make all their movies. Uh, Canada in the 80s because they were cheap. So, so we, we still see this today with, you know, films are still shot in Canada because they're a little bit cheaper in, in certain territories. Um, or, you know, even, or, you know, it, it, we still see it. It's something that's always been exploited in film, but there, there were these like giant eras and like the, the seventies was like really big on the, on the Philippines. And essentially it starts out in the, I guess, late sixties with the, uh, blood Island trilogy. You know what those films yep. are? Those are the, um, yeah, like, Brides I, of Blood. I, I got yeah, I've actually I watched Brides of Blood for the 1968 show, and I was like, <laughs> but um, I kind of respected yeah. it a little bit more while watching it in this documentary, just because how cool. Like, I didn't know all these things about it and stuff. And then yeah, they yeah. go on and they they get into like action and exploitation, and they get into the uh, women in prison films, like the the Jack Hill films that were made at the time. Which is really cool. You got like Pam Greer and all these uh, exploitation actresses, Sid, Sid Haig, um, and then they go into they even go into uh, Apocalypse Now, which is you know a big film, uh, and finally into just I, I would say that the last half hour of this documentary really really like amped it up, and I was sitting at about a seven throughout most of it, but then like the last half hour like really sold me because they start getting into like the people that are dying and like these, these Filipinos who are like, Oh, Americans jump through glass. Like, yeah, we can do that. And like, the, yeah, there was not no knowing standards. We use like sugar glass over here. They're just jumping through gla- plate glass windows, like cutting off their necks and stuff. And like, you know, like people are dying. They're like, yeah, see that guy falling out of the tower. He was actually supposed to jump right there. Yeah. He died. Um, and it's like, what? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Um, but there's like tons of, of big titties and, and, uh, just, just sleaze and, and grindhouse and exploitation. Like it's a fun doc. Like I I love the, I love all three of these guys, this guy's films. I would say this is probably the second best. I think it goes, um, not quite Hollywood, then this one, and then Electric Boogaloo. But really, they all three can can rotate because they're all about equal in terms of awesomeness. Uh, and this one is a little light on the horror. Definitely, uh, it starts off with like the horror, and then it like kind of talks a little bit about um, the, like if you call like the women in prison type things, exploitation, a little a little horrorish, a little sleazy, like. But a lot of action and stuff. Uh, man, there was one movie on there I want to see. It is like, is like this little little midget dude. He's yeah, all like, he Wang. He's all. <laughs> he has his own documentary. Wild Eye put it out, dude. Yeah, it's it. That documentary is absolutely fucking amazing. That guy um, is the shit. Oh, Check dude, out that wait, documentary. Till, wait till you watch his movies, man. It's absolutely hilarious. 
they couldn't get a stunt double for double for him because he was too small. So he used to do all his own stunts and shit. He'd be jumping out of like fucking five story buildings and shit. It's <laughs> funny, man. It's so funny. Oh man. The bond ripoff is the best. It's, I'm not even joking. It's the funniest movie ever made in the history of cinema. <laughs> I've said this before. You will laugh every two seconds at everything that's happening. It's just so funny, man. Oh, dude. I, I got yeah, it. Joking. It's the best thing ever. Oh, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Machete Maiden's Unleash an 8 out of 10. Very, very solid stuff. 8 out of 10. Man, isn't the uh, <clears throat> the one story? I can't remember who's telling the story. It's this uh, the one black chick or whatever. They're working on uh, the Black Cobra film or whatever. I think it's what it is. And she's telling the story about um, how there was kind of a uh, a language barrier, mm-hmm. and there was a scene where she was supposed to be uh, like pretend raped, but the the cast didn't. They basically didn't really speak English and they actually started to do things to her <laughs> for real. And then she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they're cut. And then they had to go and tell these actors, quote unquote, that it wasn't a real rape. Uh-huh. That, that was fucked up, man. Dude, I was like, there's, because there's... she's like, yeah. Cause she was like, I'm laying there and all of a sudden fingers are going in places where they're not supposed to be going. And I'm like, holy shit, man. <laughs> now that is some intense filmmaking right there. Dude, there's all kind of, like, really, uh, just, like, you would not get away with that shit in America, like, type stuff in this movie. No way. Um, uh, great, great interviews, by the way, from, from everybody, you know, John Landis. John Landis should stick to uh, documentaries. Like, he's a really good talker. Yeah, the um, them talking about them editing the films and shit was pretty cool, man. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was awesome shit, man. Yeah, For Your, for your Height Only is the film by wing wing yeah okay that one right there it's released by mondo macabro it's uh it I, I'm, I'm serious man everybody needs to see that film it's the funniest shit in the history of cinema i'm not joking and it, the crazy thing is he was like he was like a superstar there and no yeah, one had ever huge. heard of him and no one had yeah. ever heard of him outside the philippines it was crazy <laughs> but uh yeah man apparently there's a couple other projects and stuff i think that might get released or they found the they actually found the movies, so that's really cool, man. That's exciting. But he does, he does, he makes like the best documentaries, doesn't he, JP? It's yeah, awesome. He should do one on Full Moon. <laughs> well, like I said, man, there's a Full Moon documentary that there was a Kickstarter for it a couple years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, sure. Just like there's a new Argento film. <laughs> yeah, there is no new Argento film. <laughs> no, it's, I was, I fuck, it was Diodato, man. I was fucking. You said Argento, I know, and but then I was like, "No, of- there's no Argento film." I think I would have heard of it, and you're like, "Nope, nope, there is." It's much as must not <laughs> be on IMDb. Thinking, I'm literally thinking Diodato the whole time, and I'm just like completely blank, <laughs> man. It was ridiculous. But no, you got you never heard about that full moon documentary that was supposed to be. Uh, apparently, it got funded. Is it on Kickstarter? It was a couple years ago. Um, I don't there's, know. there's like there's like poster art for it and everything. It's crazy. I don't um, remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on with it. I've seen the websites and stuff. It has, like, really cool... Uh, I'm trying to think of what the hell the name is. Uh, anyways, I'll find it. But, yeah, there apparently is one, so we'll see. Okay, Jeremy, what's your fucking masterful segment? All right. My new segment is called Are You Smarter Than the Mexican? So every week I'm going to watch and review a film that JP has given a 7 or lower in the past. So I'm going to dig into the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Fault and pick a film that JP has given a 7 or below. And I am going to tell you, are you smarter than the Mexican? 
if you are, that means GP's rating of seven or under is horseshit and that he's wrong. And if you aren't smarter than the Mexican, then JP's rating is actually justified. Okay, let me ask you this. So if it's yeah. a film that I rated low and it's good, then you're not smart. I'm not smart or something. No, no, that but, means you are, the person is aka me or anybody that's listening to this review is smarter than a mexican okay what if it's but like if something rating, that i rated like uh five and it's like really like a three then then you aren't smarter than the mech oh no you're still not smarter than a mexican <laughs> <laughs> i think there's some plot holes in your concept but i did no it's not no it's not if you if the rating is justified then you aren't smarter than the mexican and you are actually right Anything other than what you gave the film, then you aren't smarter than a Mexican. Then you are smarter than the Mexican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god. Right. So this what, week, what, this I'm excited. I actually I thought what you picked was gonna be dumb as fuck, but I give you it's a it's still pretty dumb, but I at least like the where you're going with it. All right. So this week I dug into <laughs> the 22 shots fault, and I went where, back. Where is to that episode. vault at? 22 shots of moods and horror.com and ratings. i and i picked a review from episode number 17 which is the beneath and it is a film titled cry baby lane now cry baby lane is kind of similar has a pet cemetery theme to it kind of so that's why i picked this one so the history of cry baby lane as jp talked about on his review it was a nick film that was made in 2000 that was shown once on Nick, and then it was pretty much lost, never to be talked about again. It was like an urban legend. Did this film exist? Did it not exist? Nobody knew about it, and people were trying to find out. There was like the hunt for a VHS recording of it, and it was just like this huge manhunt to find this lost Nick film that was never to be seen again because it was too hardcore and disturbing, and parents were up into the arms. So Up into the arms? Yeah, fuck you. So anyway... <laughs> So it was finally re-aired on Teen Nick in 2011 on Halloween night, and then it was shown again now regularly, pretty regularly, every October on the Splat, which is like a 90s Nick rejuvenation that is shown on uh, Nick Gas, what used to be Nick Gas, I don't know what it's called now, and it's like every night from 10 to like 4 o'clock in the morning is they it show Teen old Nick? Nick. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is Teen Nick. But now they show it every October over there. It's such so, cool history. It really has a yeah. cool history. Like that's Yeah, really- yeah. So let's get into JP's plot holes that he says throughout his review. JP says, this film is easy to sit through, but not really good. Now, I want to know, how the fuck does that make sense? How is a film easy to Wait, sit so the, through, you're but not really good? you're reviewing my review? Yeah. yeah, man. He's like, this is like his version of critique the critic. <laughs> Okay. So, he's still so it's my easy idea. to sit through, but not very good. How does that make any sense? If a film's easy to sit through, doesn't that make it considered good? Well, it could be easy to sit through because it's short. It could be easy to sit through because it's it's entertaining, like troll. That doesn't mean it's good. It just means that there's things happening that are interesting to look at. It doesn't mean that they're good. That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> that doesn't make How? any sense. Did I not sense. explain that perfect? <laughs> I just don't think easy to makes sit sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't see that think that easy to sit through makes sense when it's compared to a film that's not good. I don't know, that's just my it's opinion. An that was one movie thing. that is not a painful swatch is what I was saying. And then JP also said 
it's a bad episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark but longer. Now I could see I could see that. I could see that in the sense that this film basically is just about uh this urban legend of this uh these two twins who were separated at birth and or they, they were separated when they died and they shared the same liver, which is fucking stupid as shit. But one is buried on the end of the street called Crybaby Lane in the middle of this field, and the other one is built in the cemetery. And we follow these two brothers as they do the seance in the middle of the cemetery and they bring the bad person the bad sibling back to life that's about it it's not that fucking interesting but i love the one-liners throughout the film such as who peed in your cornflakes that made me laugh and uh what else did they say who pissed in your wheaties who pissed in your wheaties and then um there's a bunch of wrestling references which this film feels totally early 2000 because there's fucking wrestling posters and wrestling (laughs) references all over the fucking place and it just made me laugh because it's like they're fucking just jp hates wrestling so it's no wonder why he hates this fucking movie because he hates wrestling and this film definitely is a bunch of wrestling and there's a quote that says you are definitely not the man because there's this train going across these tracks and one of the brothers on the other side the older brother and the younger brothers on the other side and the younger brother saying you're not the man and i'm thinking yeah because jp's definitely not the man either so it's no wonder why he didn't like this movie but uh, let's get back to the point at hand a bad episode of are you afraid of the dark but longer yeah there are better episodes of are you afraid of the dark than this film and uh, he also said dark stuff at the end that may be inappropriate. Yeah, I could see that that the film was mainly just banned because there's some stuff at the end that's a little bit iffy. But once again, it's not nothing that isn't seen it on Are You Afraid of the Dark. Uh, there's some stuff that is uh, pretty dark in that show. There's some fucked up clown episodes and some other stuff that is way more darker than what is shown on this episode. So I don't really get the point of why this is banned. The story of the episode being banned is way more interesting than the episode itself. Now, this is a good thing that should be like a 15-minute documentary about trying to find this VHS tape and trying to put it on the internet because that's way more interesting than the fucking movie. Now, JP gave it a rating of 5 out of 10. Now, are you smarter than a Mexican? No. I agree with JP's rating of 5 out of 10. Wow. So you are not smarter than a Mexican based on JP's review. So that is my new segment, Are You Smarter Than the Mexican, of Cry Baby Lane from episode number 17, which is the episode of Beneath. Thank that, you very that's much. That's probably the most creative thing you've ever done in your life. That's- yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. I, I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah, yes. let's see if he actually does it every week because oh, I feel do like he'll be week. too lazy. Exactly. I, I was, you know, it's kind of funny that you showcased a new um, uh, <clears throat> segment this week because I was actually going to do one myself, but I just decided to go with my my regular one. But I'll, I'll debut it sometime. It's not as creative as this one. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's props, Jeremy. I, I, yeah, so I am working on a new one, but um, but okay. Oh, no, I yeah. thought about that shit. Yeah, I, yeah, thought, was... I legitimately had no faith. I thought it was going to be just something really stupid, and it turned out to be just partially stupid. Oh yeah, he yeah. was he, he was dropping the curse words. And everything's gonna be fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. And then when Jeremy told me, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I like yeah. it. I'm looking I forward to like, next I think, week. I think yeah. JP might actually like this one. That's pretty funny. Next week, yeah. Um, okay. all right. So getting into my segment, which of course is going to be my Italian stallion. 
Um, this one right here is coming from the year of 1966, and it is called Revenge of the Blood Beast, also known as She-Beast. Uh, it is starring, of course, Barbara Steele, one of the most famous actresses, um, and directed by Michael Reeves, who is probably most notably famous for directing uh, The Witchfinder Witch General, also known as The Conqueror Worm. Uh, which was his last film that he directed. Uh, this one, of course, was 66. That one came out in 68. And then he died. <laughs> he just died at the fine young age of 25 from a drug overdose, I believe. That's fucking strange, man. Uh, he's actually a director from the UK. So this is like an Italian-UK um, kind of mashup production. All shot in Italy, though. Uh, basically, what we have here, we have a young couple, of course, girl played by barbara Steele. they are in transylvania they're traveling around europe and stuff and uh they're driving across along this road one day they have a car accident and uh they dip into this um to this water to this lake and the husband he he comes up he's fine and they can't find barbara Steele's character um and then of course she ends up resurrecting a little bit later they find her and now she is possessed by the spirit of this dead witch that was killed in that exact spot in the 18th century and uh so the spirit has come back and possessed this body to get revenge on all the descendants that actually were responsible for her death so this is what we have uh my thoughts on this one um this one actually is pretty slow it takes a little bit to get going uh there's a lot of backstory and stuff which is fine it's fine it's a it's pretty slow paced and stuff but pretty interesting uh what really sells this film though is the fucking witch makeup man it is to most people might be the worst makeup in the history of cinema or it might be the most appealing bad shit you ever seen and it's just so laughable it's awesome to look at i don't know um, but it's hilarious. It, it's ridiculously, it's so ridiculously looking, uh, looking that you just, you can't help but smile. But, uh, the thing I like about when, when she gets possessed is how aggressive she is. Like when she's attacking the people that she's out to kill, it's just like so aggressive and absolutely fucking so funny. There was m- many moments in this film where I just, I was bursting out laughing. I'm like, that is just ridiculous, man. So many unintentional funny moments in this film. Definitely not Michael Reeves' best work. I mean, Witchfinder General is such a better film, better witch film than this one. Uh, but, you know, this one has its moments. There's not really a lot of story and a lot of crazy things that are going on. Not too much gore and things like that. You know, it is from the 60s and stuff. But uh, it does have its moments. I do recommend this one. Um, I'd probably give it about a 6 out of 10. It's really not the greatest film. Not really a whole lot to say about it. But, uh, yeah. I mean, check it out, man. I mean, the Blu-ray has been released by Raro Video. Uh, there's a DVD version, which is under the She-Beast title that's been released by Dark Sky Films. Give it a shot, man. If you're a big fan of Barbara Steele, it's just really not a lot to say about this film. There really isn't. It's unfortunate. But there is some pretty cool characters, though, man. I really like the guy that they come, that kind of helps them, you know, deal with this, uh, you know, with Barbara Steele being possessed and stuff. He's probably one of the most interesting characters because he's telling the whole backstory and stuff like that, which is kind of saying a lot about the film. But, you know. Check it out for the shitty ass makeup effects. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And that is going to conclude what we watched. And uh, yeah, that was fun, man. That was cool. That was cool. It's been such a long time since we've done a round tree. I fucking love doing those too. Yeah, man. That's cool stuff. And uh, I guess let's move into the featured reviews with this whole episode, what episode 102 is all about here. Yes. Let's get right into this here. 1989, 
Pet Cemetery, directed by Mary Lambert. JP's favorite film. Or is it Lambert? I don't know. Lambert. It's not my favorite film. <laughs> well, you sure had your cock throbbing purple head and mule pecker out when you were fucking doing the top list of 100 films. <laughs> like, I need Pat Cemetery on this list, <clears throat> even though you sound so far it. away. How about you actually stay where you're? When you talking to the microphone? Talking to the microphone. I am talking into the microphone. You know, he, I always he gets so it's... fidgety he can't sit still. No, 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 no. Because JP had his purple headed mule packer out saying Pet Cemetery should be on the list, even though the acting is flat and shit. Oh my god. Okay, let's it get is, into the film. It is crap. The end the acting in this movie is flat. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Pet Cemetery, of course, based on the Stephen King novel. Um Stephen King actually wrote the screenplay for this too, which is quite interesting, directed by Mary Lambert. Um may have not been the first choice for this uh for the director's chair um she actually has kind of an interesting background i mean i still i don't know the full, i would like to know the full story on how she was picked to direct this film um because if you know anything about her previous past like she was basically a music video director like she directed mm-hmm. lots of uh, this was her videos for debut, like, i think no she did yeah siesta. Yeah, she did Siesta. Um, but she was mostly known for directing some pretty damn big videos. Like, she worked with Madonna in videos like Like a Prayer, Janet Jackson's Control and Nasty Videos. She did Madonna's Material Girl. She worked with the Go-Go's. Um, some, it's Sheila E., which is really cool from, you know, Sheila E.'s awesome. But that's pretty interesting. And then all of a sudden, she does a Siesta film, and then she's directing Pet Cemetery. I mean, it was kind of common for this to happen back then, though, for you to come out of music videos and go into film. Um it, in in the late 80s it was really that was that happened a lot i remember joe lynch talking about it but again she was not the first choice was she how do we know this um well i don't know how that whole thing worked out really like i don't know if it, if uh if uh well actually want to play the question <laughs> yeah why don't we just okay we actually have a voicemail from one of our loyal listeners here and uh well just play it. Just play it. All right. Hey, guys. Rob from Georgia calling in. And I uh, just want to say right off the bat, what an incredible episode 100. What a just absolutely fun to listen to that thing. And uh, so anyways, um, episode 102, Pet Cemetery. I got a question for you guys. You know, when I was a kid, well, not really a kid. I think I was about 18 when all the hype for Pet Cemetery was coming along. Um, but the director, Mary, oh, forgive me, Lambert or Lambert, however it is you pronounce her last name. I just wanted to share something, guys. You know, when that movie first, I mean, when it was first coming along, or rumors of it, you know, George A. Romero's name was attached to that film, going all the way back, I want to say to 82, and I believe Stephen King had actually sold the rights to him initially, and he held it for quite a while for whatever reason no one seems to know the answer maybe you guys do George A. Romero eventually dropped out of it now I know in 85 Day comes along and then by 88 he's into Monkey Shines and I think it's right in there where King really wanted this movie to get off the ground somehow Romero just drops out of the picture and Mary comes into the picture now I have to tell you when that news, I think, I can't remember if I first read about it in Bangoria or Gorezone, but I remember reading when the news was first coming out that this was going to happen. And I was so 
freaking pissed off when this happened. You know, just the idea of George A. Romero directing this, I have to say, when I read that book, all I kept on thinking was, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like when George gets a hold of this? And I've always wondered, ever since, what that film could have been, might have been, had he actually done it. And I don't know what, how much of the story you guys know about, but uh, since we're doing an episode on Pet Cemetery, uh, it needs to be talked about a little bit, or at least, you know, hypothetically, what do you guys think? I mean, are you glad Mary ended up doing it? Are, are you, do you wonder what it would have been looked like under George? But uh, anyways, I'm just curious to your thoughts. Great to uh, have you back, Jeremy, and uh, can't wait to listen to this episode. Take care, guys. I think, yeah, see? He wasn't right, like well, Jerry. He fucking recognized me, so fuck you, Jerry. Let, let me also think, read the follow-up email that he sent. Cause it, no, 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 no. Like, you should be more like Rob from Georgia, Jerry. <laughs> recognized me, so fuck you, Jerry. <clears throat> he said, hey guys, to be clear, o- over the years, Pet Cemetery has grown on me considerably, considering how much of a rude shock it was early on knowing that you were that you were going from the likes of Romero to someone who had just directed a Madonna video. As a teen, that was a violent shock to my system, to say the least. So I guess what I was trying to ask was, was this uh, incredibly missed opportunity? I often wonder what if the article I was revisiting the other day uh, in an old Gore Zone issue that came out a couple months after the film's release mentioned Romero effect uh, quite a bit throughout, but um, without offering a reason as to why Romero fell out. Apparently, it did weigh pretty heavy on Mary Lambert throughout production. As a side note, did you know this movie initially was headed for an X rating until it got cut down for an acceptable R? So, um... That's interesting. So, from what we understand, and whenever I meet George Romero again, I will ask him to clarify. Um, But, from what we understand, George got the rights at some point. And the film was in production. And he pulled out of the film because he was working on Monkey Shines. That's what we have. Yep. Correct? Yeah, it's, it's, uncle- it's unclear why he didn't just... I mean, if he still had the rights to it or if he'd gotten rid of them before he was doing Monkey Shines or what the whole deal is in there. I, I want like to say no. that he got rid of the rights because right now he does not own the rights, so I assume he had to have lost them somehow. And it yeah, but he only paid 10 Paramount, for it. it was you know probably about, when Paramount made the film. Yeah, you know I'm about just wondering Stephen if he sold King's, them off. Awesome. Yeah, like when he sold them off and stuff. You know Stephen King's dollar stories, so... You know about those, right? Because I'm assuming that he probably took the no. Monkey Shines project, you know, and he probably. I'm just, I'm just assuming that he still had the rights to it, and he thought maybe, you know, he could hold it off for another year or two. And the way I see it, you know, usually with the studios and stuff, there's always pressure. And I bet you they were coming after him, like, hey, we want to do this. Like, somebody wanted to get this into production and stuff, so he just gave up the rights. He's like, I'm in production with this one right now. If you guys want to do it right now. Fuck, here's the rights. I, I mean, I think film. they mentioned this in the documentary because I have seen the documentary, but it's now been like five months or something since I've seen it, and I really can't remember it. I, I, I it's, yeah. it's very vague in my memory right now. I've watched a lot of stuff, and, and information just does not hold in my head anymore. But um, I think mm-hmm. I want to say that it, it probably was like um, the film was in production. Uh, he had, from what I understand, he had extra work to do on Monkey Shines. Like, apparently the scheduling was supposed to work out to where 
after he finished Monkey Shot, he probably auctioned the script to Paramount. Like, hey, I I bought this script. Let's let's make this movie. Uh, they purchased the script to fund the film because that's how it usually works. They, they but yeah. they get the rights yeah. to it. Um, I think, but they fund yeah. the film, and uh, it doesn't sound to me like he was forced out of it. To me, it sounds yeah. like he made the choice to to not do it. And and let well, I don't know. Do it. I don't know. We are under the impression that you know Monkey Shines had wrapped up, and then the studio wanted him to go back and shoot another ending. So I'm assuming that that probably played into the factor of him giving up the rights a little bit based on scheduling and stuff. I, 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 the way I see it is that he probably was going to be doing this film, but then with the studio coming at him and saying, Hey, you need to do more work on this film. It, it, it is kind of, that's it, a separate studio, right? Paramount no, no, for sure. Monkey shines. But that, yeah, I know for sure. But I'm just saying that, uh, you know, with Orion, I think it was Orion or whatever. He's working on Monkey Shines. Just them stepping into him and saying, hey, we need reshoots. We need to do this and that. It, it probably played into the factor of maybe him going over and working with Paramount and doing this. And they wanted to start this project at a certain date. And, of course, well, Monkey well, Shines they might have to. Reshoots. Like if they had it all yeah. lined up or whatever, you can't. Yeah, because I do know that the shooting schedule for this film from the documentary uh, Stephen King insisted that it be shot in Maine and he insisted that this was like this and this. So Stephen King actually had a decent role in, in this film, uh, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in the production and stuff. So, I mean, if they had yeah. all this stuff lined up, like, like you can't, I bet you the reshoots fucked it over. I bet you the reshoots played into the, uh, the schedule in pet cemetery and you just said, I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm already bound by this film. I need to do these reshoots. Sorry guys. I can't continue Hell, on with this project. Just- Maybe he had like real big belief in monkey shines. Maybe he was like all four monkey shines. <laughs> Who knows? That's the thing. Who really knows? It's all spec- speculation. I, I I'm going to ask stuff. him I, if I if I should see him again. Um, I, I should have seen him a couple of weeks ago, but he canceled. So um, hopefully, I could get to see him again, and then I'll ask him. Yeah. To, to be determined. Look but, at you. Um, I find it pretty crazy. Look at you, reporter. This was. Uh, a can you hear me supp- yeah this was crazy okay this no one's fucking like acknowledging a, what i'm saying so in, i'm just making sure in x film like that's like it, it was there must have been a lot more gore in it i just don't see it being x anything in well it. i mean it got cut off so it, i know it but even if it now. didn't get cut it's like what more could you have to it really i don't know i don't know yeah i've never heard that before so all right so yeah it's interesting we, let's get into the plot Yes, let's do this. Pet Cemetery, 1989, directed by Mary Lambert, Lambert, whatever. Uh, synopsis, the Creeds, not the Apollo Creeds. <laughs> These are the white Creeds. Uh, the Creeds have just moved to a new house in the countryside. Why they Their house the is perfect. Creeds? Well, because they're actually white. <laughs> Apollo Creed was, so, was fucking... So in other words, they're not the black Creeds then. No, but Apollo Creed, he's a pretty known character in, you know, Rocky films. But anyways, their house is perfect except for two things. The semi-trailers that roar past on a narrow road and the mysterious cemetery in the woods behind the house. The Creed's neighbors are reluctant to talk about the cemetery and for good reason, too. Yeah. So apparently this a lot of this book came from Stephen King's real life. Mm-hmm. Um, like they yeah. they had a pet cemetery and it was spelled with an S, I believe. Mm-hmm. Either that or yeah. that came from the film. I can't remember. Um, but I know that the the whole concept of the truck route, that's like that. Like I've I've no places like that. One place that I, uh, 
there used to be prison guards who would get off and they just fucking go like so fast down this road um and a lot of animals and stuff would get hit and stuff but like it's kind of a simple concept because it makes sense like mm-hmm. th- this route like there's just trucks so yeah I, th- I think a lot of people can relate to that because there's just a lot of like those country roads exactly you know open road Mm-hmm. who's not going to rip along there right i mean mm-hmm. my my only thing is you no know, like if you had a family if you put yourself in that position would you move in to a place like that knowing you have two little kids and no fenced yard and stuff i or mean i did would you take i lived in would you, or would you like take the time with a highway yeah next did, to the house did you have a fence yard did you have a front no, fence yard i didn't i just that's crazy I was taught yeah. pretty well <laughs> yeah i mean i, I mean, wasn't, always I wasn't gage's uh, age i was more like ellie's age well, I assume you wouldn't be on the Twenty Two Shots of Moods and Horror podcast at that point. I, I think, um, I think if you know, if I were to move into a place like that, the first thing I would do, you know, would build a, a barrier around the front yard, especially you know, after kids. watching Pet Cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> like you have the I mean, benefit just, of that. <laughs> Yeah, through that true story yeah um so so who wants to start uh, jp why don't you start you're you're a, i know you're a really big fan of this film yeah what, I, love, what do you got? I love this movie so um i mean the opening itself i i think sets the tone immediately um you have the titles and the sad music and the narration over the cemetery um and then the first thing you see is a shot of a truck obviously foreshadowing there's a lot of foreshadowing and there's a lot of themes in this film so I I pretty much have that noted down. I have foreshadowing highlighted six or seven times <laughs> yeah. here in the first twelve minutes of the film. I've never seen a film that has so much obvious foreshadowing in the first like ten, twelve minutes of a film. It's it's like relentless how many times they just <laughs> lean towards this and that and this and that. Like I mean, in the first four minutes I was watching with the homeboy Dylan last night, we started laughing. I'm like, they've just they've shown trucks ripping by seven times. The one of the reasons to do that is because you're dealing with um like a child and it's yeah. like this impending doom. It's like you know something's gonna happen, but you don't you're thinking they're not really going to kill a kid, right? Like they'll, they'll like the cat or something or like the, yeah. the mom, like, 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 you know that something bad's going to happen cause they keep, cause they keep hammering it into your head. Right. And it's like an impending doom instead of it being like, like too much, like forcefully like hammered in, like how sometimes if there's too much foreshadowing, this comes off more as like a doom, like, because, because the way that it's done. Like, you know that it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, it's not It's not telling you – it's not, like, there to remind you, like, like oh, yeah, like, this might, like, happen. Like, how foreshadowing is sometimes done. It's there to remind you that, that something bad is going to happen in a way of, like, um, like a black cloud sort of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they remind you over and over again that most likely the tragedy here is going to be caused by a rig. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. Shocker. You ever notice, like – do you ever notice something in the film like all the rigs that that drive by are all the same company? Yeah, I know. It, it kind of like <laughs> it's always that gas company. Yeah. It, it's, it's probably the like the one, like it's probably just the one they were able to get or whatever. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like I because I was I said to Dylan last night I said, man, I wonder if it's just like unexplained or it's just they're just trying to tell you that yeah, there's like a there's like a refinery just up the road and all these trucks are leaving the refinery. 
and that's why they're always ripping buying kind of thing, right? It's yeah. never explained, but I I noticed them like it's the same company yeah. over and over again. Oh, yeah, it's always gas tanker. Oh, well, yes, yeah. yeah. It can't be gas tankers because that's why I was thinking there was some type of refinery or something up there. Yeah. So so um, JP, you don't think that the acting is flat? No, throughout not this entire at all. Movie. I think the acting I was... is fantastic in this movie. Oh no 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 no. No. Well, I mean, I Dale Malkiff Mal- has the same fucking expression on his face throughout the entire fucking movie, and he never changes the tone in his voice. He always sounds like this. Okay, honey. He never changes the pitch of his voice or anything like that. He's always in the same depressed state. I well, don't know about that. Okay. That sounds like some bullshit okay. to me. <laughs> okay, okay, Jeremy, Jeremy. Um, I understand where you're coming from here, but do you forget what he does for a living? Yeah. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. How many up? He's calm. Doctor, how many upbeat doctors do you know? Doctors are generally very mild mannered and just kind of on a plane all the time because all they business. have to deal with their emotions all the time. Dude, they're dealing with death on a daily basis. They're dealing with shit that nobody wants to fucking see. They become they have numb. To maintain this. They have to maintain this fucking this plane all the time, and that's why he's not just like, "Hey, man, hey, how's it going?" Just feels like he's fucking empty, empty throughout the entire thing, though. Well, what's the entire thing? There's clearly two points the entire where he, film, tra- he, he, he transitions well, from one way to another. Well, Jeremy, he, like he's doing the way he is at one point in the film before the accidents happen and shit. I mean, that stuff is so devastating. He's almost in. He's almost see, in a I don't, shock. I he's don't see a shocked. change in personality that much from before the accident and after the accident. Well, there's not a ton he of looks time between act, it. He too. Looks I think act it's more or less a shock. Way. And the only way that the only reason why I say this is because. There is a lot of fucking uses of close-ups in this movie of the characters' faces. And I think it's just really – that's why I brought it up because there's so many close-ups of his face. And every time that his face is shown in a fucking close-up, it's always the same kind of expression. Now, I understand. I didn't think about the doctor aspect that he's always – has to be down to business and everything like that. But well, it's throughout just, the get, entire movie, he never changes. But he, he does change to... though, dude. When he's when he when he's in his, you say his voice never changes. When he's no. dreaming, walking through the pet cemetery, like he's like, I just want, he's like, I want to wake up, and he's like, and then when he screams, when the the the, the accident happens, like that is earth shattering to me. Like I don't know where you're saying like his voice never changes. Like he he clearly screams like multiple times in this film. What did you do? You know, like he's he's screaming. He's screaming multiple times throughout this film. His voice changes a lot. Mm-hmm. He, when he talks to his daughter, his voice gets more calming. Like I don't know I don't where you're saying his voice doesn't. I change. feel like it just sounds like the same uninterested tone throughout the entire movie. I, th- I honestly, th- I, his performance doesn't bother me whatsoever. What, what about in when- fact nobody really does. I, th- I think the little girl's probably the bad actress in this film. She's got <laughs> some pretty bad scenes. She's pretty, pretty all right, honestly. Kids are always spotty, but I thought that she was cute. Um, but what about when the 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 father of the mother and him get into it at the funeral? Like, like that's that's a flat performance. Well, he mean? got flattened out. <laughs> <laughs> I think even in that scene, he has the same look on his face that he does at the beginning of the movie. Nah, I don't know, dude. He's not fucking crying or anything. He has that same dude. There's like, look there's on like, there's like hurt in his soul. You can see it, like, like when that casket does that. But dude, it looks like there's like, hurt on his soul in the beginning of the movie too. That's the only problem I have. I don't feel like he changes as a fucking character. You're reaching. I think you're reaching. 
I don't. As it's just that's the way I felt about. I mean, it. honestly, honestly, I can see where Jeremy's coming from because he is kind of on that plane throughout the whole thing. But I yeah, mean, there but is like definitely. Like you said, like, I, I feel like that's premeditated. Like he's he's a doctor. Like he's he's calm. He's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. even the way he explains things. Like like there like the, the the one thing that I love about Pet Cemetery is the themes throughout it. The themes are always the same, and it is the the lack of accepting death the 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 constant need to ignore it the constant need to sweep it under the rug to the constant need to not talk about it we see it time and time and time and time again in this film um and the, yeah, because they deal with it on so many different levels in this film, of course, with, oh, yeah, with, yeah. with children dying, animals dying and family members dying, um, which that that's actually one aspect of the film. I'm not really uh, too keen on is the wife's past and her visions and things are actually quite ridiculous in the film. Um, and I think it's because it doesn't bring anything to the actual four story. You know, with her, I mean, it's not the the core story here is about what's going on in, in her immediate family. No, I, not, I have that. I, think I have that written the down. Film, I think the film, for one, tried to squeeze a lot into the the film because I, I do think that they elaborate more in the book uh, mm-hmm. on some of this stuff. But the the themes, the bigger picture theme, like yeah, we're seeing one story, but it's a story of how people deal with death and how people ignore it. Of like, course. Um, of and course. each of the care, each of those scenes that you have are a different example of how people. Yes, they're yes. different examples of how people deal with de- with death. And you know, it, early on in the film, um, well, when we see uh, a, we see the daughter ask what happens if a church dies, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's a scene that that uh, you know showcases the parents not really wanting to explain death to the kid. Like we look at the scene early on when they go into the pet cemetery and the old man Judd is trying to explain, like, this is a place of rest. This is a place of peace. And the mother's like, how can you show this to a little girl? It's, it's like, she doesn't need to worry about this right now. And it's, and it's again, the mother not wanting to deal with the pressure of mortality and telling the kid that there, there is death. Uh, But it's the old Mm -hmm. man who is like, He's like, no, this is this is part of life. Death is part of life. Like, and um, then the the daughter asks about, well, what happens if the you know the cat dies and the and the husband doesn't want to talk about it because he's like, he's like, well, it, it, chances are you know the, the the church can be alive when you're in high school, like, and he doesn't want to talk about it there. And I mean, dude, there's so many scenes of people just just like, okay, here's another mm-hmm. one, right? The mother and the father are. are at the dinner table, right? Uh, in the morning. And the do- they're taking the cat to get its nuts cut, which is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she says, Daddy, is church going to be okay? And, he, and he, he pauses and the wife's like, promise her. Promise the girl she's going to be okay. And he's like, he's like, I promise. And then he tells the wife, look, there's a small chance that, that he it, might it's all die. Part of- and if he does, you're explaining it. Again, instead of being honest and saying, hey, look – Chances are he's not going to, but this is what death is, and it is possible that he could die. Mm-hmm. They want to ignore it's, that the entire time through the film. Every she character wants to it's all part of the she setup, though. Does, though. Not him, it's all, she does. But he it's all part of the does setup. in other scenes. Where? It's all part of the just, setup, Just though. give me an example. Um, well, he doesn't accept death, 
right? He doesn't he doesn't want to talk about it, but he also doesn't want to accept it. Doesn't when, he accept it when Victor dies though? Um, it looks like he's no, no, pretty no, no, accept- no. Listen, you mean Pascal? Yeah, that's his first name. I, is Victor. I don't know. I was just saying. Uh, is that yeah, yeah? Okay. Well, what is he? What's the first thing that he says? Is that everybody in there knows that he's dead? He even says it in the film. He's dead already. But he says he's telling them to do these things because he, even though that is his job, he's a doctor and stuff, but he's still not accepting that he died. He even says, we're doing this by the book, call an ambulance. Like, and the dude's clearly dead. Everybody knows that he's dead. So that again, on another level, even though that is his profession, you're not supposed to, you know, ex- you know, just be like, Oh, well he's dead. But uh, like, even then he's not, allowing himself yeah, it, to it, accept that he it's died. an example of dealing with you know showing the character and the way he deals with death and stuff the whole thing with the with the daughter and the in the cat and stuff it's just all part of the the aura of the film of the uh it's you not know, being the, honest the impe- about it, death and it's not the impending doom death. yeah it's just, it's just another it's it's just another way to show that there's just impending doom here you know, with, with the cat and stuff. Because I mean, re- read on that re- in that scene, like you know something and, is going to happen. I'll tell to that you cat. another scene, Jeremy. Go ahead, Moots. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's just another setup to the film. Like it's just you know part of that impending doom. When right there, when and, Church gets hit by the car, right? Um, even yes. before dude tells him about the pet cemetery, the first thing he says is, "Well, I'm gonna put him in the ba- in the garage or the basement or whatever uh, until I can figure out what to tell." Ellie. I'm not going to tell her yet. Um, that's, again, just not wanting to deal with it. Putting it aside and dealing with it later. Sweeping it under the rug, not wanting to confront death. And it happens with him. It, like So it does happen with him, right there. Like He doesn't want to be honest about death. Not able to accept death. And why does and and you know it goes one step further eventually when the big thing happens right and it's truly not being able to accept death, but the uh-huh. whole theme in this film is if you accept death, if you accept pain and loss, you'll be better off than if you if you don't accept it. Exactly. I mean that's exactly what the theme of the film is, right? So I mean I mean but this is this is a common this is a common thing with with just people in general mm-hmm. you know they they li- that's what they're trying to showcase here the majority of people have a hard time accepting death or even talking about death which they do you know the cemetery scene is a great example like you said with uh with judd you know like he's trying to talk about death and people in and, and the wife is just getting all offended by it mm-hmm. she's like oh but but that's it's a great example of how people can't even talk about death or and and the way people deal with death and i think it's a great setup man because everything in this film is so doom and gloom it's so doom and gloom. Every it, it, conversation, it every really scene depressing. is everything. It's just a really big setup. Like, I mean, like I said, from the first 10, 12 minutes of this film, there's so much foreshadowing uh, and just everything that's going on. You know, something's going to happen to kid, the cat, the kid, you know, this and that and stuff. And it's it's a great setup. I mean, it's just it's a moral lesson, really. And, you know, and there's some really good there's some really good lines in this film. Like, you know, death is, you know, you're better off, you know, and shit like that. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it, it's those moments in the film where you know and you, just you know the scene kind of that you're talking it. about that you, you feel like it doesn't add much well it doesn't necessarily add much to the direct story um other than uh the, the, again with the themes and the theme with that well, is it, they mention that they keep her in the back room again not wanting to deal with it they don't want to exactly. deal with it no, no, no. Th- not that scene in particular. That makes sense because, I, again, that is going with the whole overall theme of not being able to deal with death. And I understand that. I'm talking about the multiple visions that she keeps having. 
throughout the film. I mean, you can show that. That's fine. We get that. That's her story, and that's her not dealing with death. But to keep showing it over and over again, I felt like it was taken away from things at times because we are following uh, Pascal, and, you know, he's kind of that he's that spirit that's kind of guiding him and stuff. And that makes sense to, you know, to see him and, you know, kind of deal with the story that way and stuff. But when you start showing uh, her, her backstory, like multiple times throughout the film, it, it definitely takes you out of it a little bit. And, and it's always bugged me about this film. Like I understand completely why they do it, but you don't have to show it multiple times. We get what they're doing. The, how There's many times they show it too? No, like three or four. Oh, dude, it's multiple times, man. Yeah, I'm dude. not, I'm not even the only one. Dylan even said the same thing. He's like, we were talking about it. And we were like, man, I'm like, I don't know why they keep showing it. We understand that this is her dealing with that. She's, this is her story. But I to show it's scary. Times, I think that's why they show it. Cause that, that chick is well, for scary. sure. It's, it's the visions. And yeah, I get that. I get that. But you know, it's always been one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it's because it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, you know? And that's, yeah. that's really, I can't really justify why it's there other than that. I mean, it like uh, yeah, why they show I mean, it that much, but I don't give a damn that Zelda is the scariest part of this movie. And if you see it as a child, you like, I can't imagine that you will not be terrified. It's crazy when you watch it again, even like on in high def and stuff, the makeup is, it's kind of phony looking. Yeah. It looks like a guy. <laughs> okay. I didn't, you- I didn't, it is a guy. I know, and you can tell it looks like a guy. But that's the thing, you can tell. Like, it's like, yeah. I don't I know. I think it's because you guys know that it's a guy, it's, though. No, you can funny. see his I never knew it was a guy when I was a kid. I just really? thought it, it looks scary. Like, I mean, let's face it, they have better makeup. effects in the film. They have better yeah. makeup effects than that scene with, with her sister, her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like with, uh, you know, Pascal on his head. I always like that. Yeah, Pascal also scared the hell out of me when I was. He's a kid. my favorite part of the movie. Dude. I, I he's think so that, fascinating. I love he's that character, man. How he's just kind of sent there, and he's he's kind of the guide, and yeah. you know, it's a great example of like you know how people just you know even with that right in your face. I mean, it's still definitely not very the right. Native American, like these spirit guides yeah. and things like that. That's, like, that's I, I think that's, that's, that's why it fits sure. in this film. I've heard people complain that like it doesn't make sense why why he's able well, like why is this guy back like why are they getting visions i'm like i'm like it's just it's just that native american culture dude like that's just what it was about um yeah well and i think like it's because well, he's only sent there never creed never gave up on him so it's like well that he even says that he's even yeah, like he yeah. tried to so save that's me. why he follows him because he tried to save me so it's yeah. like that's why he's seeing him because he respects him because he didn't give up on him that's exactly. why exactly but he doesn't accept death is I feel like with him it doesn't really fit. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I I will say that um, I love the the setting, man. Like like this this main town and the the pet cemetery, and then like the Those way are my that, favorite shots of the film of yeah. him walking the nighttime shots and the fog coming out of the side of the path, yeah. and it's just him and, and him and Pascal walking down the path. Uh-huh. Those are my favorite shots of the film. They, yeah. they look fucking great. And then those are actually, the those rock, are by far like, the It's kind of cool that this is like a rock quarry. Like You can even see like the, the um, scrapes in the rocks from where they cut them and stuff. And then mm-hmm. um, on top of it is like this giant old like uh, thing. And I just, I just love the concept, right? Like, like the ground turns sour. Like they used to bury people there. Like like they come back <clears throat> after you bury them, but they're not. They're not what they were. And and you know the whole dead is better thing and stuff. Like I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So what do you think of Fred Gwynn's performance? 
I love it. It's one of my favorites. Everybody talks about like that's the one thing everybody talks about when they talk about this movie is his performance. Well, so it, yeah, he's good he, enough. If if he yeah. talks, you just listen. Like you're just mm-hmm. like you know he's gonna say some wise old man shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like when and he's even he has a problem. Like he's not he's not excluded from these themes. Like he even says, like, why did I show you? And it's like, I know better. Sometimes a man doesn't know the reasons he does stuff. And mm-hmm. he takes them up. And then that's anyway. why he feels responsible. That's why he feels responsible for Gage's death. Yeah. Because he's like, I introduced you to this and, well, and, and you know, that's skirts, why I they, say they invaded you. They invaded you and they took Gage because I introduced you to this this world. Listen, I yeah, think it's pretty powerful. That the what they mean in this and this has always been my ter- interpretation. A lot of people say, like, well, they know the road's so bad. Why are they not watching their kid, right? And I know that. And that makes sense because it does make sense. The road's so bad. They talk about it throughout the film. There's all this foreshadowing. I think it is because, like dude says, he introduces him to that power. Subconsciously, it makes you rethink the entire existence of, of life and the fact that life can exist again subconsciously you no longer know you no longer think that you die and that's it you know for a fact that that's not true so it Mm -hmm. makes you rethink your safety precautions on a subconscious level of how you live because it makes life seem not as precious anymore because if you're a believer i mean for judd yes but he wasn't responsible for watching you know no 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 no, no. subconsciously after creed the, the the dad, what's his name? Uh, uh, Lewis. Lewis. After Lewis is exposed to the fact, yeah, that life is not as as precious as you once thought, because mm-hmm. he buries that cat and it comes back on a subconscious level that makes you not as careful. That, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yep, I, for sure. I would be curious I, I if that's that. explained more in the book, because I, I yeah. really truly think that's what they were getting at. When, when he gets I don't know. Speech. It, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, that does make sense. It makes sense to a degree. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. I mean, it is from the mind of Stephen King. Dude's legit. Mm-hmm. See, it's hard. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you still would have to deal with that, though. I mean, if we're dealing with. You know, it was more or less of life and death and stuff like that. I mean, you still have to deal with it, even though subconsciously, you know, you know, if he does die, it can kind of bring him well, back. I mean, and I'm stuff. just saying um, it's I'm just saying you slip for a second, right? 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit easier to slip for a second. You know what I, I mean? I mean, it is human nature. It is human nature, though, it's, man. It's not like we it's always not get caught up for right? <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, you could be the most protective parent in the world, and you know, you slip up for one second, and you know, something it's happens, right? It's just, it's, it's really the way it goes. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's, there's not bona fide definition there to, you know, that he was showcasing the fact subconsciously that, you know, if if something happened, I could bring him back and stuff. I mean. It's definitely there, though. You can interpret. Well, I'm not saying that he's thinking that, right? Like, you got to listen to what I'm saying here. I'm saying that once you see that life is not this, and then it's over, and then that's it. Subconsciously, you don't take life as serious. You take you take it for granted a little bit more, just because you now have that knowledge that there's something Mm -hmm. beyond. Mm -hmm. There's a there's more. It's not just one and done. You know what I mean? So it just makes you a little more comfortable. 
a little less less weight like our, our entire existence is trying not to die that's what's always most important in our heads at all time you know what i mean on a mm-hmm. subconscious level like a primal level you are trying not to die and you're trying not to have anybody that you love die that's yeah, always 100 yeah. percent of the time our main focus we might not notice it because that is just the way we are you know it's 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 on a subconscious primal level but i'm saying once you're showed like it's the same way if you knew for 100 percent sure that there's an afterlife you don't think people are going to be like you know Oh, I don't care when crazy. I die. For sure. You know I, mean? I mean, I, th- like, I think I think if you're shown an afterlife in this context and it's actually good, I think people would take for life for granted a little bit more. But I think in this context, though, using your ideas and your theories here, <clears throat> I mean, he's uh, Churchill's come back and he's not the same. Like you can see, like the cat's a little fuck mm-hmm. face. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. you know, he even curses him out at one point in the yeah. film. It's just like fuck off. Well, the best actor is the cat. You know, yeah, and but, like but, he knows but, but that definitely on better. top. But there's, but there's also through dialogue, Judd, because Judd even tells Lewis about his past. Like, I mean, there's a whole pa- backstory with his mm. dog Spot and what he had accomplished with that. And you know, you probably shouldn't do this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but blah, I'm blah. not saying I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, you're looking at it as like, oh, once you, like, you bury that. Like, I'm not saying it's like, oh, you bury them and they come back different. I'm talking about the very nature that you don't feel like death. Like, death is as permanent anymore. Like even if mm-hmm. even if it's not in the context of it just changes the way our minds are wired is what I'm for saying. For sure. For sure. For sure. Everything yeah. you knew is is all of a sudden not what you thought it was. And, and you know, and on this note here, this is one thing I love about this film is because they stay true to this where we'll get into this in part two. But like, you know, the rules in this film are, are very they're they're very mapped laid out. Laid out. They're they're laid out. You know, out they're very they you know, if you die you can bring you can you can come back but you basically come back as a fucking a sociopath drone. Like yeah. you're you're basically kind of possessed with an evil spirit and you're no longer that physical form. You're that physical form, but you're not that human being anymore. And yeah. I, I love that fact. Like, you know, it doesn't matter just, who you are, though. Like I, just, I just think you come back with death like and that's what exactly. that's I don't think that there's like an ancient like evil Indian or something like I just look at it as like you die and when you come back, you come back death. with death. You're still holding mm. on to death while you're back. So basically it's just death itself. But I mean, you yeah, have and to you look know at, death. I mean, that's it, what you know. Like, it, you know, death it, because you were dead. But, you know, if you look at it, I mean, he's coming back and he's like killing people. Yeah, you know, like so, death is just taking other people out because this is what death does. Yeah, that's what I kind of always look at. It. It's like they come yeah. back as death, and see, the, it's funny that you look at it because the way I look at it too was, I've always kind of interpreted that when Gage comes back, and you know he's possessed by this death, whatever this evil, yeah. the evil force of death, mm-hmm. and he's a little bit, you know, not generally him, but you know, it's like. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm coming from that. I mean, I'm kind of a little bit indifferent. I think I used there's to think, a part of them still there in, in it. Th- this and... is what I was trying to get about. So Gage, there's a little bit of a part there. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you resurrected well, me. I said, from my I did say they come back and now with like, death. Not... You guys, <laughs> you know, and so he so he's taken it out on the people that brought him back because hence, you know, <laughs> death being better. You know, he's laid to rest. He should, this is his resting place. You're not meant to be brought back. So a piece of him, not just death, is going, well, 
you guys are responsible for resurrecting me, so I'm going to go and take you out, kind of thing. I mean, you can yeah. go either way, really, right? Yeah. So yeah, death, yeah. death, death, death. Sometimes death is better. They come back yeah. with, like, they, like I said, with death, not not death itself, but it's still the person. But they come back with death, and it's just, it's like a, it's. I, I always just took it as like it's two things, and it's just like it's a mixture of them. And then I think the reason, I mean, one, the reason why I kill is it's a horror film. Uh, but two, I think yeah, it's yeah. just because like, that's what they do. Like it's fucking their death and they were dead. That's what they know. So they, they are, de- they are doing that as well. Yeah. Um, so basically <laughs> when you die, your soul dies with it. And you know, if you come back, then that's what death does. It dies. Yeah. It kills and it dies. So, so more people so, are going to suffer that same fate. How at the do you hands feel it, so, yeah. about the the way that the the main death was handled? Um, it's definitely the stuff it, with the father have to be there. Is my question. I think it's better than the the way they showcase Church's death. I always had a kind of a. I thought that was a little bit lackluster. It's just like, um, hey man, I got I got something over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your, like, it's your, it's your really daughter's not, cat just laying it's on It's really the not dramatic the way yeah. they showcase Church's death at all. <clears throat> well, I but get on the, the sense that the dad doesn't really care. Like he, I don't feel like he likes the cat that much anyway. Well, he, he, he didn't, but I mean, it's still the fact. I mean, there was a focus on Church at one time, right? That's honestly you know, how I, I would probably react if there was – because I don't like cats. Like, I, I, I've yeah, but had, I mean – I've cat, never had an attachment still, to a cat like that. But still, I mean, just just the way it happened. Like there's no buildup. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's kind of stuck to the ground, so <laughs> – uh with with gage's death um I, I think it's i think it's pretty decent i mean it's i think it's because if, not- if there wasn't if it didn't have that shoe flip i don't think it would have been as good i think it's just that fucking little shoe flying up in the, the air shoe definitely is what makes it. it a lot but yeah. i like how they have the 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 flashing of the pictures on the road i don't know if you guys noticed that the background was was asphalt and then you mm-hmm. have the father just that, like to me, it's, yeah, one, yeah. it's some of the yeah. best male screams I've ever heard in a, in a movie. Like, like it's just blood curdling, like just hurts my soul, man. Like, like I just every time I just think that's like that's like my little sister. Like that's like because I, I don't have a son, obviously, but like it just even as a kid, I remember relating like, holy crap, like that could be me. You know, I think the scene is, you know, it's it's powerful. I mean, you you can see it coming. I mean, with all the foreshadowing, you know something's eventually going to mm-hmm. happen. So you're anticipating it to the point where it's just you're you now you're just waiting for the actual visual of it. I think the I think a more powerful scene in the film is actually when Lewis has a fight with his father-in-law mm-hmm. when he gets punched out and he falls, and of course Gage's casket fucking falls to the ground and his arm comes out and he gets that yeah. glimpse. I think that's the most powerful scene in the entire film I, because I agree. I, I you look that's you look more you look at his face, you look at Lewis's face, and it is pure devastation. Mm-hmm. It, it's just his whole life right there in a matter of a lid opening and closing. And, 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 and you do feel so much guilt too. Right, like, yes, like exactly. it is one hundred percent his fault. There's no even argument. Like it's yeah, his uh, fault, hands down. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I just you as a viewer, you you see that and you're like, fuck, man. It gives you chills. You're like, that's just savage, man. And then you feel it for him. You're mm-hmm. like, man, who's responsible for this and that lifeless arm? It's power. man i think you don't see you're not expecting the scene to happen either there's no foreshadowing to the father-in-law punching him out and having this casket open up at the funeral 
you know, I think, I think there's some. You, you, I think there's a line of dialogue where it says, "Oh, my father doesn't like you very much," or something like that. The oh, wife of course, says they, they're going to have these. Yeah, they're, they obviously don't have a good relationship. The father-in-law yeah. does curse him out. He fucking doesn't like him. But for a scene like that to happen at the funeral, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's all it's it's the best scene in the film, most powerful scene, <clears throat> scene in the film. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't I don't have a whole lot more other than I absolutely love the ending. Um, <clears throat> I think the ending is is a uh, just so mean spirited. Um, are we going to talk about the very, very end of this film? Because it does kind of, there is it, going into part two, it's brought up. There's a little bit of continuity, a, a little okay. bit. It's kind a of little bit. a little bit. So it's, there it's might, the right we'll tell them right now. There might be minor spoilers going forward here. So this is actually one of the other reasons with this film. I've always kind of questioned And Me and Dylan had a conversation about this right after mm-hmm. the film ended too. And we're like, okay, um, I was like, so what is your interpretation? And he kind of gave it to me. And I was like, well, this is what I've always thought. Um, it, it's it's a very – it's interesting how they do this because – are we going to – are we going into this? Are we going – okay. Um, so essentially the the wife dies, right? Mm-hmm. And you – know, By Gage. Yeah, Gage has come back. Gage has come back and, you know, not only has Lewis had to deal with, you know, now his wife is fucking dead yeah. and now he's had to kill Gage again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so now he's completely lost in reality. Like yep. he's lost his whole he's family. Mad. This is brutal. He's devastated. So what what does he do? He, you know, he knows the consequences of, you know, burying the dead in this uh, in this gravesite in this um, in the burial ground. Well, he does this. He does this again. He goes up there and he buries his wife, knowing that she is going to come back. See, I wish now, they would have ended it right there. I don't actually is, like seeing is, her come back. This is where I have the problem. So he knows that she's going to come back. And now he's laying on the kitchen floor, his back against the wall, literally. He's given up on life. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It's like, is he expecting her to come back and kill her kill him or was like i mean or did he was he going to take his own life or whatnot i don't know it's it's funny how what the thought process is with this whole scene because where it gets interesting is when she comes back to life which he knows that she's coming Mm -hmm. they hug and then she stabs him well they make out in a gross way and he's screaming. He screams like he doesn't want to be killed, but he knows if he's going to mm-hmm. bury her up there, she's going to come back and kill him. Mm-hmm. So why does he scream at the end? Well, I it's think a little because bit he. Well, he says it himself, right? He says he says I waited too long. That's why it didn't work with Gage, but it exactly. will work with you because what else does he have? Well, what to does believe? the waited? He, there's nothing left for him. Anyway. I waited too long, but. When did anybody ever say about waiting too long, though? Nobody. He's just but reaching exactly, for straws, so why dude. Would, He's reaching. It was what kind else of a made do you have rule. to lose? What? Listen, let me ask you something. What so, else does so he, he have thinks, to do? When what does he, he ever do? pop into his mind that if he thinks if he does it faster, they won't come back as it was kind of a crazy bitches. It's kind of because a he buries. Don't justify the end to think a little bit to be yeah, honest. Yeah, because he, no, he that's buries. What I would think church right, like, right it's away. Like, and... It's like you think you like you're like. Well, he doesn't bury him right away either, right? Like that's the next day he's like frozen to the ground and stuff. It could have been two days, um, yeah. but like what? Okay, my thing is like, what does he have left? Nothing. 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 His whole no matter. He's going to go to jail probably. 
right? If his well, wife's is- dead, he can't say my son killed her. The neighbor's <laughs> dead. My son killed her. You know what I mean? He's pretty much fucked. Like, what, what is he going to do? Well, the only thing possible that I can do is maybe I could bring my wife back and it'll be just maybe she can take care of my daughter. I go to jail or something. You know what I mean? Like, what, like that's the only thing left. So he's just grasping so- at straws. He doesn't. And he's kind of mad at this point. You know what I mean? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's I, – I accept your interpretation of it completely. It's just interesting because, it, it, you know, when you're sitting on the floor and it just seems like he's just ready to throw it all away. Like he wants her to kind of come back and and kind of kill him. I mean his thought I, I process may be like, like if that. I don't wait, I think that whole scene I don't is wait silly, too long. honestly. And that's my number yeah. one problem with the film and it's the only too, thing I take you can, points off for. Is because to me it just doesn't. You don't need to see her. Like you can see her come back and open the door, maybe, but cut away. Mm-hmm. Like the the, mm-hmm. the 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 that's pure horror movie stuff. The final boo scare, like the the make out and then the the grab the knife thing. Like it's so unnecessary. And I do it's know the they talked thing. a lot about the ending in that documentary, and I don't okay. think that that was something that that originally was intended. Okay. Yeah. See, like. You know, it, it, it's making perfect sense if you're in if you're in the mentality of him wanting her to come back and maybe take him out that way or whatever. But when he starts screaming and she stabs him to death, it's like okay. But, well, I mean, it still hurts when you get stabbed. For sure, no. So but I mean, he's screaming scream. like it, there's a different scream like ah, this hurts, and there's a scream like ah, I'm surprised that you're doing this. Well, that way, it I was a surprise scream because yeah. it's. It's a surprise scream because <coughs> she lifts the knife and then he screams and then mm-hmm. it cuts away, right? So it's kind of like, oh shit, I she's think actually it cuts gonna away take me and out. then the scream happens. Maybe, but, but anyway, I'm happens. with you. I think that that whole, <laughs> but regardless, whole end scene there, um, I th- it was yeah. in my impressions is that it's always supposed to be intended that he's just mad and he's just grasping for any way to solve anything. And uh, just hoping that yeah, maybe one be. in a and this quote from the second film actually fits here. If it's even one in a million shot that it works, like maybe maybe the Indian burial ground, like I would be. I'm the per- type of person that that does a lot of like thinking, and I could see myself being like, well, maybe maybe the ground doesn't work here, but like maybe this spot it'll work or something. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, like you're just yeah. reaching for anything at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think the intention was for him to just be mad and know the audience knows dude you're fucking doing it again bro but like in his head he's like it's gonna work this time I, he sounds crazy as shit when he's saying it too yeah and then end right there or when she opens the door but you don't <clears> need <throat> none of the other shit that that to me it like it takes away yeah. from the scene 100 percent. Mm-hmm. so uh do you want to go into ratings yeah i don't really have anything else on it i just i was really really glad that we talked about the very end because that's always been my <laughs> biggest problem with this film yeah just, and I, the like, very, you're right the very end yes i always say i love the ending but what i mean is like the, the mean spirited like he's doing it again type thing i, I don't like the end end part uh, mm-hmm. but yeah so uh, i love pet cemetery i think that it's it has so much genius stuff in it and honestly it's one of the scariest horror movies i've ever seen does it help that i've seen it when i was like five probably but I mean, to me, it still holds up. Like I love it visually. The music is great. Uh, I think like the Romeros did some music for this or something. Uh, the Ramones. The you Ramones. Dumbass. <laughs> How are you any different than fucking Michael Bay and fucking Blumhouse? Oh, the that was Romero- not fucking. The yeah. Romero. Well, what I mean, we were talking about Ra- we were talking about Romero earlier. So. Oh, I think the Romeros did some music. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna bust your balls for that one for a while. It's not buddy. that it's not that bad of a mess up. Like I'll take it, but it's not that bad. Um, anyway, uh, I, I love this movie. I did not know how to rate it. I really didn't. Um, I think that it has like one or two things that, that hold it back. Um, I'm going to take points away for that ending. Um, but besides that, I think that, I think that it works perfect and I'm going to come in at a nine out of 10. Jeremy. All right. Pet Cemetery. My thoughts on Pet Cemetery. I really like the movie i think it has a really really fantastic atmosphere i feel like i don't feel as much gloom and doom as you and moods do throughout the entire movie that doesn't mean that there isn't a a huge sense of something bad is going to happen here but i don't feel as uh depressed than you jp it seems like this movie makes you want to kill yourself and I don't feel like it really does that to me. I yeah, do have it problems. actually does. Like I get depressed when I watch it. I don't watch this yeah. movie a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't really get that much out of it. I think films that like you know the girl next door and Seven Days and films like that uh, hit a different point inside of me more than this movie does. But I could understand why it does that to you. I have problems with the acting, like I talked about. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels like that way, but I just feel that way with Lewis's character. He just doesn't do much to me in the acting realm. I feel like he's flat a lot of the time, but it doesn't mean that I think that the role is bad. I, my mind has changed a little bit now that you've talked about the doctor aspect. I really didn't think about that, which I give I you props for it, doing. But, like I always appreciate when somebody sa- says like, Oh, I actually didn't think of it. So that kind of makes yeah. a little bit of sense props yeah i really didn't think about that so i guess that makes sense but i don't feel like every a doctor would be like that the entire time anyway but i enjoy i i understand what you were getting at overall i think pet cemetery is a good film i don't think it's the top 100 greatest horror films ever made like jp thinks but i still appreciate it so i am gonna come in with a seven and a half out of ten all right um yeah, man, it's uh, it's a an emotional, tragic story um, about life and death and, and dealing with it and stuff. And um, I, I I really like this film. I do have a little bit of problems. Um, I think I always I always kind of hoped, and I don't know, man. I I wish Mary Lambert had been a little bit more subtle with the foreshadowing at times in this film. I think it's just a it's just a a little bit too much. You know, at times, I mean, you can be a little it bit more subtle with things like re-watch. that. For, like, if you've seen it yeah. before, like, it's like, okay, like, I know that they're fucking going to hit the kid. Like, I, I agree with mm-hmm. you. That, but I don't yeah. I don't know if it plays that way on a first-time watch. Yeah. I See, that's the thing. I just don't know. because yeah, you can't been, re-watch a film for the first time, so. Exactly. That's the thing. But upon re-watch, you know, I think the, you know, if it was a little bit more subtle, I think it would have a, it would be just a tad bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not really a whole lot wrong with this film. I think there's some really good performances and there's some really good ideas, some great atmosphere. The pet cemetery is the creepiest looking fucking thing ever. And I just, <laughs> they, they go on I, location in that documentary. That's awesome. And, uh, I just, I have this sense of the geographic. I can't figure out how far away this Indian burial ground is from the pet cemeteries because it seems like it's like fucking 20 miles away. It's crazy. Like, I, I just love that how far away it seems. And I just can't figure it out. And I always dig that in films. Um, yeah, but, we uh, have to talk about the fucking housemaid. 
<laughs> oh, the housemaid. <laughs> yeah, because that's another thing that has to do with them. Yeah, not it's just, thinking it's just, about that, you know. Yeah, it's another element. Yeah, it's just another element. Um, but like I said before, you know, I I thought the the overuse of the the wife's uh, past visions and stuff was just it was a little bit overdone. I don't think you need to to go into it that much um, because we do get the point. We get the point that everyone is dealing with death in their own certain ways and stuff. And the ending and the very ending is is something that you can interpret it how you want to. I don't really, you know, I do have problems with it a little bit um but overall a very very good film there's not a lot of problems with this i'm going to give it eight out of ten it's a great film it's good stuff okay awesome and stephen uh, king has an awesome cameo yeah he does because uh, his cameo is the best <laughs> it's totally awesome all right all right so moving in to three years later man 1992 with uh, Pet Cemetery 2, also directed by Mary Lambert. Uh, That's cool, which, at least. Yeah, I know, it's, it's rare. It's such a different thing, though. <laughs> like, it's so weird that the same person directed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not even on the... It's, it's crazy, crazy different. Um, it's a fucking blast. I don't care what you fucking people say. It's yeah, fun as shit. I, I'm I'm a little flabbergasted that you that you actually like this movie. It's crazy. Why? It's ridiculous. It literally makes zero fucking sense what is happening throughout the entire movie, but it's still it makes has... sense in the context of this story. <clears throat> well, there's yeah. a there's a fuck ton of plot holes in this film. Yeah, but it there just really has is. that early '90s <clears throat> shitty horror. All right, well, let's give the synopsis feel. so we can get into it then. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which one to read here because they're both fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, I'll do this one. This is a little bit longer. Uh, the cemetery is up to its old zombie raising tricks again. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a fucking retard. Uh, this time, the protagonists are Jeff Matthews, whose mother's died in Hollywood in a Hollywood stage accident, and Drew Gilbert, a boy coping coping with his abusive stepfather. Uh, so. Yeah, Michael so Rabbit is, Hutchinson. You his stepfather isn't abusive. What the fuck are they talking about? What do you mean he's, he's not abusive? He literally abuses him. <laughs> Dude! Oh, fucking... you're talking about Gus? I thought you were talking about fucking Eddie. Of course we're talking about Gus. <laughs> no, the cop. The cop I know, is, I know. I thought stepfather. you were talking about fucking Jeff Matthews. Fucking oh, yeah. no. Uh, you mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Not, not Anthony Edwards. Go figure. Um, yeah, this one, Edward Furlong's the star, plays Jeff. Um, he acts, he witnesses his mother's death. She's a famous Hollywood actress. He's on the set and she gets electrocuted, that, that, that dies. So 90s. Listen, it's I'm so going to say something right now. All right. Everybody who says that you can't like a film when there's a lot of unlikable characters should watch Pet Cemetery too, because every single character in this film is a dickhead. Everyone. I love oh, Gus. Everyone. Gus is my favorite okay. character. Jeff the Matthews are dickhead. so over the top. Ridiculous. Jeff Matthews is a dickhead because he buries his mom, and it's stupid because it, it comes out of nowhere. Chase Matthews yeah. is a dick because obviously your kid is dealing with the loss of his mom, and it seems like only mm-hmm. a couple days later, like you have him move in with your <laughs> your like stepwife thing, uh, and you tell him that you would still be with his mom. Like that makes no sense, bro. Gus, he doesn't even need explanation on why he's a dick. Clyde he's is awesome. a dick because he's like the the most ridiculous no, she was the housemaid. over the top. What? She was the ho- she was the yeah. housemaid. She was, she was the, the housemaid. housemaid. Well, that's even yeah. more dick. She took a job because she introduces herself as like yeah. you know I'm so and so and he's like oh, oh okay the new housemaid 
And then oh, wow. you, you kind of get that sense of right away where Anthony Edwards' character is hitting on her with her with his eyes right yeah. away. Well, they clearly have like a romantic <laughs> thing going on there, which makes well, him. What is up with fucking Clyde Parker's <clears throat> hairdo? Uh, Clyde, totally... Clyde Parker is a dickhead because he like what? I don't give a fuck what kind of bully you are. Look, I was a dick in high school. I made fun of people like crazy. I was a fucking bully. asshole. All right. I would never fucking make fun of some kid's dead mom who just died. Like that is next level douchebag. That's that's my thing, man. Okay, so get Uh, this. So basically, yeah, his mother dies. They move to this small same town. I'm not done. Drew is also a dickhead because Drew just meets Jeff and he's like, hey, man, like you're pretty cool. We're buddies and stuff. Oh, the the bullies want to pick on you. I'm going to just shrug and be like, I don't know. And okay. walk away. Like, what I'm gonna the take your fuck is cat. you? What the? Everybody's a dickhead in this film, everybody. I swear to God. Every but it's person. awesome. <laughs> everybody is a dickhead. It's everybody. so fucking fun. Stupid. But it's so, it's so fucking stupid, man. It's so Gus, stupid. Especially when Gus gets fucking dead and he comes back and he just fucking kills that kid with the bike. I was fucking pissing my pants laughing. It's so fucking funny. Which, again, that part makes absolutely no sense in itself either. Why the fuck? I mean, the <laughs> rules from the first film are completely thrown out. Moose, this one. I, I remember recently. It's, not recently, a long time ago, when you mentioned Pet Cemetery 2, and I was like, it is not. And you were like, what? And I was like, it's just not. And what I was trying to get at was just, it's not on the level, but I didn't know how to say it. And you yeah. were like, you were arguing that you love Pet Cemetery 2 because it's so different and it, and it doesn't follow the rules. And I was like, that doesn't, that's, uh, <laughs> do you remember I this argument? This you know, it's interesting that you bring this up, man, because before we watched the film last night, I said – I was like, man, I can't really remember it too much. And I'm like, I remember this and that. And then, yeah, dude, it was just like it – w- it was a shock to me. It was a shock <laughs> to me how how bad this movie really is. And, you know, it, it, it it's one of those films that's actually kind of a piss off a little bit because the first half of the film is pretty good. You know, it's kind of following this formula. But then the second half hits and it just goes goofy. It goes silly goofy. Like all the rules are thrown right out the fucking frame. Eh, who um, needs rules? The, Come these on, man. Zombie, these, these brought from the back dead zombies, whatever you want to call them, are now uh, becoming heroes. They, they try <laughs> like, to explain it in the movie a little bit. There's a line that says, well, it depends what kind of person you were when you went in, as in buried. So basically, you're going to do the polar opposite. Like, the cop is a total douchebag, and he saves Jeff and then kills the fucking the, uh, the bully. It's like shit like that. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that's ridiculous. And then, and then, and then he goes off and then kills his family and then shows up at the fucking funeral the next day. It's <laughs> like all this weird shit going on. It's that like scene so had me fucking, that scene, that's another scene that had me fucking pissing my pants laughing. That fucking yeah. car crash is just so fucking over the top and just, it, crazy. It's it it's is that so, part used to scare me when I was a kid. It is so fucking nutty. I love it because but it's you so have to admit though, You have to admit. You have to admit, Jeremy. This is a bad movie, though. Yeah, but it's so bad that it's I don't fun. think it is. I have. I think it's. Blast. I think it's very. I think it's off kilter, though, man. Because the first half of the movie is actually pretty decent. Like, there's a decent setup to it, and <laughs> then it literally switches on a dime. Like, once people start dying and shit, it's like. What the? F- and there's a lot of random scenes in this film too that are so weird with uh, Zowie the dog. And so why all of a sudden is Zowie the dog just constantly attacking and showing up at certain times, like randomly and things like that? Like the way it's shot and the way it's what do you edited, mean? like you kind of he's Zowie show up at random times though. 
What do you mean? No, like, I mean, it, all of a sudden he's attacking fucking Chase a couple different times in the film. Like, why is he going after, why is the dog going after him? Oh, Chase. Uh, Because he was at the kennel. Of course. But, like, it's not following the, it's not following the rules. Okay, let's, for the first thing we need to do is we need to accept right away that the rules are not the same. Completely different rules. I know, but I, I, I get that in this, but they're so all over the place. It's confusing because why are certain people being heroes and, and killing other people? And, and why is this dog like doing this? I don't think that they're like being heroes. I just think they're like, they're well, just dude, doing their thing. Like I'm good. Like Gus, Gus is a weird character because he, on one hand, he's kind of like fatherly, like, you know, I want to teach my son, like the good, the law and stuff. And on the other hand, he's like a complete dick that'll shoot your dog. So like, I think he has that parallel before he dies. He has the most contradictory character of all time. Like there's absolutely no reason why he would just out of the blue, save Jeff and then kill the bullet. Like it made no sense. He's not necessarily, he's still a cop, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's just like an exaggerated cop now. Like he goes and he, it's he's not like saving him. He's how just killing not, the other guy. How do you not love his character though? Well, theoretically, he did save him from a, a potential nose but job. There. I don't think that and, kid and then he was going to actually do anything to him though. Anyway, you know what well, I mean? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's still a simple fact. Even if you were a cop, and your mentality would be, okay, well, I just saved this kid from a potential disaster. You know, arrest, not fucking kill him in a brutal fucking <laughs> with a fucking tire, man. It's like, but then to top it off, he just goes and murders his family. Mm-hmm. Like he fucking kills his family. It's like what the love, fuck just happened here? Yeah, I love his. He's character, he's man. a lunatic. He's yeah, a lunatic, literally... but he's he's a likable lunatic though because he's no, fucking insane. No. I think he's, he's pretty, I think he's pretty likable too. Man. Yeah, dude, I, he's my he's, favorite character like in the whole series. He's fucking nuts. No, dude, he's so unlikable. It's he's ridiculous. fucking skidding those rabbits outside, and he's fucking <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's so stupid, but it's fucking awesome. And no, you're you're right though. Like they're like, and I think that that's kind of the point. Like, I don't think that it's supposed to make, like, I, I think it was a conscious decision. Like, he's going to do this good stuff and then he's going to do this bad stuff. And, well, and, the problem and, I have with it though, if you're going to spend half the film kind of developing this where it seems like it's going to go in one direction and then just kind of like, nah, we're just going to throw everything out the fucking window here and then we're just going to go with this. We're just going to have these people doing all sorts of random things. And that's kind of what the second half of the though? film. Yeah, but he was he was doing it's like fun though. Like, I'm not saying shit. it wasn't. I'm not saying like, it was you, fun. <laughs> I think you're so attached to the rules of the first film that you're just thinking like yeah. they should be bad the whole time. No. Like no. I think that the just, idea behind no. this one is that they're just crazy now. They switch on the tone too. The first half of the film is it seems like it's pretty he serious. He rapes you know? her in the first time he gets home, and then he fucking it just gets it go it becomes comical there's like a bunch of one-liners in the second half of the film yeah, that's it's what like, I'm saying. It's like he's he's not it's he's not like you're saying that he's good all the way up to here and then he turns bad like no nah, he's pretty no, no, i'm not talking about his character I'm talking, to, I'm talking about the no i'm not talking about him in specifically i'm talking about the film like it, everything is kind of going all serious and then it literally does a 180 and it, it just goes silly it turns into a sill fest it's all it's all silly it's ridiculous um, I mean, plus, I it's, it's, a li- it's a little silly, but I don't. Oh, I didn't find it like on. overly. You don't think there was a tonal switch there, right in the middle I of the film? I think the tone is pretty ridiculous to begin with. I mean, like the dudes like fucking making fun There's of his dead dude- mom and fucking like like he's killing the dog and stuff. Like it's kind of like I don't know. I, it, it, Most I don't, of the things like, that are happening in the first half of the film are not what, what meant is, to be. What's comical. the silly stuff? Like the comical stuff. 
the bunch of one-liners and him fucking yeah, saving but, the day, killing this and making saving, you know he's making I, see, jokes, you keep saying killing him the and day, shit. But I just look at it like he's the, just crazy, like he's a lunatic, okay, well, like, like yeah, he's a well, madman. The, the, it's not the the characters are still taking everything serious. Like Jeff is still taking everything serious. Okay. Like Chase is still taking everything serious. Drew is. Wait. It's just Gus who's okay. crazy. Like he's the only no. one that's being like silly. Exactly. I guess you would say, but it's that's because he's point. dead. It, he's silly still, because he's dead. Okay, but it it's just, it comes off as ridiculous and actually yeah, not I that just fun. I have but... one question. Yeah. yeah. One thing I'm confused about. Sorry to change. Who the fuck is the taxidermy guy? And how the hell does he know what the hell's going on in the first movie? Yeah, I'll clear that up here, man. So the taxidermy guy is he's uh, the old vet. You know where where you know how yeah, they yeah, moved I to this town vet, and, Ch- how- and Chase took over his it was his old business anyway so yeah. that's what he does in the spare time now he's a he's a taxidermist mm-hmm. which this whole scene is actually the biggest problem in the film yeah. because there's a lot of plot holes and a lot of ridiculous shit that's going on in this so basically he goes on to say that he's telling the story about how he had to kill the cat or take the cat out and stuff which in the first film were shown that Lewis kills the cat with the fucking needle in the first film. So I don't know where he gets off saying that he's the one that killed the cat. Uh, that didn't I mean, make any sense. Yeah, that well, doesn't. That's make... that's that happens a lot with sequels where they just ignore shit that happened in the first ones. I've always hated it, but I could kind of explain it away in the terms of um, they did like I'm not sure if the cat 100 percent died. Like they don't they don't it looks dead, right? But, um, well, that's interpretation. Of the film. It's supposed yeah, to be yeah, dead. I, but and he goes off to say, you know, things like because earlier in the film they do they do say that um, uh, that the wife was found and she went into a uh, she was in the nut house or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Not then the he wife, goes the off daughter. to or the yeah the daughter or whatever. But then he goes off to say that he actually killed the wife the second time. He, in this conversation, before he says that he, he took out the cat, that he ended up killing the wife too, and I was like, "What? Well, how, You're just going to throw that into the story?" I mean, well, he could have. He we, we he, he could have done that. He could have, I guess. But it's just like what? <laughs> but okay, there's another really funny part in this film too. Uh, so there's a scene where they ride their bikes by the old Creed, uh, by the old Creed house, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, and actually, and Dylan kind of goes, "What?" And I go, when we start laughing, I was like, okay, that makes absolutely no fucking sense. So the house is there yeah, in this scene, right? Well, we know in the, in the, in the original film, the house burned down. Nope. Right. Nope. 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 That was not their house that burnt down. That was Judd's house. So you messed up. Is that Judd's That's, house? That all yeah, took place went, over at Judd's house. Because he's, he's playing cards at the end. Yeah. He's, he's never playing cards at his house. house. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, maybe it is Judd's house. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Whatever. But, <laughs> but anyways, there's some ser- like I mean, the whole cat thing is like completely ridiculous, though. The cat thing's I a mean, little it, ridiculous, but that guy could just be lying too. Like he seems crazy as shit to me. You can't, you can't just assume that he's lying. Like, I mean, that's just ridiculous. He's literally just saying. We can he's also like, yeah, assume you know, that the cat didn't that, die. But, uh, that that was just a tranquilizer. I don't know. <laughs> again, it was but again, just but we're yeah. I mean, the, he his goal was to kill the cat. He said yeah, that's what he's doing. I thought he so. injected the cat with morphine, and that's how the cat died. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the cat maybe I mean, when, maybe when when you kill something that's dead, maybe it doesn't stay dead. Like maybe you just assume that that would kill it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like it's but it's all assumption. That's the problem here is that you, when you have to use the word assumption over and over again, it just becomes ridiculous. And you, you point out these obvious plot holes in well, the story. It is a plot <laughs> hole, but I'm saying if I can explain <laughs> it, then at least it's at least I can accept it. 
it if doesn't I can explain it myself. It doesn't mean it's right, though. <laughs> either, well, it, but. It, if there's no explanation, then it could be right if you decide that it is. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, you're taking it way too seriously, but moods. The, and you know me; I don't take shit seriously. I mean, I take shit seriously a lot of the time. I take shit I seriously too. And like, I, I, I point, just had my point I is here. Fun. My point is, if you're going to have a scene where Chase goes to to go and talk to this old vet, mm-hmm. why have this in the dialogue about him killing the cat and stuff like that, and how he killed the wife? And sh- if you're going to incorporate the first film, at least have the facts straight. Well, I, I that's all I'm saying. I I agree. I think you should too. But um, clearly, they fucked up. <laughs> I mean, the wife thing can make sense, right? Like that. That that can make sense because we don't know if he killed the wife or not because the wife's alive at the end of the, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, the cat thing doesn't make the most sense. But you know, who knows? Who knows? The the like maybe there's a deeper, uh, thing that that was like cut out or something that we don't know. You know what I mean? Honestly, that, I just wish that they had have kept the same tone in the in the first half of the film because it was going pretty good. Well, that was and my then- argument I made with you years ago where I was saying, and you argued with me bad with this too where you were saying that in a sequel it doesn't have to be the same i was like yeah but if you incorporate elements of the first film you just answered your question right there what this was years ago Uh people change Uh our thought process change i don't like this movie you're damn straight (laughs) this movie sucks i would like watching it again with a critical mindset and watching a movie and taking notes Mm -hmm. and picking apart things this movie is fucking terrible it's yeah. a, it is, it's not good. Yeah, but it's fine. I think but you I have will, to really I disconnect will. the original because yeah. I don't find that the the rules that they set up in this film, like they are completely different rules, but they still follow their own rules. Like they this do. Is, well, not, see, I don't agree with that. I, I think that the people are too lifelike and they're not that very drone. Well, they don't too seem lifelike like for what? For the first film, Something. right? Where they came back as like she's so fucking normal. <laughs> Look when the wife comes back at the end of the film, she's fucking normal. She's like normal. Um, it's like it's common. Yeah, it's but so that's the rules in this novel. film, though. I mean, I don't. I, yeah. Well, you wait. Which the wife? Which wife? They don't set the. F- the, like the wife who got electrocuted. That's yeah. The that's makeup though. She's wearing makeup. She starts melting. It starts melting off. I'm just saying it goes for everybody that comes back, with the exception of the fucking dog. Well, the I mean, the dog comes back and kind of nice too. Like the church wouldn't even let dude touch him, but this dog's letting him put him on the table and stuff. So the rules in this film are completely different. Like the rules are like that they can be no mellow rules. and stuff, and then they could just snap at once. Like the, I, there is no rules in this film, man. There is no rules. They don't talk about how oh they're going to come back in these different aspects and blah blah no, blah. But we see it though. We see it happen with all the characters. They're coming back and being like. The, the, they do say that it depends who you were when you died, right? You got to kind of – I mean at least in the first film, they set up these and they kind of give you these ideas and these regulations and stuff. In this one, it just seems like a goddamn Royal Rumble, man. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to that though. Like I'm kind of cool do, with it. But, oh, give me a fucking break, Jeremy. You with your goddamn critical mind sense, you're actually believing in this nonsense in this film? I don't think it doesn't have that same it doesn't have the same film. It doesn't have the same gloom and Dude, doom as I the first film. It's stupid. From the moment that from the moment of the I'm opening telling- shot with the mom's walking down the staircase on the film set and she fucking gets electrocuted and there's fucking shit exploding and shit like that. Dude, it's see, ridiculous. This, it's stupid. So it has nothing like the first half of the film plays out pretty decently, and I do like I like how they incorporate the teens and they have this kind of up up tempo rock soundtrack to it and things yeah, like that. It, it, it has cool. that feel. I, I like the first half of the film. 
I don't really have any problems with the first half of the film. I don't like the switch. And I realized I really don't like that switch. And it's just, I, it, it, I, I think ridiculous. that, I think the romp is fun. Like I like the Gus character. You can have like, some fun. He's with a it. dickhead early on. Like I feel like when it's, I do feel like it's two films mashed up. Like because it is like very serious at first and stuff. I think that the acting of the Drew character was kind of weak, honestly. Like if Jeremy wants mm-hmm. to talk about acting, that Drew. Oh god, he is fucking was... horrible. And this is the reason why I only had two other acting credits: one yep. being Forrest Gump, and the other one being well, fuck, some other shitty Gump, film. I mean. <laughs> he's, he's credited Wait, as the fat face. kid in the background. The fat kid in the background. Yeah, good job on that. So he just had cast. that look then. <laughs> yeah, he does so. look like the fat kid in the background yep. type character. He looks like fucking somebody that would be in Sam. Um, I love back. Clyde's character in this, like, and that's why I can't take it serious because the film, like, I, I can take it serious in the sense where, like, in the context of the film, like, I do feel like they follow their own rules they set up. I really do. Um, but Clyde, like, as a realistic film, n- absolutely not. Like, Clyde yeah. is way too. But you over the don't top take it. You don't take it seriously from I the know, beginning. And I don't. I don't at all. That's like, why I never, I I never it really because do. I don't take it seriously from the beginning. Well, it, I mean, if, if you exclude the bullying, them. if you exclude the bullying, then I mean, yeah, that shit is ridiculous and over the top and stuff. But I'm talking about the core story. Everything that's happening with, uh, with you know Chase and Jeff and stuff like that. It's it's all pretty serious, you know. Like yeah, I mean, there's they're an dealing emotional scene stuff. when the dog gets shot. Like that's sad to me. Of like, course, that's, of course, when that still works to me. Like I still find that fucking, sad. When you go to school, your first fucking day of school, and the, and there's like a huge memorial to your mom, and all these kids are like fucking with you and shit about it. Like steals that shit, cat. dude. That's <laughs> fucked up. That's some <laughs> fucked up shit right there. Dude, I, I took I took a snake to school because of this movie. Put put it in my pocket. I was like, this fucking kid can do it. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> That's what whole okay. day. It put it okay, showed in my. So, po- I had to keep pushing it back down. I crawl out. Another thing that in this movie that had me in stitches, man, you know, like getting back to the second half and the, the silly part of the film is the whole shining moment there when mm-hmm. he fucking dude breaks yep. through the door and he pops his head through. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, my God, that's the shadow to the shining. <laughs> but it's, it's stupid. Like, I think that's, Gus kills so it, dude. Like, he's crazy, dude. Like, he's he's just a madman. Like, he's he, he's one of those characters where, like. Okay, like yeah, he's being kind of cool, but like there's something eerie about it. It's like why is he being this cool? Like, they, like there's something like he, it's he's gonna snap. Like something's up with dude. this dude. But I just like okay, there's the little subtleties in the film though. It's like okay, this cop comes back and he's just crazy as fuck and he's silly. Mm-hmm. He goes out and kills his family, but then shows up at the. He, he kills the family because the the kids saw him kill the other dude. Of course, <laughs> and apparently of course. he broke the law when he did that. Of course, but like, <laughs> but they're like, I just love the dialogue. Like, yeah, did you see? Uh, did you see? Um, what's his name? Gus. Gus at the funeral. Yeah, and and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what suspected him at all? Like, it's just like a totally unsolved crime. People just kind of go on hey, with. Well, he's the sheriff. Like, no. What do you expect? <laughs> but, Is he going to no, investigate saying, himself? But, this but, is a small no, but town, still, homie. But, but still, people are going to have their own ideas of what happened, right? I mean, it's just natural for yeah. people to suspect something. I mean, it looked like pretty foul. <laughs> I love his. But, you know, I, I love his dialogue in this film. Like he's like, he's always like, Drew, buddy. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what are you doing, Drew, buddy? <laughs> he refers to everything as breaking the law, which is actually pretty funny to me. Oh, I love you know, it. I love he'll it. He'll do something it. stupid like not turn Dude, on the TV. Listen, you're breaking the law there, buddy. <laughs> on, on, on one level, on like a serious one level. One piece of meat, buddy. This dude is 100% like my pap. 
like in terms of like trying to teach me a lesson with everything like and i, I like it's funny like he, my pap might not go as far as to like killing my dog or something like that but like <laughs> he's crazy enough to do some some shit to teach me a lesson you know what i mean not not yeah, kill yeah. my dog but like it's not it, his dad on the other hand probably would have done that no joke like <laughs> like his dad was like piss and vinegar like gravel in my gut like mean old like just uh these are the rules and you follow them or you get a backhand to the face type guy you know what i mean so uh i can relate to seeing this gus character it's it's might be exaggerated a little bit but there's people like that and and i think he killed i i love his like police thing where he's like you know you're you're breaking the law you break the law you gotta pay stuff like that and he even says that one thing where he's like he's like uh he's like no person you or me is above learning a lesson like i I feel like there is strong dialogue in this film at times (laughs) okay okay because what Um, he's saying there is like he's kind of regretting the fact that he shot the dog and he might have learned a lesson himself but at the same time like there's there's a point to this thing where it's like look dude like this is life this is this is life and how it comes at you and and it's gonna happen Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like the parts in the film with, uh, you know, how they have it on Halloween, a little bit of a setting on Halloween and stuff. Yeah, that's You got cool. those typical Jason Dracula uh, costumes and stuff. Yeah. I do like th- – one of one of my favorites – Those kids are like favorites. eight and they're fucking drinking. Dude, that was me all day. Dude, that's that's us over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bush parties and drinking, that was Like that's common. prime age right there. These kids, what, yeah. they feel like 13, 14? Yeah. Like 14 yeah, yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. But I did like uh, one thing I did like, man. There was some pretty good um, uh, pet cemetery shots and stuff. The atmosphere was pretty good and pretty well good shot. Music. Kind of very, very similar to the first film. Um, but I really did like the scene where they did the uh, the aerial pull away shot yeah. on the burial ground. Yeah, that, I, I thought yeah, it was that expensive was scene in the film. Probably, man. And I, I actually really Not enjoyed. It. I totally noted that. I was like, oh, that's pretty fucking sweet, fucking man. Get it's a cool. drone. You fucking put that drone in the air. I love that because bucks. it looked. It was identical. Like it was literally the same sites. It didn't change anything. And you know, I, I like that that kind of set continuity and stuff. Yeah, it doesn't feel like exactly the same town. Like, but I do like all the scenes where they're on these because long show the roads paint. of um, like they're bi- riding bikes on like main highways. Like it's like it's like not a town. Like it's I, it kind of reminds me out here a little bit. You know, what one thing I actually wish they had it done in this film was have trucks on the road every once in a while. That would have been I a nice agree, touch to make but- it. It was not to make it feel like first, yeah. Like that the doesn't same. necessarily mean that was the same road, though. You know what I mean? Mm, well, I mean, they. I mean, there's scenes where they show where the pet cemetery was, and that was right yeah. there, where yeah. you know the Crete house was and stuff. So, I mean, theoretically, it kind of should have been, but mm-hmm. uh, I wish they had have actually had a couple trucks. I thought of that while I was just, watching it too. Yeah, I that agree. because it really would have gave it that idea, like, damn, this really is the same place, you know, kind of thing. Even though they give that shadow to the Creed family with their mailbox and stuff, it says Creed right on it and shit. So. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't yeah. really see the town in the first movie very much, do we? No, not at all. No. You see the college campus a little bit. Yeah, but that's about it. So, but yeah, I, I like, how, really they, I like the how they how the Creed murders have turned into a legend at this point, <clears throat> where it's like mm-hmm. you ever hear about the Creed murders? You ever hear uh, about yeah. the place where the dead walks? It's like Crybaby Lane. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Listen to my thoughts it's on cool. that. Resur- he resurrected from the dead and he had maggots all coming out of his eyes. And they're like, you know how kids, I, I like that shit too because kids always kind of amp up the story a little bit. Yeah, like, <laughs> Change things around a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of spruce it up and jazz it up a little bit. It's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, ratings? 
Yeah, Jeremy, go, what, what's your rating on this film, buddy? I think this film is fun as shit. You have to put out of your mind that this is nothing like the first movie. It doesn't have that gloom. It's not shot the same way. It just has that sequels, 90, early 90s feel to it. You could tell that this movie sh- probably shouldn't have had a mainstream release, that it should have probably just went straight to VHS. And I think we probably would have had a different look for it. I remember watching it on VHS back in the day. And I just remember the, co- the cover is pretty legendary, just like the first film, at least to me. But you have to put out of your mind that this is supposed to be nothing like the first film. And I think it's stupid right from the beginning when she's freaking walking down that castle and she's getting shocked to shit it doesn't make any sense but it's still loony and crazy i don't i don't feel that seriousness that well they show the foreshadowing in there all the drips from the water and you know you know it's gonna happen yeah yeah, but it's stupid because that wouldn't probably never happen to be honest probably not but i'm sure people have been electrocuted to death on set no. Yeah, you don't think that's 100%, ever happened. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then you know it's just crazy, stupid fun, and I'm I had you. a blast. I had a blast with the last half of the movie. Gus's character is so <laughs> over the top and insane and stupid, and he's just going around. It's a fucking slasher movie. He's going around. And he's just fucking everybody up, and it's fun as shit. And I don't really understand Eddie's furlong's craziness. What makes him go crazy that he decides to dig up his mom? I mean, really, that's the biggest <laughs> that, problem. That's I the have biggest plot hole in the entire movie. Because it doesn't make any sense because he that's doesn't act like that. A, that's what makes book. him a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't it's make just, any sense. It's just a simple fact that that was his way of he couldn't deal with death and he missed her so much that yeah, he just wanted to. Yeah, but he seemed I mean, fine up until then. He yeah, seemed that's a little a angry, but <laughs> yeah, but it's just like everything in this film, Jeremy. It's a fucking plot hole. Who cares? I don't think it's everything fun. is. Come on, it's fun. It's not. It's it not is. boring. If it was a bunch of plot holes and it was boring, that's another thing. But this movie isn't fucking boring. It's I didn't say over it was the boring. top. It's I over the top and insane. And I mean, I think if there wasn't Gus, the Gus character in this movie, it probably wouldn't be as much fun and over the top. But his character makes the whole fucking movie to me. And I'm not going to give it a high rating because the movie isn't good. But if you just want to pop in a movie and have a beer and eat some popcorn, then you should fucking watch Pet Cemetery 2 because it is stupid. Six out of ten. Right. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were coming in at yeah, like a fucking I th- I seven or seven and a half or some shit the way you were like talking this one up. No, it's <laughs> stupid. It's fun though. Yes, you're right. It is stupid. I don't think it's that stupid. Like you guys are saying, it's really stupid. But I explained <laughs> away all the bullshit that you had. Nah, it's this fuck all in your head, man. It's all in your head. Plot holes and retardedness. Um, yeah, I've said what I had to say on this film. I came in at a five point five. I, I think the first half is is pretty good. Um, there's there is some pretty comical and laugh out loud moments in the second half. <laughs> I just find this movie to be. I don't know, man. My thought has changed over the years on this one. I'm a little bit surprised that JP likes it as much as he does now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, I, I'm completely flabbergasted that you actually had fun with it. You must have been in a good mood watching I this one. I thought he was going to like it, if I'm being honest. Really? I would have predicted that he would have came in pretty... It has a stand-by-me feel to it. I think I think the way. reason why you like this film is because it came out in the 90s. No, 
it's just not boring. <laughs> All right, let no. me get my rating up in here. No. So, me personally, I have always liked Pet Cemetery too. That argument that I was referencing before just had me talking about how it's a big step down, and it is because it's it's <clears throat> it's not as serious and it takes a more fun approach. I don't think that the if you disconnect it from I, the I first used to like film. It a if you dis, you definitely did. You were talking about that. that I remember in that old show, it was like it was like I. Rem- it was in the morning that one we recorded early, early in the morning. In which I hadn't seen it in years too. Yeah. So I mean, that was kind of the thing, right? So yeah. I so, remembered it differently. And we say this all the time when you watch these films for the podcast. Like you're being more critical. You have like a different uh, mindset than just playing on <laughs> playing on the TV. You know. So that makes sense. But uh, I've personally always liked this film. Um, it's actually the one that I seen before the original. Uh, this is the one I, I, I used to watch it like, you know, four years old or something. You know, and I watched I watched the the first film at like at five. Like these were always on rotation in my VCR. And uh, Pet, Pet Cemetery 2 was was always pretty cool to me. As an adult, like I realized that it's a step down. I realized that it's it's a completely different film. I do believe that in the context of this film, the rules that they set up are not broken. I really feel that way. Like the, the rules I just don't. In this I just film, don't think they set it up. Okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, to me, um, I, I have no issue with like the rules or anything like that. Uh, I I think that it's I think that it's a really fun movie. I I actually think that there's quite a few like good actual decent scenes. Like the the scene with the dog to me is 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 like super sad. Like they do a good job with that. You know um, what? I'm gonna go to six and a half out of ten. Okay, good. Yeah, six and a half. Six point five. Uh, so I also think that the the, <laughs> the, the, the Gus relationship, the the the, the father son dynamic is is really really solid. Uh, everybody's a dickhead in this movie. Like, everybody. Like, literally everybody is fucking just an asshole. Um, but I like it, man. I like these assholes. They're cool in my book. Like, they're, they're, like I like this Clyde character. Because even though he is, like, a complete dickhead and, like, like he's, he's, a, he's a very, like, I guess... There's a lot of energy to his character, like that. Like he, if he's gonna be this dickhead, he's gonna he's gonna be this fucking dickhead, like full force, like. And his just his voice, like I like his little earring and shit. He just looks like a quintessential like nineties bully man. He got the dirt bike and shit, and he's just like yeah. I even had that written down. That stupid hanger. I call him the hangers. Cross in his ear. It's fucking yeah. I call him the hangers. Yeah, I like this dude though, and I I love Gus. Like Gus is crazy. Like he's so crazy like he's batshit to me like like he 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 just reminds me of like what the fuck is this guy gonna do next <laughs> and um i like that I, i've always liked this movie i give this film a solid seven out of ten. Oh my god jesus i can't I, I can't decide if i'm getting harder on films or you guys is getting easier jesus i'm Christ. staying the same bro <laughs> this is fucked up man oh yeah that that's that actually blew my mind i thought you're coming in about a six and a half or something like that but <laughs> interesting 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 nevertheless um yes i did find this celluloid wizards in the video wasteland that is the name of the it's a documentary on uh, the saga of the empire pictures um you can look it up there is the kickstarter actually 
was for twenty five thousand. He got twenty nine, so it did get funded. And there is a trailer on there too. It's like a five minute trailer. It looks pretty damn epic, man. It's on Empire Pictures, so that should trigger Jeremy to get a little more salty and butt hurt and start freaking out about the big box set. Maybe I'll yeah, get a, a press copy. Ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so is this? Uh, this is this was a way longer show than we anticipated, guys. Um, yeah. Way way longer. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we, we, you, we you guys have to stroke each other ourselves. off while talking about Pet Cemetery 2 for fucking 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm with Jeremy, man. It's a fun movie. Like, I watched it last night after the fights, came home, popped it just... in at like 3 in the morning, and watched the whole thing and had fun. Well, maybe I'm just getting grumpy, man. I'm just, oh, you I don't clearly know. Are. You clearly are. Pretty much every <laughs> film that I think you're going to like, you're like a point lower than I think you'll come in at now. That's crazy, man. So fucking weird. I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyways, that is going to do it for episode 102, Pet Cemetery 1 and Deuce. Baby, baby. We'll see yeah. you in Alien. All right. Man. They we we are getting the fuck out of here because I am way way late and I'm pretty sure my wife is gonna fucking kill me. All right, let's do this then. All right, thank you everybody for listening to episode 102 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. If you want to follow the man Moods himself, who is never on time, you could do so at YouTube.com/slash Moods616. And if you want to follow JP and listen to that asshole Jerry and him talk about a podcast, you can do so at YouTube.com slash DoubleShotJ. And as always, do not watch his Empire Review because he is a Mexican douchebag. And as always, you can follow me on my channel at YouTube.com slash NESRuler22. And if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. That's 724-426-6665. And if you have any questions, you can email us at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. And you can also follow us at Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast. And as always, follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror. And as always, please leave us a review on our iTunes and be entered into all our giveaways. And that shall be it, everybody, for the 102nd episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with the alien franchise show. I'm excited. Another another mahemoth of a show unfortunately you will not be able to find out if you're smarter than a mexican on that episode but next episode (laughs) you will be able to find out if you are smarter than a mexican and i bet you you are so stay tuned for that thank you everybody we shall talk to you in episode 103 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast talk to you guys later peace all right